Alright, here we are at the end of 2016, right. the year that gave us a reality TV show president-elect, took from us David Bowie, Prince, oh. Alan Rickman, Leonard Cohen. I could keep going, but that would take up all the time. But this is not the intro I was expecting. No, but I, I'm going somewhere with it. It's the end of 2016. It's been a crazy wild year, but I submit that it has been a pretty good year for, for movies in my experience. Yeah. And we're about to do what has always been... My favorite this episode is one of my favorite that we do. do every year. So welcome to I Like to Movie Movie. This is our top 10 of 2016 That's countdown. Right. My name is Dan Scully. My name is Garrett Smith. And with us, we have a writer from Cinadelphia.com, Mr. Andy Elijah. Hello, everybody. Hello, Dan. Hello, Garrett. Thanks for having me on. Dude, Absolutely. Thanks, thanks for, being for being here. here. And we are so excited. Bone Tomahawk. A Bone oh, Tomahawk yeah. to you, right. sir. Mary Bone Tomahawk. To Has the it really been there? a year that we've been doing Bone Tomahawk it's greetings? Been a year. It has been a year. It's been a year of Bone Tomahawk. Oh, yeah. We might have to, we'll see. Maybe something will ring in the new year as we uh, complete this episode. We'll find out. Some new. Nothing has really taken the place of Bone Tomahawk. No, I don't know that it ever will. That that bite. Oh, I know. It just, it's the greatest title of anything. Did you guys watch Westworld? I did. There was, in one of the episodes, some like natives showed up. That's probably the least sensitive (laughs) word for it. Um, that's and kind one of, of how them, they, the role they play in the show. Yes, the yes. show kind of deems them that role as let's well. Let's call them. Let's call them robo natives. And uh, robo natives appeared, and one of them pulled out a bone tomahawk, and threw it. And I was sitting there with my girlfriend, and I paused it and screamed, "That's a fucking bone tomahawk!" <laughs> and I marvelled that she is still with me. <laughs> so it's uh, that's how you know you. Found that was one of my del- yeah, yeah yeah. That was one of my delights of 2016. Uh, not just Westworld, but a bone tomahawk showing up in Westworld. Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. That was uh, it's spreading. I mean, yeah. who knows what the future holds for bone tomahawks? Yeah. And if our society crumbles, hey. we are going to be really at the top of the food chain, oh, we'll knowing leading. how to fashion, wield, oh, yes. and and use a bone tomahawk um i think it will come in handy we will be the immortan joes of uh yes. the future. <laughs> he kind of wears it he has like a bone tomahawk for a jaw kind of, right that's like his a, mouth a bone jamahawk all we need there is a like a dwarf friend hooked up to tubes <laughs> yeah. and we got the whole thing going it'll be fantastic so it is 2016 i um this is definitely the most movies i've squeezed into a year which right. made my list difficult because i'm very forgiving and i love most of the things i see mm-hmm. i saw 73 movies this year which nice. was i think somewhere around like mm. 15 more than i saw last year nice so i nice. keep every year i keep increasing the amount i get to see that's <laughs> oh, probably because we got to cover some festivals this year which yes. is cool yeah is that 73 new movies that you yeah saw? 2016 movies i saw 183 I movies this year just in general yeah very cool yeah i think i saw I think I've seen um, on my letterbox. It's I don't know what the last count exactly is, but it's at least two hundred fifty. Ooh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> are, well, my films all collectively of the year is three hundred and two, and then my new films Heck for yeah. the year was one hundred and fifty-seven. Whoa, that's so that's amazing. It that's was really cool. I, it's good. It's it's uh, stressful because I don't sleep, but uh, it's also <laughs> the best because it's like the best thing yeah. ever. It's the yeah. dream. We're living the dream. I y'all. know. It's uh, man. It's been definitely my. Best year, I think, as like a, a movie fan. I believe sure. our first top ten 
we came into it, I maybe had like 30, I and I think 12. you had 12. I had 12. So I we saw just had 12 to weed out movies. the two. Yeah. That, 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 so, so it was really a list of the two movies I didn't like that year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and even they were like pretty good. Yeah, they're <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They could be on yeah, here, yeah. depending on my mood. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, I feel like yeah. I have a much better uh, spread this year as far as like, it's like, yeah, these are like... To, I actually had trouble this year. I, you yep. know, I, my 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 real list is about twenty movies long. Mm-hmm. And, That's a good uh, problem to have, though. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Let's do it this way. Um, before we get started, what's the worst thing you saw this year? What was the worst twenty sixteen movie? I mean, I can tell you straight up. Yeah. Uh, it was Collateral Beauty. Yeah. That movie was absolute fucking shit, garbage, top to bottom. Yeah. And and I I want to spoil it for the world because you should not spend money on it. You should not go see it, but you need to know what happens yeah. in it because it is fucking bonkers. Yeah. Every new reveal that happens, you're like, this is this is someone greenlit this, someone shot it, and someone edited it. This is craft services showed up <laughs> to feed the people doing this. It's fucked up. I read. Uh, I didn't read your review of it yet, but I I read a review of it, and it's it's one of those movies where. You read the review, and you never need to see it. And the review just makes you laugh your ass off while you're sitting <laughs> yeah. at your desk at work. Well, if you want to know, yeah. like everything that happens in it, I spoiled it entirely. So by all means, but it's one of those it, movies that kind of needs to be spoiled a little bit. Oh yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. <laughs> it's like I'll never forget uh, one of my friends spoiling that movie. Remember me? Oh yeah, with uh, like Robert Pattinson. Yeah, I've never seen that, but I know the spoiler about right. That. The yeah. spoiler is that like. You know, he dies in 9-11 at the end, basically. It's a whole movie that has nothing to do with 9-11. And then the ending of the movie, it's just revealed that he's standing in one of the Twin Towers the day that it's going to get, like, a plane is on its way into the tower. Oh, that's that's stupid. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's a dumb thing. Yeah. It's like in the summer, but it's kind of, you must have assumed it was happening all along. Because it's like, I think the, you know, the movie is like the summer of 2001. A love story set in New York City. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> What's going to happen? Doomed. Tragic love. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I'm trying to think what the worst movie I saw this year was. I, I feel like I saw a worse movie than this, but just because I watched this recently in my like lead up to making the list, yeah. I watched The Monster, uh, which I've heard, you know, I think some people like. I uh, strongly, strongly disliked The Monster. Uh, it's, it is, I didn't think it was a well made movie particularly. It was kind of ugly, I thought. Uh, but the thing that was horrible about it was just like the story and the themes presented was basically like, ah, hey, your parents are abusive, but you know that's parenting's hard. There's real evil in the world. Get get prepared, little There's kid. There's a monster. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I do want to watch that because yeah. I've heard good things. Yeah. But- I know. Usually, when it when it bugs you thematically, I yeah. end up being pretty much on the same page. Uh, it's a little, yeah. Tweaked I'm hoping by maybe it. that'll soften it, so I'll watch it. Yeah, and hopefully be. Yeah, maybe you know, going into it knowing that it might be a little. Di- and the other thing, well, whatever. We don't have to talk about that fucking movie. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, it, it was, I did not like it. Yeah, fair enough. Fair I, enough. I'd probably say minus. It's got to be in the. F- the main one that comes to mind is Suicide Squad. Oh, I didn't even uh, see that, actually. I ended up not seeing it because of the... the so canned. Yeah. Well, it's definitely worth seeing. Yeah, just I will. Because it's, it's insane. And, you know, a good portion of it is a pretty enjoyable time. I mean, yeah. I, I went to go see it on a hot, hot day in August just to sort of be in air conditioning <laughs> in the theater. I went by myself, you know, just Sunday afternoon. And, yeah. and it's kind of an infuriating movie because it's sort of... It's basically two or three movies packed into one. Like yeah. you know, in there somewhere, there's a great action movie. Yeah. Um, you know that you know the trailers looked amazing. You know that it could have been something really great, but it just got you know kind of test screened to death. Yeah. And and 
the pacing of it is just totally off. And but I think if they had just trusted David Ayer, the director, to make his vision of the film, like it could have been something really special. I was yeah. bugged by two main things in that movie. One, why would like if you were putting together that team, why would you hire Harley Quinn? Her superpower <laughs> is that she's there. Her superpower is that she's like you know kind of annoying. She's kind of annoying, and she she can really pull off some hot pants. I mean, yeah. but <laughs> when it comes to otherworldly forces, I don't see why she is like a linchpin for the team. Yeah, and also Captain Boomerang, his power is that boomerangs work for him the way that they work for anyone who knows how to throw a boomerang. <laughs> but he That's loves it. pink bunnies. He loves pink ba- bunnies and Red Bull, or you and know he's whatever. Australian. It was. Yeah, he's from Dan Enda, <laughs> yeah. where they have boomerang. It was. I didn't. I didn't hate that movie, but yeah. I went in expecting exactly what I got, which was crap. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So it was yeah. one of those. Yeah, I'll see it eventually. I don't. I, don't I feel like the the ultimate cut that yeah. thing I'm doing air quotes for yeah. those at home is probably better. The yeah. downside is it's probably longer. Yeah, so yeah. So there's you know there's a trade. There. That's like I do want to watch that BVS extended cut because I hear it fixes a lot of things, and I'd be interested in seeing a better version of that movie. But it's like. That movie's already too it's long. long. <laughs> it's, yes. it's long. It's, uh, one of the problems with it is it's too long. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the second like most disappointing movie I saw this year. Yeah. Yeah. I so mean you're talking to a fan over yeah. here. Oh yeah. now the we thing can is have I, it out. I, I get why people don't like it. Yeah. I just uh in a in a year where every superhero movie but that one looked identical, bland and gray, I really respect that. They shot for the you know they shot for the moon and ended up crashing into the sun, but it was a beautiful explosion. <laughs> it yeah. stands out. It stands, it stands out. It does, yeah. Especially in retrospect, after the whole year, yeah. That, I that... did not like Doctor Strange that much. Yeah, um, I thought Civil War was good, but just bland. Yeah, like yeah, agreed. It's like yep. Everything's been bland. Yeah, that Spider Man trailer just kind of I was like, neat more. Yeah, <laughs> that's really yeah. where I'm at. Like, yeah, oh. I know, I know. What's that about power and responsibility and I'm... how they relate? I'm like so sad that in four years we're going to be having the same conversation about Star Wars. Yeah. There's no way it's not going to oh, happen. You're right about yeah. that. It, it's just going to happen. It, it's going to get one every year. It's just going to feel. And we're going to do yeah. our best to hold on to the yep. glistening yep. nostalgia of the original trilogy, but yep. I'm afraid that that's going to fade a little bit more each with each new Star Wars movie as well. well. We have to make peace with the fact that it's going to stop being for us. Yeah, yeah. Yes. You know, and that's just what we got to do. Yeah. On the bright side, uh, I loved the new Ghostbusters, yeah. but because it did not make the money, we're not getting the universe right. that they wanted. And so now we have a pretty solid, if you ask me, Ghostbusters trilogy, yeah, which yeah. I will keep. And I think that's cool. Mm, yeah. That won't get sullied with time um, because people feared that the new one, which I thought was actually excellent. Yeah, I really liked um, it. Was, you know, didn't sully it. They yeah. thought it was going to. Yeah. It was a pretty good year for movies. There was, it was the, I feel like it was a really lackluster studio movie year. Mm-hmm. Uh, which well, maybe it is all the all time, but yeah, it just yeah, it just it felt like all the seams were showing and all the big studio stuff. Um, Absolutely. Uh, I don't even know. I didn't think about this, but I don't even know if any of that's yeah. Maybe one or two are on my list, but not you know. Same here. Maybe yeah, it's it's mostly time. you know uh, technically independent releases, yes. um, which is a good thing. I love that they're you know because the studio system is so bloated and weird right now. The independent system seems to have like a really nice set of teeth right now. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, there's a lot of good stuff being made. I would made. say that 100% of A24's output that I've seen has been very good to incredible. Exclusively, like, great releases. I think I've got two or three on my list. I would bet I do, too. Same here. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's been a good year for movies, I think. It just has been a disappointing one for, like, the studio movies. And I would like yeah. to see that shift. I hope that shift is coming. Mm-hmm. 
Should we do it? Let's do it. Let's get should it. Should we do it? Who wants it. to go first? I don't know. How do we? we should uh, should we start with a host, move to a guest, go to another host? Yeah, that works. That oh, works. Perfect. I can start it off. All right. Because uh, we'll we'll start with a good one that I think everybody will want to talk about here. Uh, and I don't know if you guys will be surprised that it's this low. I almost didn't even make my list. La La Land is my number ten movie of uh, 2016. All right. Uh, I got a chance to see it last week. Who'd you see it with? I saw it with Andy Elijah. I saw it with Dan Scully, That's and me. I saw it with uh, a former guest Jenna Curtsy. That's right. Uh, what do you that know? will be on my list later. Yeah, I but, thought um, I thought it might. I thought it, we might be talking about this a little here. bit tonight. Uh, so I will. You know, what? I'll keep my thoughts brief, and we'll talk about it a little more later in the show. I really enjoyed La La. Here's the thing: it almost didn't make my list because I'm not crazy about musicals, especially movie musicals. I like to go see musicals on stage. Not crazy about watching them as films. Uh, and um, it really won me over, like hardcore. I like really, really had a good time and enjoyed the shit out of it. Uh, it. You know, I really liked Whiplash a lot. I think Damien Chazelle's like, you know, with Whiplash had made a case for like, this is somebody we need to watch. And with La La Land, like, fulfills the promise that came with Whiplash, I think. He really like shows off some pretty incredible chops in it. It became difficult to say that there was any other movie I could put on this list above. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I kept, I was like, I don't know. I just, I, to be honest with you, it's like, I don't know if I'll ever watch La La Land again. I really, really liked it, and it really won me over, and I kind of loved everything about it. I have nothing to complain about with it, really. Some pacing issues aside. But it just, I kept looking at the other movies that I wanted to put on this list, and there was just nothing that was, like, the same achievement. It didn't, nothing moved me like that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it, it really, it did affect me in a pretty big, bad way. Usually when a filmmaker is in the interest of showing off. Yeah. It gets gaudy. Yeah. And this had every opportunity to do that. Yeah. And I don't think it ever got there. I but agree. It never stopped showing off. Like the, the brakes weren't, totally. weren't pumped on it. The thing that um that I think impressed me most about La La Land in terms of Damien Chazelle is that we often oh I love that shirt. Uh, we often talk <laughs> I about took my uh, sweater off and I'm wearing a the thing shirt. Oh, oh complete <laughs> with the, the wolf with red eyes there. Oh, I love that's it. great. Uh, and some oh, tentacle yeah. action. I love it. Very nice. And um we we often talk about how Folks like Darren Aronofsky, David yeah. Fincher, Danny Boyle, mm -hmm. um, they all came out strong. And all of their original movies were like, you're watching a movie. Yeah. Watch this camera shake. Watch this. And yeah. It was very exciting. And then they all kind of evolved. And we got things like The Wrestler, which is very much an Aronofsky oh, film, yeah. but it's more muted. We got The Social Net, or uh, oh, fucking Zodiac is probably Zodiac. a better example, mm -hmm. which is the most streamlined yet definitively Fincher movie. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Damien Chazelle got there in two movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah cuz I mean this movie really could like have gone off the rails like quick and easy just with the like you know Sing Street I know is like a, a big movie for a lot of people this year. I don't know if we'll talk about it later. I haven't seen it. Um it it we is We might. Uh, it's <laughs> oh. not it didn't make my list. Uh, and I would say <laughs> that that is like one of the things that I liked Sing Street. I thought that Sing Street was very good. But Sing Street does like really get into the gaudiness of like these are musical numbers and they mean something to these characters and that you know and I felt like La La Land did a really good job of almost like being a movie that happened to have musical numbers in it mm. if that makes sense it uh, modernized absolutely. that form yeah and, and kind of brought it into the modern era yeah I feel like um, while still sticking firmly with a foot in the past though because absolutely. you know it just. It obviously loves classic musicals in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. Classic Hollywood golden age. And mm -hmm. it's so much about that. And the music, you know, it's not like, oh, we're going to do a musical, but we're going to, you know, have it be like trap music. Or it's, it's not like <laughs> current, like, you know, Taylor Swift is like, it's not like. It's not across the universe. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not pop music. It's yeah. not pop music. It is firmly rooted in this old style of music, but it 
updates it to modern times. It's definitely 2016. It's definitely today. And it, it's it, in that way, it's kind of, it's sort of timeless in a way. Mm. And, and mm-hmm. I loved the way that it kind of had one foot in the past, one foot in the future, which itself works into the narrative. Yeah, know, with, absolutely. Uh, with Ryan Gosling's character, Sebastian, also being a guy who idealizes the past, but hey, you know, he doesn't have a time machine. He has to live in the present. He has yeah. to figure out a way to have a successful life and a happy life in the present moment and still be able to connect with, you know, the people in his life. Mm. And obviously he's not going to be successful at that if he's just sitting around sort of, you know, talking about how much better things used to be. He's not going to sit on that stool. Right. (laughs) And to me, this is where I'll leave my thoughts on La La Land and then we'll we'll talk about it more when we get get to you guys. stuff. uh, The finale solidify. I mean, Chazelle is like in two movies hit, both finales are like really incredible and really moving mm-hmm. and yes. really, really hit you hard. It all leads uh, up to that. Yeah. And like there was a point just before the finale or even going into the finale of La La Land that I was, that's when the pacing issues were starting to hit me and stuff. And I was like, I don't know what we're doing here really. And then he just like pulled the thread through and it really like rocked me. I was like thinking about it all week. Like mm. what that ending is and what it means. I've been listening and to that soundtrack on Spotify. I can't a lot. stop singing Same that here. song. That's like the re- the repeated theme. I, yeah, still. yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, mean, I do it, like that. It ultimately led to the uh, he's got to think about his whole life before he goes. <laughs> <Yeah. on> st- <laughs> like Dewey Cox <laughs> has to think about his whole life. Yeah. Seb's got to think about his whole life before playing City of Stars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, I, so I did. I you know. It was magical enough that it squeezed its way onto my list, and I literally tried to fight it off of it. So it's unfightable. Yeah, you can't yep. resist that yep. movie. Nope. It's yep. charming as shit. Yep. Yeah. Do you uh, want to go? Or you want Andy, me to go? Watch number ten. I'll go. Uh, so my number ten is a movie called Louder Than Bombs. It's ah. by Joachim Trier, or I, I always pronounce it Joachim Trier. Mm-hmm. But I'm the Joaquin various. Phoenix made a movie yeah, so Joaquin, uh-huh. <laughs> from Joaquin Phoenix. Um, how great would that be if I thought that? That would that would be like that would change everything. <laughs> so uh, this is a movie from a Norwegian director uh, who's actually apparently a cousin of Lars von Trier, oh. but um, but he's very he couldn't be more different um, in tone and content. Um, he is a director. Have you guys heard of him before? No, no, I've heard the title of this mm-hmm. movie, yeah, and that's as far as my knowledge yeah. yep. goes. Perfect. Well, I'm glad to have kind of an outlier then. Please. Um, so he is a Norwegian director who's made. His last film, Oslo, August 31st, is like one of my favorite movies of the century, basically. I would probably put it, it in my top August 10 Osage films. County, you say. <laughs> <laughs> Directed by Joaquin Phoenix. Meryl Streep. <laughs> yeah. I'm all about that Meryl Streep life. You just made the best drag name ever. Joaquin, Joaquin. Phoenix. <laughs> that would be, oh my God, amazing. Um, so, Louder Than Bombs is just is a story basically about a, um, about a mother who passes away. You know, you see this in the trailer, so it's not a spoiler. Uh, played by, actually, Isabelle Huppert. Oh. Uh, should be appearing actress. on my list. Oh, ah. All right. So, so this is her third movie that she appeared in this year. I, fuck it. I know. I saw, like, I was watching David Eldrick's 25 of the year, and he had another movie that she yeah. was in on his list. I was like, what yes. the fuck? This lady was in so many she's movies. Like, she was in everything. She's yeah. like my favorite babe. She's great. <laughs> and she was in Westworld, her. too. Was she? No, 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 that was, oh, that I was thinking of the uh, other... Uh, Babette Sidzay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sidzay Babset Nudson. The Duke of Burgundy. (laughs) Duke of Burgundy, Burgundy. yeah, yeah, yeah. The Duchess of Burgundy. So, yeah, so uh, Isabelle Huppert plays like a war photographer who who passes away in a car accident and her family, but it's revealed pretty early on that um, she actually committed suicide. 
So the family's kind of figuring out a way to break it to the youngest son. And this is all takes place in like upstate New York, like kind of, you know, the New York suburbs. And it's just a beautiful, gorgeous movie. Um, I had kind of let it sink way down on my list. And then today when I was making the list, I, when I was kind of doing my final edits, it actually probably climbed up like six or seven spots. Oh, just wow. I couldn't really bear to leave it off. Um, it climbed up to 10. Yeah. <laughs> so it really a, did. You yeah. have a thorough this list. Was, going yeah, on. Yeah. This was a big jump. Yeah. So I, I have, like you guys, I probably have about like 20, 25 films that were sort of in contention. Yeah. And this one was kind of sinking down to like the lower parts of that, but couldn't leave it off. Um, it also stars Gabriel Byrne, Jesse oh. Eisenberg, David Strathairn, a bunch of other. That's a great cast. Yeah, a great cast. And uh, also, but ironically, the probably the biggest role in the film belongs to uh, this uh, young guy named Devin Druin, who played young Louis C.K., um, on uh, you know the show Louis oh and uh, what is the, who's this Louis C.K. speaking <laughs> of? Uh, I don't know he's just got you might you're wearing a black shirt and jeans so you fair enough probably, <laughs> probably never heard of him but so it's basically you know I'll keep it pretty short it's just a movie that's about grief it's a movie about sort of a family coming to terms with you know death with the death of a loved one um, who kind of held the family together and coming to terms with like, her legacy the life that she led the life she could have led the life she didn't lead all kinds of secrets sort of come out um but really the best part of it is you know that it it kind of takes place in this it really takes full advantage of like you know things like music and cinematography to really construct a sort of non-linear story um that just works very much deep in the concepts of memory and I'll, I'll read a quote um, that really summed it up perfectly on the AV Club by A.A. Um, a. Dowd. It's, there is no present tense in a Joachim Trier movie. His characters are always disappearing into their memories or fantasizing about what's still to come. And that's mm. just like us, you know, like yeah. every day, you know, you're sitting around and you're, you're kind of, you get caught up in your memory. And then, you know, then suddenly you snap out of it, you come back to the present moment. And then you start worrying about the future. You snap out of it. You come back to what you have to do. And, mm-hmm. and you know, it, it's just his movies really work in sort of the natural rhythms of life in a way. And, and this movie really kind of succeeds at that. And um, it also, I'm a big fan of the show In Treatment. That was on HBO. Oh, mm-hmm. I saw a few episodes of that. Episodes? That was a really great format, how they did yes. that. Yeah. yeah, Gabriel Byrne uh, was the therapist in that show. And he would do half-hour episodes where each of them were basically like little therapy sessions mm. um, almost entirely sort of. If I remember correctly, uh, they did two a week, right? Something like uh, that, like I think two it was, different It was patients. four or five acts, four okay. or five a week, actually. And so every episode would be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday with a different patient, and then Friday he would go see his therapist. So that show kind of ended after three seasons, and this movie is really similar in that kind of tone, that very sort of cerebral but, you know, very highly literate, you know, very, very literary Kind of tone, and so I like to think that it's this, and also with it starring Gabriel Byrne playing a very similar kind of like father who has to deal with a lot more than he ever signed up for. Um, it's kind of as close as we'll ever get to like in treatment, the movie. So you mentioned okay. grief, that's something I wrote down on my list of themes that pop up a oh, lot during this year. Well, yeah, and we'll grief is something that that I think uh, we should look for in some of our selections. Mm-hmm. And the healthy way to process grief mm-hmm. has been a very strong theme. I have four themes, but as they come up, I'll, oh, I'll I love break it. through them. This is great. Um, Perfect. This is a good one. Yeah. So my number 10 um, actually fell back just because of the sheer volume of stuff that I ended up seeing towards the end of the year. Um, this was, I believe, if I remember correctly, my number two 
halfway through the year, mm. and it was The Witch. Ah, yeah. Um, the Witch is... The held a spot. Probably the second strongest debut film I have ever seen yeah. behind something that pops up later on my list. Uh-huh. Um, and... I mean, I don't want to, we already kind of pulled the witch apart, but one of the things that I love about it is it is a little bit about grief. Uh-huh. Uh, this family has lost something that they held dear, which, which was their identity. Yeah. Um, but it is also, it ties into uh, a couple of the other themes that I wrote down. Uh, one is to own your strange. Yeah. Um, if you do not own your strange, it can rot you from within. Mm-hmm. It will own and, you. And uh, it mm-hmm. will own you. Mm-hmm. And this is very much that happening, made literal. Yeah, you know this girl who is uh, atypical to the times mm-hmm. uh, ends up really going the wrong way with her, with her repressed desires, mm-hmm. and, um, and and you know, and I say the wrong way, but if you watch the movie, you know, it it may not be the wrong right, way. Right, we can know, pull it, that we, apart. We see a how it all ways. falls apart there. Yeah. Um, the other thing that uh, I thought was interesting about it is uh, it ties into the theme that I also have here is not a lot of the movies that I saw this year had villains. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a movie without villains. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a movie about looking into mm. oneself and saying, "How can I? How can I? How, how can I be good? How can I not be the villain?" Because in most human stories, we are our own villains. Mm-hmm. We are, you know, I, there's no, I don't have a nemesis, mm-hmm. but the person who gets in my way the most is me. Is you? Yeah. And uh, the witch spoke to that. It's also an extremely fucked up, extremely atypical, and and just brilliantly realized horror film yeah uh, we don't get movies like that that often and that final scene is something that you know i saw a lot of you know niche horror movies this year or no, not niche gimmick horror movies mm-hmm. this year and this one a scene that is just the end of the story will freak my shit when i'm laying down to go to bed yeah i'll just think about it i'll hear the the uh there was like a weird like uh choral yeah uh, uh, vocals yes. that's sort of like, like out of uh like the uh, it's very Stanley Kubrick. Almost. Yes, I was going to yeah. say 2001. Whenever yeah. they showed the monolith, that's the right. word. It had that sort of a thing, and it's just a very sleepy set of images. But man, does it freak me out! And that is just a good movie. I couldn't stop thinking about the scene where the sun starts having the like oh the apple scene where he coughs up an apple convulsion thing yeah. and like yeah. kind of like speaking in tongues. Yeah, like I- I'll tell you what, that movie ended up being one of the things that I had to like struggle with on this. It did not make my list, but I like yeah, really I, like. I only gave that movie three stars. I liked it when I saw it. I thought it was like fine. I thought it was interesting. I like was interested in all the thematics of it. I have not stopped thinking about that movie all year long. It's worth revisiting. Yeah. I, I, I rewatched it to see if it would still be on the list. Yeah. And the same the same thing happened where at the end of it, I was like, fuck, I'm sweaty. Yeah. Uh, it, when I saw it in the theater, people booed. People yeah. walked out. Yeah. And when it ended, there was people wow, just people like, what booed? the fuck is this? Yeah. And I was sitting in my seat like, like, Wondering if the wetness on my seat was piss, yeah, because Holy I was shit. I was yeah. absolutely just gobsmacked by yeah. it. Yeah, I thought the witch was fantastic. Yeah, I love how um it really doesn't play like a conventional horror movie at all mm-hmm. either. No, like I um some of the kids who I work with, you know, that's not surprising. I'm a, a music therapist, so I work with you know teens and adults as well. But um some of the teens, you know, whenever we talk about movies, um you know, these are folks who are struggling with depression. Oh yeah, go for it. These are folks who are struggling with depression, anxiety, and so, and they're they're teens who are you know they're kind of misfit youth, if you will, and surprise surprise, a lot of them love horror movies. Yeah, know? yeah. So, which is great because it gives us something to you know really way to, to connect. each other. Yeah. Do you ever grab one of the kids and be like, hey, 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 Connor, Connor, wouldst thou like to live deliciously? <laughs> 
what what went way out into this world. That's another thing I want to yeah. bring up too is the yeah. script. The dialogue it's in it is un- yeah. is very Real. very period yes. accurate as far as I can understand. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It's, it was totally like the 1600s, just like when I was little, yeah. just, just yeah. like back in the day. Yeah. Y'all know Puritan yeah. New England. Yeah. That's yeah. how it's done. It totally. was very. Uh, the performances really shined because mm-hmm. if I were to read this script, I feel like I might get lost as to individual character motivations just because the language is foreign. It's yeah, but it's it like, never feels like that in the moment. You it know, is, how everybody complains about like reading Shakespeare is like impossible, yeah, but right. then when you see like a really good performer do Shakespeare, you like kind of understand Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Sure, every single member of this cast is like at that level of performance because you get everything even though they are literally speaking like what sounds like an alien language to us. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, it's not even, it's not, it's like sort of not English. No, yeah. It, it's like an earlier version of English. Yeah. It's know? old English with the E at the end of old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and in a year where communication is another big theme, uh, mm-hmm. in, an, in an interesting Forgive way. Forgive and communicate. That's yep. my other theme Ooh. that I have. It's it, where, you know, one, that is a theme in that movie in general, but two, it, it is a really interesting case of communication in a movie because the movie itself is having to like communicate something to us in a language we don't really understand. Mm-hmm. Um, there in were a language the characters. Well, were, well, the themes are something that the characters don't understand right. either. They have no, they have no real concept of what's going on, so they have to sort of make it all up. Yeah, they have to kind of construct this, you know, this witch thing. Yeah. Although, of course. Well, the crazy thing about this movie is that <laughs> there actually are witches, yeah, you yeah, know, it's, yeah. which I wasn't I wasn't sure whether where right. I was going to go with that. Me neither. Oh, yeah. That opened strong, too, because I was like, where's it going to go? And then like five minutes in, she's just mashing a baby yeah. into a beverage. I'm like, all right. Yeah. All right. These witches. This is not a metaphor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> these are actual witches. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, that's kind of exciting that uh, stayed on your list. It's yeah. I. I there's no reason why someone's first film should be yeah. that lived in, and yeah. that just fucking like it's cocky. It's so well realized. There's it's crazy. Every opportunity to just go standard horror, yeah. It just issues every opportunity yeah. and says, "No, we're doing this. We're committing to this 100 yeah. percent," which you never see. No. Horror is almost always about concessions. Yeah, not yeah. a single one was made. That's fucking that's awesome. Pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's why I was saying earlier, the teen, some of the teens who had seen it, they don't. They didn't like it very mm. much, really. It's, it's not a it's not a horror film uh, for your average horror film fan, but you know it, it's kind of more in line with. I think you know I've heard on from various reviews this year, it's kind of more in line with an Ingmar Bergman film, mm-hmm. or you it's know, a campfire. E- even story. even though it's a color, even though it's in color, it's sort of it may as well be black and white. Mm-hmm. You know, it mm-hmm. just sort of feels like it's just the whole tone is just total like as gray as you can get while still remaining like a without bit being of a color. bland about it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So. Great movie. It was probably about number. I would say it's probably my 18th or 19th favorite of the year. Yeah, Yeah. it deserves mentioning. No matter 100. percent Yeah. Uh, So my number nine. uh, I would not have watched this movie were it not for the Farsighted, the uh, the blog that I write for. Uh, We do a thing called Friday Fights. Is this? Are we about to share something? I don't know. I don't know if it's on my list, but I'm hoping that it is what I think it is. Okay. Uh, we do a thing called Friday Fights where we all watch the same movie and uh, review it kind of collectively. And so somebody chose a movie that I had never heard of. I definitely would not have watched it. No interest in it, really. And it fucking blew my socks off. Cretia is my number nine okay. movie. Excellent. Not on my list. I really thought you were going to go with Baskin. Oh, dude, <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's in my honorable mentions. I literally wrestled with if that was going to be on my list because that rocked me in a way that most movies did not this year. Well, Cretia's in my honorable mentions. It yeah. does not make the yeah. list. But I watched that on your recommendation yeah i was very impressed it, it is uh it is another first-time filmmaker that 
does something. Well, he he made a short film called Crecia. Actually, this is an expansion of. Uh, but for you know, first full length feature from this guy. Uh, he is also one of the characters in the movie. Uh, the movie is loosely inspired by his own family, who is mostly who stars in the movie. Uh, and it is a really, really incredible, like low budget, but looks incredible, like really well executed, first time feature that has such strong. There are I don't even know how to describe this, but the the emotional through line of this movie is so strong and resonant. Now, I, I come from a family of alcoholics, and that is essentially the story of the movie. It's about a, a struggling alcoholic who has returned to her family on a holiday on Thanksgiving uh, to spend time with them. She hasn't been there in a while because her addiction has kind of just kept her out of being invited to things. Uh, and um, it is a, a really even-handed depiction of addiction uh, where we get brought into the world of addiction through the addict mm. before we know she's an addict. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of sympathy for her before we realize that there's a real reason she has not been invited to these I holidays. I think that's the most the notable thing that stuck with me about that movie is that it parses out information in a way that is natural. Yes. Um, never feels expository. Nope. And is really thorough. Yes. Um, without, you know, without ex being, you know, expository. Yes. Yeah, there's pretty much no yeah. backstory, even though yeah. there's obviously a ton of backstory. Yeah. Like, we don't get the backstory, but there's obviously but we a do ton of it. We know do it through it. their actions. Yeah, we do know it. Yeah. We don't know the details, but we understand exactly. the past of these uh, of this family. Right. Uh, I think that fits into the theme, too, that I've written down of for forgive and communicate. A hundred percent. It's all about communication. It, it, and the movie is also, like, a really great example of, like, disjointed storytelling it does not take place in like a start to finish kind of way. It kind of bounces around over the course of this Thanksgiving dinner, the day of Thanksgiving. Uh, and part of the reason it does so is it, it is bringing you into the experience of an addict. It brings you into her anxiety. It brings you into her feelings about the people around her and the way they make her feel through their actions and how those feelings drive her towards her addiction. Oh, you see everything triggering her. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and it just, the way it does that, the, the editing and the filmmaking itself that brings you into that experience was really incredible, I thought. And the fact that at all, I felt like it really achieved actually bringing you into that experience and that headspace yes. was like really moving and incredible to me. This this was one of the most moving movies I saw this year. I was like really blown away by this. There was a I, I wrote down two lines in my phone as I oh, watched yes, it because please. the dad in that is He's so funny, amazing. Oh, yes. And if you actually look him up on IMDb, He's it's clear that he wrote his biography because it's very goofy in that sense. Yeah. Uh, one part he gets frustrated, and the expletive that he uses is. Geiger counter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, then he, he talks about how, how tough he is because he's got to put up with all these fucking dogs. You think I like these dogs? <laughs> yeah. I fucking, I'm tough. I fucking eat leather and shit saddles. <laughs> that yeah. blew my mind. Yeah. I want to use that. That eat lightning crap thunder can yeah. fuck off. Yeah. Eat leather and shit saddles is amazing. Yeah. It suggests his body's ability to process leather into a, a marketable product. That is so funny to me. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, that movie is my favorite version amazing. of that is in Spy. Uh, I still got to see that. One of the brags so that Jason Statham, Jason Statham, is bragging about how good a spy he yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not going to get this right, but it's something along the lines of one time I swallowed a microchip and shat out a supercomputer. <laughs> That's not a bad statement. <laughs> That's not bad. 
uh, pretty good. So yeah, Crescia, I really recommend this movie. I yeah, think people Krisha should see legit. it. It's it's really great, and it's only about 80, it, 82 minutes long, so you can watch it. You guys, it's a perfect yeah. movie. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, it's really it's, good. Quite excellent. I love that movie too. Yeah. Um. So my number nine is Jackie. Wow. Oh. Movie. It's the last movie I've seen. <laughs> Saw it on Sunday Same. night, and you know, last just, night. Yeah. So it it had to. It's it really, a fresh wound. It's a very fresh wound, and mm-hmm. I was debating on whether wound. to include it. I was almost going to be like, you know what? Maybe <laughs> it's a Kennedy joke for you. <laughs> oh my gosh! Too soon. Is it? No, yeah, it's, it's not like, too soon. What, what was that? It didn't 50, even happen in your lifetime. Get out of here. Fifty-three years. Yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah. But it's just uh, it's a biopic of Jackie. Jacqueline Kennedy or Jackie Onassis, mm-hmm. the first lady who um, was right there when her husband was killed in mm-hmm. Dallas, 1963. And um, it's, a, it's a really unconventional biopic. A lot of people are kind of framing it as that. And it's directed by Chilean director Pablo Larraín, who – have you guys seen any of his other movies? Before? I don't think so. I almost went to see – no, oh. but uh, I, <laughs> no. I did not. Um, no, I, I, this is actually the first movie I've ever seen of his. Can well, I ask a question? Does no have an exclamation point? No, it, no, see, just, that's the thing. It's all caps. Yeah. It's just N-O. And it's just, uh, I believe no. it's Gail Garcia Bernal's face under it. And it's just, no. 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 So, yeah. yeah. No mas. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's a weird movie to, like, say, oh, have you seen No? Yeah, it's like it's one of those very. Strange oh, did you say Noah? That was actually one of my favorite <laughs> movies in 2014. <laughs> totally. So it's uh, it's. I forgot about Noah. That's a good movie. Larry, you know, he's, <laughs> he's a Chilean guy, and he's he's um all of his movies up until now have pretty much been have been sort of about like you know the um the legacies of Pinochet, which was the uh-huh. uh, dictator who kind of took over in a coup in in 1972, maybe 73, actually on 9/11 on September 11th. So. You know what we call 9/11 in America? Well, Chileans have their own 9/11, which was like the day that you know. I'm that, glad we could share the wealth on y- that. Yes. One. Yeah. Oh, totally. There's a uh, which was when the <laughs> fascist dictatorship took over and ousted a democratically elected uh, socialist president, Allende, and so weird Allende. Yeah. <laughs> so he basically all of his movies are sort of about that legacy in Chile. Like mm-hmm. No was about. Um, the way that they ousted Pinochet. No. Um, El, yeah, it was exactly. <laughs> yeah. And this other movie called El Club uh, was about how was about like priests living who like had committed sex offenses and no. uh, living together. <laughs> no, <laughs> all of his movies could be called No. Yeah. Um, so it's really he's a filmmaker who it's almost exclusively made movies about you know the way that um, political trauma has sort of invaded every as- aspect of Chilean life. So. He's hmm. kind of a strange director, I guess you'd think, to make a biopic about like basically the most famous and beloved first lady of our time ta- of like the last hundred years or so. Um, but it's really kind of perfect though because uh, he definitely must have found something in common with the story um, because obviously the assassination of of Kennedy was obviously a massive cultural and political trauma for our society. And as a son of two hardcore liberal baby boomers, I was very much born into the consumption of the Kennedy mythos. And mm. and uh, so, yeah, my mom's Irish Catholic. My dad is Jewish, you know, but they both grew up in New York, New Jersey, hardcore liberal family. Um, so they grew up in a hardcore conservative family. But ah, my dad said that Kennedy was the one, the one damn liberal that he would ever have voted <laughs> for if he was old enough. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, it makes sense because he, he was, 
He was so likable, and this movie Yet really... Yeah, my dad hates Obama. Must be a racist. <laughs> That's really the only thing I could think. Uh, well, I'm sure we can get into that. Um, let's not. Yellow let's, or not. Let's move forward. We're being positive yeah. about 2016. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is that so, one yeah. of the top ten things that happened to you this year, Dan? Having to talk to your dad about this selection? Oh, Damn. no. I, the hardest thing I had to do was just pretend that, that I, that I uh, you know, not necessarily pretend to agree with him, but just didn't push back. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I just, you know, yep. Yep, uh-huh. not uh-huh. my head. Yep, radical mm-hmm. acceptance, yep. as yep. we call it. Yeah, it, I, oh. yeah, that's a depressing term, and I fucking live it. I'm about to go spend a weekend doing it. It's gonna be insane. I feel that, man. I feel that. So, um, this movie is really, you know, because it's so much is about the our our collective sort of love affair with the Kennedy mythos, and mm-hmm. and so it really kind of was like catnip for me, but. I was really unprepared for how thoroughly it would kind of deconstruct those foundations of my political mindset. And yet it kind of does that by like focusing entirely on humanizing um, Kennedy's grief or Jackie's grief in this one, you know, horrible week, obviously. And she's in acute grief, acute trauma, like we're talking about in our themes of the year. Um, And she's experiencing this massive grief, you know, is on her own scale but yet it's a scale that it's something that's shared by the entire country and yet the camera sort of never really zooms out to reveal like the whole country mourning it really stays so close to her which is really a fascinating decision but it just makes the movie like you I know think that's it, where it's, Lorraine works yeah. well there I mean not having t- Lorraine uh, <laughs> La- Lorraine works there uh, Lorraine. if it was a if it was an American filmmaker I think it would have been much more about america and it still captured as far as i understand it what america looked like or felt like at that time yeah and uh without be you know without without getting into any sort of rah-rah yeah exactly Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. he's he's really fascinated in this myth but he's also really not trying to say that our construct is wrong like Mm. he gets why we why as a country we we've all sort of propped up the kennedys to sort of be our you know like an idealized idealized political Mm -hmm. family and there's this one scene where Jackie's uh, interior decorator, you know, it's in the trailer too, but he says, you know, people need their history. And yeah, we do. And especially now more than ever in 2016, mm-hmm. as as this, you know, dumpster fire of a year kind of comes <laughs> to a close. That's become like the accepted yeah. term yeah. is dumpster fire. Yeah. Yeah. And what else could it be? Yeah. Just burning trash. That's burning so trash. <laughs> I, I literally just imagined a textbook that just like has, you know, whatever, like every year listed with like yeah, all yeah. of its major events. And then instead of a major event being listed at 2016, the year's not even listed. It just says dumpster yeah, fire. Yeah. The like new dark kids, ages. Kids <laughs> don't even learn about 2016. They learn about dumpster fire. Yeah. They skip to 2020 and yeah. just hope. <laughs> exactly. One so. of the things that I was most impressed about with that movie is that I really didn't have a concept of of uh, Jackie O. I just knew mm-hmm. really about the, the men of the Kennedy family. And then... I think they made a very strong case for like not only was she super intelligent, but was very very aware of her role in both the small and big picture, mm. and was uh, the movie is is largely about they're saying you cannot have a huge funeral procession. She wanted a Lincoln style. Yeah, the draw the drama of the movie is funeral arrangements. You yeah. know, wow. like like wow. that. So they're like you can't <laughs> march eight blocks because there's there's fucking shooters. Yeah, you know that obviously have an eye on this family. Yeah, and they allude and, to that uh, massive, uh, you know, to this huge piece of American folklore. Or I don't know if we can call it folklore, but this huge piece of American mythology is the Kennedy assassination. Oh yeah, and they sort of refer to it by saying like we don't know who Oswald was in connection with. 
but you know they refer to it just in passing and that's yeah, kind of the style safe. of this movie uh, yeah. is that it just takes these massive things and just kind of mentions them mm-hmm. briefly in passing as you know because because it's, it's about just one her person's grief life. it's yeah. not yeah mm-hmm. yeah exactly it's framed around an interview that that she did yeah, in her right. life like and a great what role was it, from, like three from Billy days Crudup. after the one week one week one yeah. week yeah. After she's the, just after the funeral yeah. yeah she has she's like chain smoking the whole time <laughs> she has a great line where she's like you know i don't smoke i love that uh, one of the things they did in it that was really cool is she won an Emmy for a televised tour of the White House she did after okay. doing all of the renovations. They took the actual audio of her narrating it and had Natalie Portman lip sync over it. Wow. And when I say it is seamless, I mean, if I did not read that, I would never have known. Whoa. She nails this performance. Whoa. She sounds just yeah. like her. Like, yeah. You would think when they separate from that video right. to her being that interviewed you would, that you would notice it. Yeah. There's, there's not... An ounce of that's of incredible. Disbelief. It's I incredible. Until now that it was Natalie Portman. Oh, there you go. Saying that, so that there is a real audio. Yeah, yeah. that's incredible. That's and even Jackie. when they had uh, when Kennedy walked in, uh, whoever they got who looked like Kennedy, who's a very unique looking man, um, even he managed he to do to that play Kennedy. Shot. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, you just sold me, sir. I will be seeing that movie. It's good stuff. Yeah. All right, my number nine is a movie that I don't think a lot of people have heard of. Uh, oh? I was sent Excellent. to review it and. Ended up being really floored by it. It was called Operation Avalanche. God, this made your list because I wanted to fucking see this movie, man. Really, really cool. I know nothing about it except for the title. Operation Avalanche is a found footage faux documentary about a bunch of college aged CIA interns, we'll say, that, you know, kind of make documentaries. And and, uh, it takes place during the space race. And they say, listen, we think there's a mole at NASA. Yep. How about we go down there pretending to be a documentary film crew just documenting the space race, and we'll find the mole. Yeah. But when they get down there, they catch word that NASA is, is not doing so well getting it to, you know, getting to the moon. So they say, okay, let's just fake the moon landing. We'll film it, and you know, maybe we'll, we'll find the mole in the process. And so then, of course, they get into intrigue and all of this. Stanley Kubrick shows up. There's a great Jackie-style <laughs> scene where they meet yeah. Stanley Kubrick because they're, you know, he's he's studying NASA to figure out how to make, how to make his space movie yeah. look real, and yeah. they're studying his space movie to see how to make the fake moon landing look real. Yeah. And uh, the filmmakers actually did go to NASA under the auspice of being a documentary film crew and shot this movie around them. Somehow making NASA look like it was in the 60s. Yep. Somehow managing to pull it off, uh, what was it, uh, Escape from Tomorrow style, yeah. much better. It's also very funny, and it has the best car chase I think I have ever seen in a movie. Whoa. It's they fucking got French connection. Great. It takes place, the camera is all, because uh, it is found footage, yeah. so it takes place inside the car. So he's holding a camera and engaging in a real car chase. Yeah. It's not not a real car chase in real life, but right, yeah. you know, there's there's no there's no cinematics because it's not it's not edited. It's just right. a in the you know cameraman's point of view. It's just it, it was just good, and it was one of those where I really wanted to see this. You know, rewatching it, it might end up just being a novelty, but I've thought about it every day. Yeah, and the filmmaker did a Q and A at the screening, and he said something that I thought was really interesting. They're Canadian. Someone yeah. said, "Why you know why did you choose this story?" He goes, "Well, in Canada, he's like." You know, we, we don't have a story about going to space. Like, <laughs> what is the most rock and roll thing that Americans ever did? And it was fucking go to space. You know, <laughs> that's, that's awesome. He's like, so we decided let's take space, mix it with spies, and yeah. you know. And uh, you told me about they apparently did like an undercover school shooting movie yeah. where they just went to a school 
and filmed it around an actual school happening and managed to construct that narrative yeah. in much the same way. They basically so, faked a school shooting in a real school uh, and got but like wrote a, a narrative. Around yeah, it. and wrote yeah. like a narrative around it. Fascinating. Yeah. So they, I mean, if you didn't know that they were actually undercover at NASA, you wouldn't know because it's right. just a great fiction story. But knowing that on top of it just adds it's pretty to, like, wild. It's a rock and roll movie. Yeah, and it, it's just good. It was exciting, great music. It it the film quality looks as if like lots of times when you date digital film, yeah, it looks like shit. Yeah, it just looks fake. You're like, sweet, uh, this is a great final cut fucking exactly. filter on. Oh, this you thing. have After yeah. Effects too. Yeah, 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 nailed it. It looks real. Good movie. I really want to see this. That was highly recommend. That was a big regret for me not being able to find that this year. It was out for like a week. For like a week. It was one where I I almost didn't go because it was screening the night that I left for Denver. Right. And I was like, you know what? On the way to the airport, I'm gonna squeeze in, see (laughs) this, and write a review on a plane. And (laughs) it was it was sounds like it was worthwhile. Yeah, it was very much worthwhile. All right, my number eight. Uh, This was another last minute squeeze in for the year, and it was something I was like kind of looking forward to, but I like I I just didn't catch it when it was around. Uh, I checked out uh, Michael Showalter's Hello, My Name is Doris and absolutely fell in love with it. Nice. Uh, I have seen, you know, a few of Showalter's movies. You know, I've seen, like, The Baxter. Uh, I really like Showalter as a comedian. I was a big fan of Stella. Uh, Mm. I really like The States. I like Wet Hot American Summer. I even like the Wet Hot American Summer show that they did for Netflix. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah, I'm a defender of that. (laughs) I enjoyed that. I love that show. Yeah, I really don't. Don't talk to me about It's hard to get through that. I have a kid. I appreciate it, you know. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, But here's the thing. I don't think this dude is like a great filmmaker. I'm not even going to tell you. I think he's like a great comedian. Like I enjoy all of the things that he has been a part of. I think that they're interesting and funny. Oftentimes, though, I think that they are almost more interesting than they are funny. And his sense of humor is just weird. It's just a very weird sense of humor that I don't always connect with. When I do, I love it. That's why I'm a fan of him and I like his stuff. Because when I connect with that weirdness that he yeah. you know, uh, contributes to, I like. I really, really get on board with it. But sometimes it's too weird for me. Hello, My Name is Doris is like a totally different... It, it is not what I expected it to be at all. It's like a really great... Um, almost... I mean, it's a comedy, but it's almost like a drama. It, it's about... Uh, Sally Field is a star, mm-hmm. uh, and she plays a woman who has been living with her mother until her mother dies. And when her mother dies, her mother doesn't die until her mother is like 99. Mm-hmm. So she's like 62. She's like an older woman who has spent her entire adult life living with her mother. And so when her mother finally passes... She, for the first time in her life, has like an undefined, undetermined future. Did she go to spring break and just get fucked? No, but nah. it's it's. Nah. But here's the thing: it, it is not. It, it's not like it's unconventional. It's, she literally develops a crush on the new young guy that starts to work at her office. Uh, yeah. So she like she develops a, cr- and it's it's the dude that plays like the douchey roommate on New Girl. Do you guys I, know I who only I mean? watch good Jake television. Johnson. Or something <laughs> yeah. like that? Uh, not that guy. <laughs> no, right. Not the dude from Jurassic World. Oh, okay. Uh, the like the literal douchey guy. He's got fucking. <laughs> he's, he's like ah. terrible things. He's please. like <laughs> I don't I don't know if you've ever seen New Girl, but he's the guy that's like ah I'm a douche. Hey, I'm the character that's playing a douche. Have you oh, ever seen uh, the show? I'm a douche. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, it. Uh, but so she develops a crush on this guy. But what the movie ends up really being is this guy. Maybe not understanding she has a crush on him necessarily, but like you know, seeing that she has like some kind of interest in him. Yeah. But seeing that she is just like this really interesting person, and so he brings her into his world, and it's all about this older woman. Sort of get she's going to live concerts. She is going to see movies that she would not have. You know, she's just doing all these things. This guy. 
That guy. Max Greenfield. Max Greenfield. Mm, yeah, you know, you know Max Greenfield. He's the guy on The New Girl that's like, hey, I'm the douche. I'm the guy that's playing the douche. Oh. <laughs> uh, it, it I think was, I heard that before. Yeah. It was really fucking good. It was like, it was funny. I don't know. It was weird because it was a kind of conventional, yeah. but it had enough of Showalter's weird sense of humor in just the right amounts. Like, it was the first time I've seen his sense of humor, like, rounded out in a way where I was like, oh, I totally connect with this. It's kind of like a, a more streamlined, sort of almost refined, main mainstream sort of, you know, version of his bizarre... Or, Bizarre exploration of you know male insecurity. It's totally one hundred percent, and and it's like, but it's also it's more about you know it's this um, one. It's like it's Sally Field who is like this great older actress that I that I love who started in comedy, but from my generation is. Do not you known. really like her? I do. Do you like her? Do you really like her? Yeah, one of do you my actually like like her. <laughs> one of, I, here's the thing. This is how much I like her. That Amazing Spider-Man Two movie, which is terrible, has one of the most moving scenes I've seen oh, in a movie because yeah. she's so fucking good. Well, she can make a stone cry, you know. Yeah, she's, she's just, incredible. She's everybody's mom. But basically. she started, and I don't, <laughs> I, I don't think know the, that. I don't know the name of this TV show, but she started as like a comedic actor, the star oh, of the like Flying a, Nun. Is that what it is? She was, she was the Flying yeah, Nun. Yeah, that's I right. Yes, that, yeah. yeah. She, yeah. you know, she started her career as like a young actress that was very funny. She was a, a young comedic actress, and we don't know that. her that way. Our generation—that's not like our Sally Field. I know Field. her as you know, Mama I'm, Gump. I, yeah, exactly. I know her as Mama <laughs> Gump, and I know her as a uh, fucking the wife, Sybil. Uh, Sybil. But I know her as the <laughs> wife from fucking Mrs. Doubtfire. Right. That's yeah, like about that. that's like my big connection to her. You know what I mean? Oh, that's funny. Uh, but so she is great in this movie. She's really funny. She it is really like a movie that lets her be her age, which is a thing that most actresses do not get to do. Yes. Yeah, there's, there's four. Yeah, <laughs> we've allowed four yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it was it was so funny. It was so charming. It was like really moving to me. Uh, and it really kind of reminds you. The thing that I loved about the movie is it really reminds you that it's like yeah, there are new chapters every fucking day. Yeah. Every day there's a new chapter of your life starting yeah. and you you can't live your life in a way where you're like, well, it's already over. Yeah, you can't it's give done. Up. It's, you know, because every day there's a new opportunity for like a new chapter to start in your life. And it doesn't even necessarily end all that happily for her, but it's such an enjoyable experience to watch her open up and accept that yeah. there are new horizons for her in her life even at her age. It was. I really liked it. I was like very mm. impressed with this. I want to check it out. Is it, that on Netflix? Uh, You've convinced it, I me. I think it might be. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like yeah. I've seen that. It's it's really worth checking out. My, I'll definitely check it yeah. out. Yeah, you've convinced me for yeah. sure. Number eight on my list. All right. Well, my number eight is Loving by Jeff Nichols. Uh, I haven't caught this yet. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's it's a movie that's really. I would call it almost like a bit of. It's not an acquired taste because anyone could could love it, Hello. of course. But um, it's it's a unconventional it's another unconventional biopic let's put it that yeah. way so it's a true story uh it's based on a true story it's actually was the 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 primary source content of the film was a documentary that hbo did in 2011 it's a, about uh mildred and richard loving the most appropriately named uh supreme court plaintiffs of all time uh who in the late 60s um brought about a case in the supreme court to undo like age-old miscegenation laws that that barred interracial marriage, so so their case uh, broke it wide open for everybody, and that's you know you you know that going in, so it's not much of a mystery of what's going to happen yeah. in the very end. But one of these things that is a mystery is that even though you kind of know that this is a movie with you know a quote unquote happy ending, 
it's it's uh you don't really know how they're gonna get there you don't know how it's gonna affect their relationship and the movie does an amazing job um, of presenting history kind of like jackie did where it presents this grand scope of history but it does so by staying extremely close to these characters um and really you know you never really stray very far from them I, i don't think there's a scene in the movie without either one of them and they're played Incredibly by Ruth Nega from who was we're on watching, Preacher. We're watching her blow up. She was on yeah. Preacher. She was in Agents of yeah. Shield. Yep. Totally. And she's yeah, amazing she's a... in this movie. She's so good. Um, as the as a African American, also part Native American woman in Virginia in the nineteen sixties, who falls in love with this guy Richard Loving, played by Joel Edgerton. And, mm-hmm. you know, so they get married in, in Washington, DC, despite living in Virginia and where their marriage license doesn't hold up because of the miscalculation laws. And so the whole movie is just about them dealing with this process, you know, and all they want to do is just be married, have children, raise children, live a normal, regular life. And the fascinating thing about this movie and it's, it's deepest challenge is that these are characters who don't really talk very much. That's what I've heard about this, that they're like, they're not great (laughs) communicators. No, they're, they're not, but they don't need to communicate. They, they're, they're country people. They, They live these very simple you know, their day-to-day life is is really just about, you know, being with their kids, doing their work, getting their pay, coming home, putting food on the table, and and they really just want to be together and and that's it. You know, they yeah. want to live their it's a it's a movie that's really an ode to domesticity, you mm-hmm. know, and it's also portrays domesticity and the need for this life as sort of the way that we get things done in our society. Like we need to protect ourselves. We need to fight for ourselves. We need to fight for our lives basically. But you know, you, the way that you do that is just sort of by sticking to and committing to, you know, the practical every day. And uh, it's, it's an really, it's one of the movies that made me, uh, I'm not a big crier. You know, I (laughs) I, I get choked up at the movies, but I don't often shed tears in this movie. Uh, by the end of it, you know, I was definitely crying in the theater. I wanted to get it in before wow. I got to my list. My girlfriend was raving yeah. about it, and she said the same thing. She said it's a very quiet movie. It's the quietest. And, I know, would say it's the quietest movie of of twenty sixteen. Nice. You know, hmm. there's like Joel Edgerton. If is, only silence came out. <laughs> you know, oh, if only I had the chance yeah. to see that, right? And Joel Edgerton is a character. You know, this I've never seen an actor um, really put the performance, the 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 put the demands of the character in front of his need to sort of have uh, a big chewy scenery chewing performance mm-hmm. more than Joel Edgerton does in this movie. He's a guy, he really, he doesn't have a lot to say or it's not that he doesn't have a lot to say. It's that he just doesn't really know how to say it and he doesn't really need to say it because he knows what he wants. And that's his wife, his children, his job, his, his car, you know, his the strength in knowing land. you're right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he, Joel Edgerton in this movie just plays him just so brilliantly and such an understated way. But yet you're so close to him throughout the whole movie. You're so close to both of them. You know what they're feeling in every scene, all because of how they convey it through their facial expressions, through their nonverbal behaviors. And I mean, it's a, it's a true feat of a movie, even though a lot of people said that they were kind of left cold by it this year. And, but you know it's it's great and one of two uh mike lee movies 
Jeff Nichols. Yeah. Jeff Nichols. Why did I say Mike Lee? Jeff Nichols. I don't, I don't know. Know that. Yeah, Jeff Another Nichols. very common sounding white yeah, guy yeah. name. Yeah. Jeff Nichols. He did a Midnight yeah. Special. Midnight Special. Yeah. Which we both enjoyed, I think. I love that. Was, that uh, that was, was in contention for yeah, my me list too. just because it stuck with me. Yeah. But me too. Uh, I definitely yeah. want to see Loving. Yeah, me yeah. too. I, my number eight, I know we've all seen. Okay. Uh, we did an episode on it. Oh. Uh, my number eight was a movie that just blew me away, both by concept, performance, execution, and just the sheer timing of when it came out. And that was Arrival. I knew that. We will yeah, be, say that. Yeah, we will be talking about that some more later. All right. Arrival was one of the best movie-going experiences I've ever had in my life. Yeah. And uh, you got to, we got to share Amazing. it. We it did. Was, uh, it, was it was just a great... Uh, this is literally the day after we all went, holy shit, the president is going to be Donald Trump. Yep. <laughs> and one of the very real wow. things that we had to deal with as um, we literally as a byproduct of what has become a perversion of the liberal mentality mm-hmm. that has sort of turned into its own version of closed-mindedness. Mm-hmm. And I think that whereas it's rooted in the right place, it has also caused a divide. And wouldn't you know it, all the people we refused to communicate got together and voted. Yeah. Um, and we refused to communicate with them, and we dismissed them as lesser and uh, whereas conceptually and and in things we believe, it's it's easy to say, I, I am a more evolved person mm-hmm. than someone who believes certain things or at least identifies with a lot of the the rah rah that came out of Trump. Uh, one of the shameful things is that we said, oh well, you're a racist and you're a sexist. I don't need to engage you. Yeah. And part of being an adult is realizing that these people exist, and whereas they might be wrong. We're going to have to engage them. And Arrival ended up really, really speaking to that yeah. in a big way. And on our walk down to the theater, what a fucking we're day both that fighting was. back tears just talking about, yeah. like, what what can we what do? What are we going to do? What can yeah. we do? How can we take this and, and not only spin it positive, but use it? How yeah. can we use this this mm-hmm. pent-up energy yeah. and, and do it? And Arrival just made a very strong case for the idea of you're you're gonna have to you're gonna have to say what you feel. Yeah. You're going to have to communicate. Yep. You're going to have to engage things that you don't want to engage. Yep. And if you can take zero percent chance of changing someone's mind and replace it with point zero one percent chance of take of changing someone's mind, you you have to. Yeah. It yeah. behooves you to do it. Yeah. And whereas Arrival wasn't literally about that, it it was such a great distillation of all of the hurdles that come through communication and how breaking down those hurdles is it's really the only thing we have if we're going to become better humans. I couldn't say it better myself. That I mean that was Great. what a that was one of the the oddly toughest and best days I had in 2016. Yeah. Uh the walk to that theater was like incredibly tough. Uh we had probably one of the most frank, honest interesting weird conversations we've ever had and leonard cohen died that day. leonard too. cohen <laughs> died that day we talked about that it actually was... technically he died the day before election day i heard but oh. they uh they announced and they buried him announced it a few days oh, later interesting so leonard cohen never had to know about trump <laughs> yeah, yeah which hey, is good. good for him one i always like sounds to imagine like him being like he yeah. won oh i'm out yeah <laughs> <laughs> to me it sounds like that would have been perfect so life. brutal <laughs> yeah yeah so he he got to die you know not knowing yeah. about that but oh, then nice. uh, we got to see Arrival, and it really, um, I don't know, it brought some kind of resolution to the complicated feelings that we were having. And I also think it, like, um, you know, 
Well, we'll talk about it. It functioned as a hell of a distraction, yeah, too. Yeah, it did. Because it was a very active movie-watching experience, both as movie nerds yep. watching the technique yep. of it. Um, really, I, I thought, you know, I, my favorite Denis Villeneuve movie is Enemy. Enemy, me but too. But in terms Good of pronunciation. Him, oh, you like that? Yeah. I, I've been calling him Penis Villanova, <laughs> um, just because he's a, he's a one-end Dennis. But um, Denis Villeneuve, Dennis Villeneuve. Uh, at this point, we're getting real, so he's got to yeah. be Denis Villeneuve. Yeah. And, uh, but as a technician... I, He's like, He's like a master head and shoulders thing. above Unreal. where yeah. he was in Sicario, which I very much enjoyed, but Agreed. was left cold in some parts. Yeah. This was, it, it, every piece of it worked for me. Yeah. It was exciting. Yeah. It was, if you drain all of the thematic resonance out of it, it's a great sci-fi yep. movie, but it's so rich. It's so exciting. Yep. It, the, the visuals are incredible. Amy Adams just, just runs away with it. She makes um, that face. Yeah. It, and, and it's. I don't know, it just it, it it was an alien invasion movie that wasn't. Yep. And and that is one of my favorite things that I've seen done a million times, but never like this. It's totally I'm getting worked agreed. up. Like talking, dude, I know. I, totally it agreed. was really good. It, it was just one of those. I want to bump it up higher get, now that I'm talking about give it. Give yourself but, the yeah. opportunity. We'll 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 get more emotional about it in a little while. It was good. Yeah, it was yeah. good. Um I I think that uh if you take if you take nothing away from arrival. But one thing, it should just be say what's on your mind. Yeah. You know, that's, uh, mm -hmm. there, there's that great moment where she asks Jeremy Renner, if you knew what was going to happen, if you could see everything, mm. what would you do? And he just kind of like goes, eh, I guess I'd say what I'm feeling more often. Yeah. And like that is, that is the most true truth there's ever been. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It, I like that. I, I mean, I have my, my thoughts on it are, I probably feel more about it like you felt about Sicario. Like, mm. Great movie, um, but left me a little cold. Sure. And I really, but the visuals to that, I mean, you know, Bradford Young, the cinematographer, mm -hmm. is, you know, he's the future. Like, you know, for a movie, <laughs> oh, it's yeah. about the, I wrote on my review it's of that movie, it's like, for a movie about the future, well, here's the future, Bradford Young, who yeah. before that had done Selma. Mm -hmm. But this is just, this is the best looking movie probably that was released all year. And, and that soundtrack it by could Johan have Johansson. Very, very goofy. Yeah. It could oh, have. Yeah. oh my God. And, but it's, it is. Yeah. And that soundtrack is real incredible too. Sound and, and visual wise, like that scene where you first see the ship and it comes oh, in with that, so with that big, like panoramic mm -hmm. uh, shot is just one of the scenes of the year. Of a largely single location film yeah. for the most yeah. part. And it's in really Montana. confined and expansive. Yeah. And, and to say something silly, but true, Forrest Whitaker does not work the eye even yeah. once. Oh my god. He never works yeah. the eye. Yeah. That's awesome. And in in uh you know converse to his role in Star Wars this year. Oh, where he wow. where he's when not he, just working the eye. He's like he's making all remember, kinds I, of choices. I laughed out loud yeah. after his short scene yeah. ended. I, that was a very goofy. Oh yeah. yeah. Save I actually the dream. I actually yeah. really <laughs> enjoyed that that he was like making those big choices. That actually would like really worked for me. I was like I mean it's a Star Wars. Yeah, in, you got it. In a Star Wars, I'm like real okay with this. Yeah. Uh but it was like it was pretty goofy and fun. What's I, up with from his what accents? I, understand. I just don't really I mean, I was oh, his, he sounds like a different person. He's trying person to recapture the last King of Scotland yeah. glory. He's just yeah. trying to push yeah. those accents. My, out my, I posted this on Twitter. It was like, you know, imagine that a casting director goes in to say, "Hey, you know what I need? I need an actor who can make, who can speak English, but from a completely indecipherable location with a completely bizarre, you know, like with an accent." Of indeterminate origin. Like, yeah. Oh, I got Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, Perfect. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just like, what is his deal? But it's pretty fascinating. I mean, he's obviously a great actor. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah. he's he's great in Arrival. But yeah, his he accent choices are fascinating. Yeah. 
Well, I think in Star Wars 2, what I learned is that he was a character from other Star Wars movies. Yeah, he's like... So whereas he just kind of showed up and was dispatched. Yeah. So I was like, ah, whatever. But when I found out later, it's, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I also, you know, not to talk too much Star Wars, but one of the things that's interesting, if you think about it, is he's an interesting uh, inverse or reversal of Darth Vader. He's got the same hmm. breathing. He's got this yeah. apparatus and this breathing thing. He's got he's a got, reason to be angry. He's got mechanical legs. Like his legs have clearly been removed at some point. He's got the. So he's like this interesting sort of like, just as Darth Vader is radicalized, quote unquote, so is he. Mm. Uh, but he's radicalized on the other side. Uh, he's, so he's voiced like, by a terrific black actor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> it's uh, it's Darth Vader without the mask. It's, uh, you know, fascinating. Uh, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Wow. Yeah, cool. Love it. Uh, anyway. Yeah, let's hear your seven. Number seven for me. Lucky number seven. Lucky number seven is, uh, okay, this was like, it wasn't going to be on my list. I Because I was like, I don't know even what to say about this movie. I don't even <laughs> know what I would say about it. I have no idea how. To, I still don't. I have no idea how to talk about this. Just say it. And we'll I, move I don't on. know what to say <laughs> about it. But I, the more I looked at my list, the more I made it, the more I worked on it. There was no way this movie wasn't going to be on this list. This was like so incredible and effective to me. Even if I don't know what that effect, even if I don't understand that effect yet, the Neon Demon is my number Ooh. seven movie of the year. That was a rough cut for me. Yeah. Um, so I, I just full disclosure. Yeah. I got like. 25 minutes into this movie and and i had to like go do something else yeah. or something i don't know but did it make so, you uncomfortable or you didn't th- like it at no, all no no i actually i literally just had to go do something else. oh okay. <laughs> i was oh, like i, got, I, got, I was yeah. like oh shit i have like yeah. things to do i can't watch the next unfortunately i can't be here for the next hour and 45 minutes it might be the most yeah. engrossing movie i saw this year i was so involved in this movie from the moment it started to the moment it ended and I had so many thoughts about what it was about and what it was trying to deliver to me that at the end of it, I didn't have a good concept for really what that was. I don't quite understand the intention, maybe we could say, but I know what I got out of it. And what I got out of it was like really powerful and weird and stuck with me in a really big, bad way. Uh, uh, most specifically, I would like to, to talk about and compliment the scene where she uh, gets put in front of that famous photographer for the first time. Oh, that was so gross. And it's a totally <laughs> white background. I, I mean, this is like a real weird fucking lefty thing to say, but like the that to me was like the... You're ult- among weird fucking lefties. Yeah, that to me was the ultimate depiction of the male gaze. Oh, yeah. And like I have... The, the male gaze is a concept I understand uh, and uh, women have talked about to me and I... I from what they have explained to me, I understand how it makes them feel. Mm-hmm. I did not understand how it made them feel until I saw that scene in this movie. Mm-hmm. That depiction of her being a singular object where there's nothing else around her, there's nothing else defined but her, was so maddeningly uncomfortable. And there was something so disgusting about the singularity of that. That when I imagine that in the real world... I think wor- it's probably very rare that you find yourself as the object exactly. of every eye in the room. Exactly. Yeah. Like, the when I hear about the concept of catcalling, it's like, yeah, that's disgusting. Yeah, I hear that. I feel that. That sounds terrible. What I never understood about that was that, f- that thing. That mm-hmm. thing where it's like, no, but you being catcalled is like, you're standing on a street where there are hundreds of people around you. But you're the thing. Yeah. You're the only thing there. 
You're the whole focus. Like hiding in plain sight is yes. a fucking luxury. Yes. Yeah. It, mm. Like it fucking rocked me and wrecked me in a way. And there are plenty of things about this movie that are weird and interesting and made me feel and think things about my relationship yeah. with women and re- women's relationship with the world. But yeah. that scene in particular was like really, it like really hit me hard. That's your takeaway. Yeah. yeah. It, it, I thought that movie was very powerful. And I don't even know exactly what it's trying to do, if it's even smart or good or whatever. I but think if Reffin's really, career is to be followed, like he's yeah. just trying, like whatever your reaction is, yeah. he's trying to get one. Yes. You yeah. Know? And yeah. when you look back at Drive and Only God mm, Forgives, uh-huh. I mean, they're, they're definitely male centralized. Yes. Yes. So, you know, to do that and to team up with, with female writers yes. too, to bring that, I mean, I think it would be dumb to dismiss your takeaway. You know, I, I, I think agree. It's, yeah. That's there. I agree. I just know visually, I can close my eyes and picture that, uh, I guess it was a panther in the hotel room, yes. and get chills. Yes. That is some effective... Wow. And Dude. even the last 20 minutes, that final photo shoot, yep. Yep. that is some... That is horror filmmaking made... It, like a cologne ad. It was... Oh, dude, was I know. Fucking, How oh. about her, like, evolution... From oh, yeah. who she was to who she becomes in that weird triangle neon oh, God, imagery was so sequence was incredible. When I saw that in the theater, so many people walked out at that moment. Dude, that it was, was almost just like you could just wow. see it in their face that was just like, I refuse to even engage this yeah. because what no. it's like, no, that's that this was, is your time that's to the try. Thing. You know? That's like you yeah, go. that yeah. Uh, that's the thing that like literally I feel like that's the key to the movie, and I don't understand it. But I do have a distinct feeling about what's happening there. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't even know how to describe it. I felt it. similarly when I watched Under the Skin. Yeah, which is funny in hindsight. That's like, that's like the big movie of the 2000s. I agree with you completely. That was one where suddenly, after watching that movie, I suddenly felt like, oh, that's so weird to feel unsafe in a safe place. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Like that's something that I never right. really come across, right. and that put me there. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I think Neon Demon took took that to the level of. Almost introducing industry into that. Yes. Where it's like there is a business mm-hmm. in the making of safe spaces unsafe. Yeah. You know, like yeah. there's there's a way to pervert that further. It's yep. weird. Yeah. That's pretty cool because I, and I definitely really want to see it. And it was like one of the big ones that I missed this year. But because I I've kind of come to this conclusion that, you know, perhaps uh, I mean, I love Drive. Drive's like one of my favorite movies of the decade, you know, but kind of come to this conclusion after watching uh um, Valhalla Rising Dude. and Only God Forgives and Bronson that I'm like, you know what? He's a, a sort of a can't-miss director, but I'm not sure that he really makes uh, very, like, enjoyable movies. You know what's He's so funny? Pushing buttons. Yeah, you I, know what's like, so funny? Like, is we have, like, the yeah. inverse opinion on him. Oh, wow. Drive is, like, the one movie of his that I was like, I don't know. Like, I get why people like it. I don't engage with it that much. Valhalla Rising was the thing that made me go like, "This dude is incredible." Oh, when they were tripping I on whatever and butt fucking Valhalla each other on the Rising. beach, I was like, "This is this is some real shit." I <laughs> loved that movie I, so much. Yeah. You should check out some interviews with him if you ever get a chance because uh, he is just so eccentric. Um, yeah, he I want to watch that documentary. Yeah, documentary his, wife, his wife. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to as well. Yeah, he about about only God forgives yeah. and drive. I remember in his like. Really thick, uh, I guess. Is it Danish accent? I think he's Danish. Yeah, um, he's from hell. Whatever Denmark <laughs> is, uh, uh, he's like Dri- with Drive. I wanted to make a movie that felt like really good cocaine. <laughs> with only God forgives, I wanted to make a movie that was really good acid. <laughs> and it's just like Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. But one thing he did say in another interview I I heard of his was like, you know, I'm not out to be the best director, but I'm out to be the best director of the kind of movies that I make. 
and and he Mission accomplished. Yeah, yeah. Yep. no one makes movies like him. So no. I always wonder, like, if we were to put him onto like a mainstream project, what 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 would it be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really don't. I have think an he answer. would fuck it up royally. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It would be it would be a very weird. It would thing. destroy him. Probably it would be a Justin Kurzel Assassin's Creed, which I haven't seen. But, right. Yeah. You know, he's a very. Uh, uh, one type. Of I'm sure thing. he's been approached many, many times. Oh, yeah, oh it wouldn't probably. surprise me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I bet they. I bet they wanted Fast him to make eight. Suicide Squad. You know what I mean? Like, I bet he was a guy I on the list. Would love that. Yeah. If I, he can do oh Fast Nine, Jesus. it would be amazing. Dude. Yeah. All right. So, so my number seven. I wanted please. to tell a story Should about family <laughs> <laughs> and, and cars. cars. <laughs> oh my God! Wow. So my number seven is uh, American Honey. Oh, oh, that I was an honorable was mention by for me. Andrea Arnold. Yeah, that was a tough cut. I wrestled totally. with that all day today. Yeah, I, I, I kind of <laughs> had to do it. You know, I, I really had to go there and and get American Honey um, on the list, and I it came really close to getting cut for me. But I, at the end of the day, you know, I think how I constructed this top ten list was: what are the biggest movies for me this year? What are the ones that really? loom the largest in my mind and and obviously at about two hours and 45 minutes well you know american honey um is certainly you know it, it's uh it's a big movie let's mm-hmm. let's be real but i would say that it paced well <laughs> i i did not feel I that agree. time i didn't feel it either and and it's because it it operates in this fascinating way where there's like a lot of these little short stories within there's like a lot of like little short films within the film you know there's these places where the main character, I forget her name, but she's played by the actress Sasha Lane, uh, where she kind of goes off to score money and, you know, whether it's, you know, kind of going off with a few like cowboys who are dressed in white or whether it's in North Dakota, kind of going to do a sexual favor for this guy, uh, for an oil, for an oil fields worker. Um, She's constantly kind of testing the limits and getting in these situations that you think are going to end you know, really badly. Uh, she she kind of chases danger, and you sort of see why at the beginning of the movie because you kind of understand the the really abusive and threatening environment that she came from. Um, but she, and one where where yeah. like unheard of responsibility is thrust upon exactly. her unfairly. Yeah, it's insane, and and you really get a chance to see, um, you know, you you really get to see her world through her eyes. Um, it's a movie that sort of toes walks the line a little bit too close for comfort for me between like glorifying like just pure crazy substance abuse and drug addiction mm. and like and like sort of condemning it but the main thing is that it doesn't want to judge its characters who are um all these these and what a crazy yeah. cast like cast and insane a lot cast, of those yeah. kids i i almost immediately felt condescension towards cuz they just yeah. seemed trashy to me yeah, and the fact that, and, and you know, that's 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 my fault, right? Um, you kind of by the end, I started judgment. to really get to know them, and 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 conversely, you know, yeah, exactly, like frame my own yeah. judgment of them. And and um, these are characters who are, uh, they basically she she hired these non professional actors that were basically pulled off the street who play these characters that uh, go around, you know, red state America, basically selling magazine subscriptions, and it's a movie that, um, that. Speaking of Red State America is very timely for 2016 because mm-hmm. it really kind of gets you in the headspace of of where a lot of these people are at, and you kind of get a chance to see, you know, Trump's America as it were, and and that's actually a theme that's on my list of like movies that really appeal to or not appeal to, but movies that portray this other side of America that people like the three of us in Philadelphia are can easily be kind of blind to. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So American Honey, it's it's the main thing that I think about when I think about this movie though are its musical set pieces. There are three or four or five like you know these these young people come together for these like you know scenes where they they're dancing to music, they're singing along to it. There's like a a square dance scene with a Steve Earle song. There's a big sing along in the van to this like Lady Antebellum song. Um, there's even like Mazzy Star makes an appearance, you know, and it's just got an amazing soundtrack. And it's one, you know, for me as a musician and someone who really loves music um, and kind of lives and breathes music, uh, you know, if, if, if a movie has a number of musical sequences that really stick in the memory, it's going to it's going to be it's going to really rise in estimation for me. So you're making me really regret not putting this on the list <laughs> because so when I left American Honey, I was that was. This is one of my big regrets that it's I didn't get to see this year. It's an incredible flick. And yeah. I got to say, that Shulaboo 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 is Shulaboo fucking is good. amazing. Yeah. And he's so creepy, and he's but he sells this performance so well. Oh, he's, I'd buy his magazines. Yeah. He's, I would, he's, he's, well, incredible. he's a magazine salesman. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would buy his magazines. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that was, uh, and that was a first-time actress, too, I believe, right? Yeah. Sasha Lane. She was yep. really good. I believe she was casted by the director discovered her at uh spring break at in florida you know? oh man i yeah, gotta get so. my ass to spring break <laughs> get your ass get your like, ass to spring break right too, <laughs> please but, and i don't know if you guys saw fish tank did you see that one i have not I did, everybody ago? tells me i got yeah. it it's been on my queue forever yeah. but it's one of those movies that's like two hours ten minutes so i just yeah. never press play yeah and, and it's uh, a similar i remember american honey for the similar way that i remember fish tank it's it's a really kind of depressing, bleak, uh, but extremely empathetic and up close and personal take on like you know poverty. Mm-hmm. But but it ends. Fish Tank ends with this sequence where a few characters uh, do this like seemingly spontaneous, but like you know obviously choreographed dance to uh, "Life's a Bitch" by Nas. Oh <laughs> man! Which to me made me fall in love with Nas and and his album Milmatic and. So, you know, um, American Honey kind of has a similar effect. Well, it doesn't, it, it hasn't made me fall in love with any particular musician I wasn't aware of already, but it has <clears throat> so many sequences like that that just, it's like these little music videos interspersed through the whole movie. And, cool. you know, you just come away with it feeling like, you know, you spent this like beautiful time in this, you know, not beautiful, but you spent really profound time getting to know these characters. And not through what they say, but like what they, but how they behave and mm-hmm. what they don't. You're kind say. of along for the ride. You're really, it's very thorough. You're one like of that. those people. It's in the van with them. Yeah, and you're like, this is crazy, but I'm just gonna go with it. And you know, and you, as much as you sort of might find yourself judging them, you also recognize that well, if the rest of these kids are anything like where Sasha Lane can't, had to come from, with like an ab- abusive, you know, horrible. Oh yeah, this life is a glamorous alternative. This is obviously where she needs to be, Mm -hmm. you know. And how miraculous and special that they managed to make it here together, you know. So great movie, really good. That was a damn fucking good movie. (laughs) Yeah, that's one of my big regrets this year. Yeah, I get to see America. Check it out. I I carve out two hours and forty-five minutes and just go along for the ride. I'm into it. Uh, The joke I was going to make for how I was going to cheaply include Jackie, since it's not on my list, I, I I will have to double nominate. American Honey and Jackie for the Bridge of Spies Award, meaning <laughs> the the movie that 
I didn't put on my list, and then for the next year, just was like, I should have fucking put that on my list. <laughs> so that's the Bridge of Spies Award. I got gotcha. you. Right, my number, number seven? seven is uh, Tom Ford's Nocturnal Animals. God, I got to see this too. Uh, this is a movie Same that here. I, I can't you're, you're recommend alone on this one, to everybody Dan. because it's it's not a. Uh, I don't know if it's a terribly good movie. Interesting. It's a novelty movie. It's a trashy movie. It's based on a book I've that was released. Fuck. Oh, it's trashy as fuck. It's but but it, something about it just I, I was super, super I mean, into it from Gone the Girl is trashy as fuck, but I think we can probably yeah, agree oh, yeah. that Gone Girl is, well, this good, is based right? on like a it's... book that was written by a guy. He wrote it, it never really made it, he died. And then it got released in the UK, well, sorry, and it suddenly got like a. Oh, <laughs> he's fucking dead. No, he, he was killed by clowns. No, no he was. Uh, he just died of old age or whatever. Yeah. And then it sort of got a critical reappraisal, and then yeah. as these things yeah. go, it became a movie. But what it is is Amy Adams once again plays this. Uh, she make the like face? A bougie. She oh, she year. makes the face. Oh yeah. She, she plays does. like a bougie artist who's kind of over it, but is very successful. Yeah. And she's got a, a shitty husband, Army Hammer. <laughs> and she has a... Uh, that is a shitty husband. Yeah. <laughs> Army <laughs> Hammer, the baking soda. Is a, uh, how does nobody ever yeah. make that? I can never not think that. I love the guy. This is literally the first time I've thought that. Really? Oh, I, every time I see him, I'm like, Army Hammer. Huh. <laughs> His parents did that on purpose. <laughs> Nobody's named Army. Yeah. It's not... It's, what is it for? Arnold? Short for Armored. <laughs> yeah. Armor, armored Hammers. Armored. <laughs> but he, uh, he's just kind of like a shithead who's always cheating on her and stuff. Yeah. And she has an ex-husband, Jake Gyllenhaal, Dreamboat, um, who so is kind of out of the picture. And then one day, he sends her a manuscript for Nocturnal Animals, a book that he wrote that is dedicated to her. Half of the movie is the actions happening in this book played as a movie. So as she reads this manuscript... We watch it as a movie. Do other movie actors starring play? Michael Shannon, okay. Jake Gyllenhaal, um, what's Kickass's name? Aaron Taylor Johnson. Uh-huh. Wow. Um, oh, and it's it's like a great, just pulpy story. And as she's reading it, she starts to realize that this book dedicated to her is also thematically linked to her former relationship with the author. Yeah, yeah. And so he plays both the author and the main character of this book. So we watch as this. You know, kind of out of touch but successful woman is starting to regret losing the life she once had. Yeah. And so we bounce back and forth between these two stories, and it is just, it's pulpy, it's trashy, could have been a Verhoeven film, but uh, it also, it's a Tom Ford film, so it it does take stabs at the fashion industry. It Mm -hmm. does, you know, and so it's, it's hokey and cheesy, and it's just fucking brutal and mean and gnarly and i went out and bought the book immediately i still yeah. haven't cracked it Interesting. but uh, i went out and bought the book because i really want to see how it translates yeah it's it's just a ton of fun um th- th- i've never seen someone reading a, like you know when like when i watched arrival and then it bonded with me on a thematic level mm-hmm. of what i was experiencing we're watching a movie about a person having that experience of reading a piece of art and realizing that it relates to her, you know, to her life and to her experience. Yeah. And then also finding out that, you know, not just in a thematic sense, but in a literal sense. Right. Hmm. And it comes through to an ending that, you know, I was like, oh, I wonder if that meant this or this. And then my girlfriend who I saw it with, she was like, oh, I think it meant that. And it blew my mind because I didn't even consider it. I yeah. go onto Wikipedia to read the plot description. And whoever wrote that very much believes what she said. And it makes a ton of sense. So that's why I can't wait to read the book to see how it's to all see framed. A, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. great, and it's got Michael Shannon, and he's the best. I love Michael Shannon. Yeah, yeah he's I, good. I feel like I haven't. This movie is so 
It was so on my polarized. radar, but I, yeah. Mm. But, like, I feel like people either loved it or, like, really didn't like it. Right. Mm. And so I'm really fascinated. I, I have a feeling I'll end more on the loved it side. But it's yeah. it's I mean, very, it like, amazing. hokey in the dialogue, but uh, I think purposefully so. Like, it, it's meant to be... You know, it's a trash novel about a trash novel being used in a a form of of, I guess vengeance is the word, but being used to just at somebody. Yeah, amazing. And, uh, but it, you know, in so they made it into a trash movie. You know, adapted and right. directed by you know a guy who came out of the trash fashion industry. <laughs> right, it's it's, it's, it's great. Yeah, can we all just admit that Jake Gyllenhaal, like, one of our greatest living actors you oh. know like he's he's, he's i mean the his guy. his decade has just been unreal nightcrawler so yeah yeah was incredible i loved nightcrawler. nightcrawler was my number one film two years ago there you go. nightcrawler is along the lines of what you were saying about jackie is one of those movies where it's like how did that how was that not my favorite movie that yeah. year there you go uh, all right, my number. Highly recommend Nocturnal Animals. Yeah, I really want to see it. Highly suspect that a lot of people that hear this are going to watch it and go, "The fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> it's good stuff. I do really want to see it. It sounds like something I would like. Uh, okay, so my number six. This is the one that like it wasn't even on the list. Then was number ten. Then was number nine. Then was number eight. Like I was like really juggling this list, trying to figure it out. And what it came down to was like I started thinking about like what are the movies I'm actually going to come back to. There were a lot right. of movies this year that like I did really like and respect and feel like deserve a spot on this list because they're doing something interesting. But like what are the ones I'm I am gonna like watch probably more and more and more in the future? My number six was Ten Cloverfield Lane. Oh, oh that was a that was okay. I, I considered that for a while. It it really like it started really low on my list because I was like, Yeah, I really liked that movie, but I feel like I saw better movies this year. I really, really liked that one, but I saw better movies this year. And the more oh, I just want to say this real fast before I get away from Nocturnal yeah. Animals. That is a movie about processing grief. Oh, yes. Yeah. It very much is. Interesting. Okay. And communication. Uh, okay. Uh, Ted Cloverfield Lane kind of is, too. It is. Yes. I was I was actually, that's what I was, I was like, uh, because uh, I was like, oh, actually. I just so grabbed it out of thin air for Yeah, you. I was like, yep. so was this movie. <laughs> uh, it was, it, like, literally, it started so below on my list. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought about it, the more I thought about it. Like, I watched Die Hard last night. It's, As you have to do. Tis the Christmas. season, right? And I was ho, like, ho, ho. And I, right. And I thought about, and I was watching Die Hard last night, and that is one of my all time favorite movies, like, hands down. And I really, really thought about it. And I was like, it's one of the all time favorite movies. Right. <laughs> you know but I, I thought, but I, but I thought about it watching it last night, and I was like, why is this one of my all time favorite movies? Because, like, even in just the last three years that we've been doing the show, when we do these end of year lists, I could probably name 10 movies that I think are in some sort of artistic sense or whatever better movies than Die Hard. But I Di- can't. But Die Hard sticks with me and really like is a movie I can watch over and over, and it still amazes me every time at what it's able to accomplish and how it accomplishes those things. And so I really like Ten Cloverfield Lane is like that movie this year for me, where it's like I think I'm going to watch this movie like a bunch of times in the future. Like I'm going to sure. be able to come back to Ten Cloverfield Lane. I'd watch it again over and over again. Yeah, I would it, like to watch it again. Yeah, like, and like as soon as possible. I think I'm going to enjoy it every time. I think it's going to surprise me again every. You know what I mean? Like even, I bet there's richness there. Yeah. that, that is easy to gloss over. Yes. given that on its surface it's a gimmick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And even and just all the ins and outs of it, I feel like there's enough of them, and they are played in just such a way that like. Every time I watch it, I'm going to be surprised again by certain yeah. things. Mm. You know what I mean? It's it is so well constructed that there are there are certain movies that are like this where it's like I've seen it a hundred times and I'm still always surprised when this one thing happens because I just the movie is so engaging I don't remember that that's like a step it's going to take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, 
Uh, I've only seen it the once, and I but I know what you're talking about though. Yeah, it like, just that's something that I feel like it should be knowing where it's all headed. Right, I'm gonna be going. All right, let's right. get there. But I I don't I don't think that would be the case. No, with this, when I reflect based on, on it, what I remember. Yeah, when I reflect on it, I think about things like the uh, the charade scene. Yeah. That you was know? Lit- okay. So no joke, Garrett. That's probably one of my favorite scenes of the year. The I would agree with scene that. Was is incredible, and it it really says. And I so I know that the screenplay was also partially apparently written and credited to Damien Chazelle. Damien Chazelle yep. And I'm like, I guarantee you he wrote that scene because yeah. it's just, it stands out in that movie. It really and does. And it's that whole like tension of, it, it felt like something that they took from Whiplash. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's also too, there's, there's a, uh, a failure to communicate there. Yes. There's a hurdle between them communicating yep. where everyone's, not everyone, but you know, most of the characters are, are, have ulterior motives. Everybody's got something they should yeah. say, but they're not going to yeah. say it. Exactly, and like, but they do need to share information with yeah. one another. But everybody's uh, they have to be careful about, about they how parse they parse that out. Yeah. out. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And that scene, I feel like, is such a great encapsulation of like, I guarantee, I'm going to watch this movie four or five more times, and every time that like really funny, but like really sort of like, oh, reveal comes at the end of that scene, I'm going to feel that every time. Yeah, like yeah. even though I know that's coming. It's so well performed and it's so well constructed. I'm gonna get into that tension of what the fuck is he talking about? Does he know what's happening? Does he like trying to reveal to them right now that he knows all of the secret things that they're doing behind him? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna feel that every time I watch it. Yeah. I actually, I like really. I bet you can also explore it and come to a better conclusion as to what he knows too. Totally, exactly. Yeah. Like what he because what I do think of a he's trying yeah. to. Uh, I legitimately think he deserves a nomination this year for that role. Yeah. It seems like that. a weird movie to nominate a role from, yeah. but in all the movies I saw this year, like I would, I would take a best supporting yeah. for him and probably underappreciated too. I, I mean, think so. I mean, it's a because gen- it's a genre movie. It's, a genre film yeah. comes out in March. You yep. know, no one knew it was coming yep. out. I mean, of course, John Goodman. You you know he's no matter what he's always going to be. Yeah. You know, like one of the best people on screen. So yes. so you kind of take it for granted. And I think years from now we'll still be sort of appreciating that performance. I think one of the cool things about John Goodman is that his charm has always been that he is an imposing, potentially threatening presence yes. that turns out to be a teddy bear. Right. And this is the opposite of that. Dressed up as that. In that he is a terrifying presence, mm-hmm. um, almost believes himself to be a teddy bear, mm-hmm. and uses the the potential you know teddy bearness to to sneak his 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 uh, uh, his, his poison his, his, his imposition his poison. Yeah, uh, yeah. we still it. really don't know till till you know as as my memory serves me till we're on the fence the throughout the whole movie we're like our gut says this guy is not to be trusted, but. Yeah. But if I were in that situation, you really have no choice but to trust right. him. Yep. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's not until great. that big climactic scene that you finally really, really know what's happening down there. You mm-hmm. know? Exactly. Uh, and I really think that uh, that ending was unfairly derided and is actually really, really interesting. It's and a ton of fun. Good. It's uh, a ton of fun. It's one that kind of, I, I have to say, like the ending sort of lowered it a little bit for me. Well, here's... Not to be like overly. I'm willing to give it another shot. Not to be overly spoily about the movie, but to talk about the ending. In I a think way, we can spoil it. Yeah, in a way that I can defend it, like really, I, I think pretty hardcore. Spoiler alert: is <laughs> it is about and whatever we can talk about how on the nose this ends up being once I explain it, if you want. But so it's about a woman who runs from all of her problems. Yep. Right. That's exactly what the movie's about. She she runs from everything. And she spends, she has this harrowing experience with this guy mm. underground where. Which she only got to because she was running. Because she was from running. Some she was running problem. from something else. Yeah. But then again, running saved her life. Ooh. Well, and then how does she escape from him? 
She runs from him, right? Like that, the end of really the climax is she's running from him, right? She runs, she gets outside, she tries to run again, she gets confronted by an alien craft on one side, turns around, runs the other direction towards the house that looks like salvation. Big alien craft comes up from behind the house. She turns. And I believe she, she has a line too where she's like, you gotta be fucking Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, like, she feels like we do about it. Yeah, yeah. But then she turns, she runs again and gets to the truck and she tries to turn the truck on and run and gets attacked again. And it's only in that moment that she finally decides to do something to help herself, does it, succeeds, and then I know it's super on the nose. Well, she's been training for it the whole time too. 100%. In the bunker, yeah. she's like slowly chipping she's away at yep. like, I have to prepare. Yep. I and have to do this. Totally. And I know it's on the nose, but then at the end, the final it's like she finally makes a decision to help herself, and then that is the full arc of her character. Yeah. She has now learned to help herself and decides that there is something bigger than her and goes to try and help with that, too. Yeah, and rather than running from exactly. problems, she and, she literally drives towards problems. Yes, and, <laughs> yeah. as, and as weird and as cheesy as on the nose that that ending might be, you know, with the aliens and stuff that I know people did not like necessarily. The idea that she is confronted with something once she escapes the most harrowing thing of her life to only then continue to try and run, turn around, run, turn around, run, and have to confront, that to me was like really powerful. Oh, it's, it's always going to catch up. To That's you. like really yeah. good writing and really powerful, I think. I think yeah. that ending was unfairly derided because it was like, ah, they called it Cloverfield and we thought it would be about aliens and then it was about aliens. Fuck yeah. that movie. You know, though, I often look back and go, Okay, let's get rid of the aliens. How do right. we end it? I don't fucking know. Who knows? It's gonna suck no matter what yeah. you do. I liked that ending. I, I mean, thought it worked. One of the themes that I that I had in terms of eliminating villains, that's a movie that doesn't really have a villain. Right. The big villain is miscommunication. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I I my of the four themes that I have here, the own your strange, eliminate villains, process grief with grace, and forgive and communicate. The one overarching thing I wrote was stop pointing fingers and look inside. Yeah. And that's what yeah. everything's about. And that is the biggest lesson that I think everyone, including myself, needs to learn. Yeah. And it's it's because it's the hardest lesson. I would say I, all movies so are kind of about that in one way or another. Absolutely. You know, like the whole people like from the life itself, the Roger Ebert documentary, like movies are empathy machines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's uh you get a chance to actually like literally put on another person's shoes mm-hmm. for a couple of hours. That's like, why American Honey yeah. was so strong. It, yeah. it allowed That's me why to frame was so my judgments. To me. Absolutely. Yeah. And yep. in connecting with those characters, you recognize, well, I need to give yep. myself the same kind of empathy and pat and I think that's the experience that, you and I have with Arrival. I have Absolutely. I, I think that was really the experience we had with Arrival. Was I came out of that going, all of this energy that I put into refusing to communicate yeah. could easily be re- reallocated to communication yep. to admitting where i'm wrong and fixing it yep. like i can sit there and say you fix yourself you fix yourself you fix yourself well that's on them yeah you know there's nothing i can do right. about that but you know you can you can i be do the have change control over this you know, little you that. yeah yep. exactly. this little vessel here is what i have we control see over. her do that yeah and it's only when she's you're right it's only when she tries running from everything where it's like well i guess i'm just gonna i have just to, i'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to be a do tool this myself. for yeah, yeah exactly yep yeah that's i a good really liked that movie and it just I don't know. I, it was another one I tried to almost fight off my list. And not only could I not fight it off my list, it literally climbed it higher and higher the more I thought about it. Yeah, because then you had to face it. You're like, well, I love this movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ha-ha, there you go. Exactly. I'm going to run towards it. Exactly. I'm going to run towards Clo- What's your number six? Clothing. 
My number six is Barry Jenkins' Moonlight. Uh, I have not seen this yet. It's oh, a, this is probably the, that was be, a tough to be honest. For me. This is my like my biggest regret of the year. There I you think, go. That I didn't see this. It deserves to be on all yeah. our lists, yeah. and I left it off mine just because you knew someone well, would bring well, it up. What, what can I say yeah. about it that it's I'm great. qualified yeah. to say, or someone hasn't already said better yeah. than me? And, and I know so what the you mean. on because it, <laughs> I would say probably Moon. I would say the top three most critically regarded films of the year that you're probably going to see on, you know, at least ninety percent of you know critics' top ten lists are Moonlight, Manchester by the Sea, yep. and La La Land. Yep. And so, um, so the part of me wants to sort of rebel and like you know not include Moonlight. And it was one of those movies that I wasn't really excited to put it on my top ten list because I just know that. It's on so many other ones, right. but but when it really comes down to it, it just is. It fully deserves to be here, and because it's just such an such a beautiful film, and it just does everything perfectly right. It 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 operates in the fashion of a triptych, you know. A, mm-hmm. a it has a beginning, middle, and end, but follows the uh, life of a of a gay black man in who grows up in poverty in Miami, and casting three different actors to play him as a young child. And then a teenager, and then a, and then a young adult, and um, I think Dan, you and I got into it a little bit on Letterboxd about like, you know, you're sort of saying this is a movie that we don't. De- it's so empathetic, it's so empathetic that we don't even deserve it in 2016. And I, I more meant that in yeah. in a in a in joking a, way, yeah, obviously. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I knew that. And then I my response to you was, well, this is, but we all deserve this movie, and that's the point of it, you yeah. know, because we all deserve, you know, this love and this this love and this empathy um and well, it's a story of a guy who yeah. really needs a shoulder to cry on he needs a shoulder and to cry does on. not get one for his i mean he gets one but like that's, that's well, he doesn't he accept. doesn't get it where he need where he should get it from but yeah. he gets it where it's available yeah and that's just like kind of all of us but but of course you know hey i'm a white heterosexual male in uh you know who went to graduate school i have it pretty good you know this this guy you know he's a gay black man who has, you know, a mother who's a, you know, who's a drug addict and he's had to deal with, you know, not having a father figure in his life. Well, until well, not having a biological father figure in his life as far yeah, as we tremendous know. Tremendous performance. I'm going to fuck up his name. Mahershala, Mahershala Ali. Ali. Awesome. I, I have it down in my notes. Best supporting actor of the year, hands down. Um, So it's just such a, it's a great movie. I knew it would be objectively great when I saw it. I was like, oh, yeah, this will be, I, I will not be able to argue with this film. Like, I know it will be great, objectively. But I was really not expecting, like, how purely accessible it would be. Oh, yeah. I mean, it I was. I thought I would be bummed by it. Yeah. And I ended up being was, very, I was able to dance with it. I was able to dance with it, too. And it was, it's a beautiful love story. It's funny at times. It's got, but it also, like, goes all in on this sort of like art house, like Wong Kar Wai, Ang mm. Lee kind of thing too. But also, you know, it's not above like, you know, having... It doesn't feel pretentious. Like, Yeah, it, it's not above be. being like, yeah, let's smoke some blunts. You know, it's yeah, just yeah. a movie that really celebrates um, kind of like American Honey. It really puts you right in with these characters. Well, it's um, a window to a world yeah. that I would not see otherwise. Same right. here. And, and, and thankfully so. Yeah. But... In order to shift my perspective to something useful, I should know. Yeah, yeah totally. And I guess the last thing I'll say about it um, that, you know, that because you're going to be hearing about it a lot this year 
is that you know gay narratives often end in tragedy right mm. like brokeback oh, mountain interesting. yeah you know? like i never thought about that yeah, that's totally. really interesting so like you know think of like most movies about most gay films you know Milk. about gay characters and yeah end in tragedy <laughs> yeah, right yeah, you know yeah. it's like oh and because you know because you're gay in the society you have to pay the price you know you have yeah. to suffer yeah. you have to die you have to be killed or yeah. you have to something you have to be a martyr for something it. terrible yeah. needs yeah. to happen but this is a movie obviously there's plenty of struggle but but it's really a movie that's mostly about resilience you know yeah. so it's not you know i don't want to there's like reward you know. at the end though it's yeah, like, I, and yeah not to spoil too much at the end and it's not really a mo- it's not a movie that's really based on plot anyway so sure. so there's not really much like <laughs> that i can spoil except to say that it really lifts you up in the end and yeah. it really makes you it really ends on a grace note of yeah. of of optimism and hope and but just you know, just it ends on a note of humanity. Let's just put it that way. Is, is this a first time filmmaker? No, Barry Jenkins. I think it's his third film. Okay, but like the last movie he made came out like eight years ago. Whoa. Okay. So got he's it. yeah. In a way, like a lot of people are treating him like a first time filmmaker, like a new but voice. But, but he's but... just sort of seems like he's a guy who just kind of waits for the right projects yeah. rather than tries okay. to like you know kind of bust him out. Huh. Well, the two things I'll say about Moonlight is one, the very final scene. Actors and directors will be studying that forever. Well, that's that's the thing that stuck with me. You the mean most. the sequel, like the the third part, or uh, like in the, the literal? Oh, the kitchen. Yes. In the kitchen, when he when Absolutely. he says uh, about who know, is you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, the thing that that I found most interesting about it is that one of the biggest hurdles I think that I'll call queer cinema has had to jump is shedding that label mm-hmm, and right? making it so that yep. that's not the thing. Yeah, you know, like. We we've been fighting against the whole idea of like oh well there's the gay character yeah you know, right. there's the token and we've been when looking that's for real no inclusion thing exactly yeah. like there was a the invitation was a great example yes. there was a gay couple and that wasn't a thing it was nope. just part of it yeah. normal yeah. yeah boom you know and as my friend base expands and I have more and more gay friends and that becomes the reality that is helped into the fact by things like Carol and things like yeah. Moonlight yeah where that is without a doubt by definition an entry into uh queer cinema mm-hmm. certainly but it's just but it's it's not it's just a movie yeah, yeah. Well, well it is and it isn't at the and same time you know yeah. so it is a queer film it is it's a about movie that, but about it's like not queer a thing, yeah exactly you know? yeah. but but it's also a story it, about it's it, also just a beautiful love story unto itself yeah, exactly it sounds but, like it treats yeah. it normatively Yes, right? and so that's probably like extremely big, normalizing. Yeah, yeah. Extremely. I struggled with, um, and I have to write a review for it, which is going to be difficult. I did not like hidden figures at all. It, oh, right, um, yeah. Because it was so hell bent on being a message movie that yeah. it forgot to be any other type of movie. <laughs> right. And had it actually just been a movie, the message would have been awesome. Yeah, um, it, was it has the same to be a thing. good movie. Got to be a yes. good movie. Number that was one. my you big can't problem sell the with, message uh, if it's not. Remember Dope. Yeah. Dope was so fucking good. Yeah. It had such a good message and it was such a good movie. And then suddenly it just started like screaming. Literally, the, the main character talks to the camera to tell you the message at right. the end. And it, it hurt the film for me because yeah. it's like we were there. Yeah. We, we were there. I was with you. And now I feel like I'm being scolded. This is yeah. not a good and example of like a message movie, but The Revenant made me feel the same way. Like okay, the end yeah. of the movie, the character basically turns to the camera and goes, and this is what all two and a half hours of this have been about. It's all about. Yeah. It's like, are you kidding me? I've been watching the movie. <laughs> I'm with you. I had to spend yeah. two and a half hours for you to turn and tell me about it. And the message is, it's cold as fuck. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, it's yeah. Messages. Horses can be houses. But it's yeah. I feel I'm right there with you though. It's like, that's a frustrating thing. It's a frustrating thing, and, yeah. and it sucks because 
as the person who probably most needs to learn these lessons right. put forth by these things. But no, you know, nobody likes to be nobody. Does nobody the wants summer to be pandered reading, to. But when you read Brave New World after high school, it's good. Yeah, you know, yeah. when I was yeah. told to read it, I'd fuck off. Nobody wants well, to be pandered and to. And the key yeah, is that exactly. the key is you really Blue just have to never stick gets to. There. You have to stick to the story. You have to stick to the characters, and that's how humans are. That's how we're gonna like really find our way in. You know, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. I'm. You know, I, I'm someone who I really don't mind. There's some quote unquote message movies that I really oh, love. No, I can you know get what I there. Mean? Yeah, I, yeah, I can absolutely get but there. But it's gonna be better if you you got to remember to number one, make it you know make it all, make it a good movie. Cinematic. Yeah, that's make it be, a good movie. Yeah. I just love the idea of the fact that he was a gay black, you know, uh, just an underprivileged man is what the movie's all about. But that's not a thing. And nobody goes, let's go see the gay black movie. It's let's yeah. go right. see Moonlight because it's a good movie. Right. Because it's, it's the most you know? like critically regarded film yeah. of the year. Yeah. Exactly. And, yeah. and then, it, and then yeah. it, it sat with me and I've thought about every thematic thing it tried to throw at me. And every, you know, I, I still think about it. I learned more from that than if it was just like, look how, you know, if, if it was a martyr movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's, a good uh, flick. that's a really, I, I really like that point about it too that it's like nobody this year has been like did you see the gay black movie not once there's not i've not that's nope. not a thing that has been but everybody has you been like moonlight. did you see moonlight yeah that's in and of itself that's like a pretty big important thing it's great you know it's great. when it's when it stops yeah. being a thing then it'll stop being a thing yeah um, as long but as it'll those still things, be a thing, right? Like, it'll still like be a queer thing. cinema is yeah. important yeah but it's nice to see a movie that it that brings queer cinema into right. pop cinema, you know what I mean? Like actually well, brings it into that's popular why Selma cinema. was so successful is because it was a good biopic. Right, it was, it was a good movie. biopic. It was a great uh, period piece, and if it was if it was you know just posturing, it would have been weak and it would have felt like I was watching it at school. Right, right. but like I, it it never needed to go there because it was a good movie, and that's a movie that is one of the greats. You know, yeah. because yeah. of that. And yeah. Selma and Moonlight, neither of them have to make real concessions for like white audiences like they're, they're both like Mm-mm. extremely just you know we they, said it yourself it yeah. was accessible as yeah hell. exactly I was and it was just so i'm not represented oh at all yeah, in that movie exactly and yet and it's, it's still open and um you know like with with <clears throat> it's just it also captures i love how moonlight opens with uh Every N word is a star, you know, which which is how yeah. the to pimp, to pimp a butterfly Kendrick <laughs> Lamar's album starts, and it, it's kind of the this movie is like a really similar. It's almost like the the movie version of to pimp a butterfly. You know, it's like here's a movie that's going to be really unapologetic and embracing in everything that it stands for. It's not going to like dilute itself um, for popular consumption, and in doing so. That's exactly what makes it so available for popular consumption. I felt no need you know. to resist it. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that is also, you know, that's a personal fault. When I watch something like Hidden Figures and I'm being scolded or being preached to, there's a piece of me that wants to push back. Now, granted, that is a fault of my own, but uh, Moonlight is, is a yeah. testament to the fact that it's a testament to what I was saying before. Like, if I'm constantly going, you're a Trump supporter, you're a racist, and I'm not going to talk to you, they're going to go, well, then you know what? Fuck you. I'm going to say something with my vote. Yeah. But the second that someone says, let's let's just engage this, let's yeah. take all that baggage out of the mm-hmm. way, I'm going to tell mm-hmm. you this story. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm in, and I learned much people, more. people, that's how we communicate, through stories. stories. Exactly. Oh, I can't wait to talk more about stories. I, that's a big thing for I don't me. Resist, I don't resist Moonlight, and I end up getting the lesson that I desperately need to learn. 
That yeah. It, you know, yeah. that it needs to, it's that's that's awesome. That's powerful. You know, yeah. everyone's gonna push back against preaching. We all do it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's that's a good thing. That, uh, I can't wait to see this movie. This is this is it's good. The shit. number one regret of the year for me is I didn't see Moonlight. You know, though, you'll be able to sit without any pressure, right? Of, uh, yes. Know, and yeah. Just, and just actually, like, it, really soak awesome. it in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my number six is a movie that just, oh man, it is just like, it's just a good piece of entertainment. Hell or high water. Oh, dude. Oh, you yeah. know what? Well, I'll just say it now. That's my number five. That is okay, going to be the next perfect. thing on my Guess list. What? So let's talk about it. Me too. Your oh, number five? My number dude, five. Let's just talk about oh, hell or high let's water. Just do a, let's I'm just do a big hell or high water. is just like, it's a fucking movie. It's dude, a movie. It's, it's it so is movie. a movie movie. Yeah. It, it is, it is extremely entertaining it is funny uh it is action-packed it is really dramatic uh it has characters that i care about and i know about it dispatches villains entirely yes because we get the villains are the good guys they do well they're they're the protagonists but at the same time like I'm rooting for Jeff Bridges yeah. to catch them. Yeah. Um, but I I'm am, also rooting for them also to get away. But I'm also rooting for them to get away. And yeah. that's why when it ends with the just like, hey, if we got to throw down, I'll be waiting. That's See one of the, down. Like, I, that, that is, is one that's of the where it's gotta best be. denouement like, finale. Because that's not, that's not, here's the thing. That's not the finale of that movie. Mm-mm. Like the finale, we don't see the finale, right? That, well, well, we. I mean, there's that whole like sniper sequence that I would call is like it's the, not the end of the plot, but that's the end of the story. Yes, because we have these two men that are just like, you know, you're my match. Anything could happen from yep. here, but like we have both, we have both caused great loss for the other I was one. To say we, in yeah. the, you know, we've almost reached this gentleman's agreement of yeah. like, if we can agree to not lose more on account of this, fine. But if I see an opportunity, I'm fucking coming. You yeah, know, like that is yeah. that's good shit. Well, and I love it's like the end of Fast Five. <laughs> <laughs> he says you got 24 hours, yeah. Toretto, yeah. and then I'm coming for you. No, that, it's not like well, that. It's but here's the that. thing I love about it though is you know this is a there there is a literary concept of the denouement, right? Which is a thing that movies almost never engage in. Movies usually build to their climax, and pretty much as soon as they resolve the climax, we're out. We're in credits. We're good. That's it. We got the resolution to our three act structure. Our, uh, our big main character arc is fulfilled. We're good. But a big literary thing is the denouement, which is the, is the falling action, is we get the rising action into the climax. Mm-hmm. We get the big climax, but then we learn what it means. Yeah. We yeah. spend uh, time that's so, that's figuring out what the climax actually means for those characters moving forward. This movie had that. Movies rarely have that. That's usually for us to talk about when mm-hmm. we leave the movie. I loved that this movie engaged with that. And it didn't take that from that. us either. No, it, it didn't. Engaged with it, yeah. Yeah, I, I love that this movie engaged with that, though. That it took that time to be like, and now here's what this all means for these people. And mm-hmm. what, and, and then ask the question, and yeah. what does it mean moving forward? That's fascinating. Yeah, like, you literally have Chris Pine and Jeff Fridges, like, at the end, they're basically just, they're talking about the movie that, yeah. that we just saw. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's the end of Pineapple <laughs> Express. <It's> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh well, and here's the other thing. This is really why this. I, I know this sounds dumb. Yeah, when David Friends dipping out at the end yeah, of Pineapple I, Express. That is some primo. One comedy. of the best things. <laughs> this is really where this movie like holds up for me, and it is probably one of the cheesiest on the nose things that happens in the movie. But I I have thought about it since I saw it. It's never left my mind. It might never leave my mind. This is a big spoiler for Hell or High Water. I know what you're way. talking spoiler. about. Is it when the partner? It not even that. It's, that haunts me. But yes, that does. <laughs> it's when Chris Pine is sitting at the casino. After losing his brother, with a pile of chips, oh yeah, that represent his brother's life. Yeah, wow. He yeah. loses his brother in a huge effort 
to get all this money that they're going to translate into chips that they can turn back over into money so that they can basically buy their house back from the bank that's trying to take it away from them. After he loses his brother, there's this amazing shot of him just sitting in the casino, having a drink with a pile of chips. And those piles saying like, I I knew this was going to happen. And that's and also just the idea that like that's what his whole life amounted to. All of this, everything we planned. Every piece of vengeance that we decided we needed right. to have has all amounted to this moment where he's a pile of chips. Yeah. That's all I have left of him. And but, I'm about to just give it right back. to the to, Like, I'm literally yeah. about to turn it in for more money. Yep. Yeah. This thing that we've been fighting against. I'm literally just going to turn him into the thing that we've been, like, kind yeah. of fighting against. And, like, the fucked up thing about this movie, and and it really plays into this. this to me, this is a movie. Um, yeah, okay. So, let me back up. <laughs> the fucked up thing about this is that the movie knows that, but it was still worth it. Yeah, like, yeah, like oh, they he need. Succeeded. Yeah, 100%. they succeeded. His they brother, like, like they win in the end, and you it know, also solved his biggest that, problem. Yes, he got rid of his brother. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah. my yeah. god, you're right. Yeah. Like, you're right. Yeah. his brother was the a big cause for all of his problems, yeah. but yeah. his his familial devotion yeah. to him, right. was was he was so to devoted to family that it held him back. Well, and it, it should have gotten a car. <laughs> and it really brings a it really kind of wraps up in the in the final scene where and, and I wrote this in my review that will that will post on Philadelphia next week, which is I think Chris Pine portrays poverty as a disease that sort of upends morality itself like poverty is like a disease and and in that being a disease it's a disease where you know whether your brother is alive or dead it doesn't matter whether you it takes things away from you it takes things away from you and that's just the way it is and you you don't get to keep the things you love yeah you have to keep the things that just allow you to fucking you know like eat and breathe right. and sleep right. every day. So whether you're so at that point, your familiar relationships, the things that we all like to talk about matter most in life. Well, those things are superfluous. Yeah, they get sacrificed for yeah. survival. And and Hell or High Water is just is the perfect movie about about you know the things that we you know that we take you, for granted as but the things that matter most. You just made me realize how like what the title actually I was means. Ju- I was just I, like say it that, didn't yeah. click for me there until you, you said that. Like come hell or high water, I'm survive. I'm gonna survive I have this. To do it. I'm gonna get through this. And hell and high water, like basically both happen to all these characters. Oh yeah, yeah. I the other big powerful moment in the movie for me, and I think this is what you were referencing, Dan, is when he loses his partner. When Jeff Bridges loses his partner, yes. Just before he loses him, they have that really amazing conversation that I really think is a lot of what's going on underneath this, like underneath the 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 story, the plot. Uh, well, I don't know plot story, but. Underneath what's happening, this familial story, all this stuff, the, uh, there's this great uh, line that his partner has where he says uh, uh, he's trying to sort of explain what the two brothers are going through to Jeff Bridges. And he says, like, well, 100 years ago, your people took my land from me. Mm-hmm. They just took it. And now, and it's only been 100 years, and you're taking it away from yourself. Yeah. Like, he's basically saying, like, white people took land from us. And now white people are taking land from white people. Yeah, we're scamming each other. Like we're like yeah. you have gone so far down this rabbit hole that you don't even know who your friend or your enemy is anymore. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. Which is uh, again a lot of what that movie is about. Which then exactly, and it plays out in these action scenes yeah. where where they enter these banks and you know they're robbing their banks. And I I have in my notes that it's also kind of a fascinating commentary and open carry 
Yeah. And how, like, basically, guns do nothing but escalate the violence yes. in this movie. Yes. Like, every time someone else has a gun, it's like, well, you know, we we hear that, oh, well, guns help you know, protect us. You know, and if you have a gun, you're more likely to stop something bad from happening. Well, in this movie, yeah, in the opposite happens. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. and so it's, and this movie really is like white people versus white people. Yeah. It's, well, it's, it's not poor white people versus other stuff. poor white people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, just looking, fighting each other instead of kind of banding together and looking at who the real bad guys it, are. Here's a weird, complicated, interesting thing. But in, in a year where we're talking about communication being a big deal and uh, losing an election to uh, forcibly trying to cut communication off with people we don't agree with, mm. one of the most fascinating, interesting, and, and best, most memorable relationships in a movie this year is between Jeff Bridges and his his oh, his name is Gil Birmingham yeah G- yeah who also is in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt I don't know if you guys watch that show no I hear he plays great. the uh, he I plays, have such a crush on Kimmy Schmidt yeah oh yeah totally Ellie Kemper and he Cute. and Cute and, as he, a button. and 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 Gil Birmingham <laughs> that's yeah. that's who you said the name is uh, and so he plays the the Native American yeah uh, and he plays uh, he plays one of the Jane Krakowski's father in Unbreakable oh, okay. Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. And so yeah, and so he plays the Native American partner in yes. this movie. And they have a very strained relationship where it's very clear that uh, uh Jeff- it's weird. It's it they have a reluctant love for one another. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Where it's Jeff Bridges is clearly a racist. Mm. He is a racist character. He's a racist. Actually, and- well he actually reminds me of um, old Pete in Horace and Pete. Yes, because he's dropping n bombs. Yeah, and the the black guy at the bar is just kind of laughing it off, and he's like, "Hey, you old racist," and he says. I'm not a racist. Being a racist is not what you say; it's what you do. Mm-hmm. And mm. whereas I, I half disagree with that, right? You know, because I, I am of, of the mind of you know words have power. Yeah, if you're going to say it, I'm also of it's... the mind of like let's not crucify someone yes. for saying something insensitive yeah. if their intentions are right. Right. And the Native American guy definitely has the mentality of like we work well together. Yep. We love each other. Yep. And if I have to put up with like his race based barbs. You know that's that's just part of it. Conversely, Jeff Bridges is filled with with race based part, but when he loses him, that's a real loss. Well, and you that's know, like it's a real. That's what I was gonna that. say. Yeah. It's a two way street in this yeah. movie, yes, which is I think is. the reason it works so well is yeah. yes, you're right. He has to put up with the fact that he works with a racist. Yeah, and that's like a horrible thing, but also like a reality. Yeah. For a lot of people in America, yeah. right? That's yeah. like a horrible reality for a lot of people. But he dishes but it right back. He dishes it right back. But also, the thing is, when you think about it from Jeff Bridges' perspective, he has to deal with the fact that he has to work with a guy that is of a race that he like he doesn't like. Like yeah. he's racist. He do, he's not. He doesn't right. like them. He doesn't get on board with them. He almost has a like you're one of the good ones mentality, right. which is like. Yeah. It's a step in the right direction, and but it's, it's not cool. good. Uh, but it's, it's, but it's not good. But yeah. the thing that I like about that relationship in that movie is it's literally it's a depiction of like two guys that like they they literally they very vehemently and very literally are on total opposing sides of each other, right? Like they yeah. really completely both of them are having to make yeah. a huge personal sacrifice to work with each other. Now we mm-hmm. all as lefties agree that. For one guy, that's an actual bad thing, and for the other guy, that's like a fucking privilege thing, yeah, right? Absolutely. But regardless, for them as characters, they both are having to make yeah. a huge sacrifice to work with each other. But they have a job to do. They have a job to do. Well, and they they are also to communicate with. They one another. also both communicate with each other and learn to actually respect each other mm-hmm. because they communicate with each other, despite the fact that they both are forced to do something they don't want to do. They don't want to do. 
They're both adults about it. Yeah. One of the lines that I remember because I laughed so hard in the theater, and it's a great distillation of that. Uh, Jeff Bridges says to him, he's on his way out. He's like, I'm gonna run across to the general store over there. I'll pick you up some uh, some uh, pemmican. Is that what you guys eat? And then the guy's like, you know, I'm uh, actually half Mexican too. And he's like, well. I'll get to the Mexican jokes, so I'm out of the engine jokes, but uh, it's going to be a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. like the understanding of their relationship is yeah. I'm going to give you race-based burns. And yeah. the guy's like, well, I'm going to put up with them, yeah. and I'm just going to hit you with facts where I can't. Like, yeah, I yeah. love that. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's, that was such a fascinating relationship. Again, in a year where it's like the idea that communication is a huge theme, yeah. and the idea that we may have actually lost this election for ourselves by being unwilling to communicate, one of the big themes there between those two characters is Fucking fuck yourself. Yeah. Like, learn to communicate. A wrong, pig-headed, ignorant perspective is still a perspective. Yes, yeah. And the only way to change that perspective, and it sucks, is you have to engage it. Mm. Yeah. You absolutely you must. And the reality is there's still a human being on the other yep. side of that fucked perspective. They, did, they weren't born with that. They got there. Right. Which yeah. means that as hard as it is and how unlikely as it is, you can get them from there. Right. And at the same time, like I have talked to people that I know are wrong yeah. and I have come out of that situation still knowing that they're wrong, but having a better, better understanding of what was wrong about, about my right, your approach. Yeah, your, yeah exactly. Yeah. You know, there's, yep. it, you can be right and still be wrong about it. Yeah. You know, like you can be a dick about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, that's my number five movie of the year because I'll throw really this out there. Uh, Finest Hours, not the best movie in the world, yeah. but it's another one that pairs up Ben Foster and Chris Pine. Oh. It is a lot of fun. Yeah. It's from earlier this year. I've it's on Netflix things. now. Yeah. Very enjoyable Disney adventure. Um, so if you liked their rapport, you can yeah. see it again. And I did it's really cool. like that. I, that movie yeah. is like casted like top to bottom really fantastic. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, a very masculine movie. It's also very much about masculinity, which is another interesting thing that runs underneath there, which yeah. runs under many, many movies every year. Oh, we're year. as a culture kind <laughs> yeah. of purging yeah. that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's a multi year yeah. process that yeah. we've been going through. But that uh, another interesting thing. So yeah, that's my number five. Your number, number five, five, which Dan brings us right back around oh, to you. But real quick, yes, I just want to throw please. out favorite action scene of the year: Ben Foster taking on the vigilantes with his AR fifteen like a boss. Oh yeah, that oh, scene yeah. was yes. unfucking unreal. I just like fucking cackled yeah at the top of my lungs when that was happening because it was yeah. so awesome. That was awesome. Anyway, what's your number uh, my five? number five was La La Land. Um, oh, this yes, is please. a movie that um, I climbed up pretty fast. It climbed up pretty fast because I've been listening to the soundtrack and it did one of those things, which oftentimes movies do. The thing that bugged me most about it became my favorite thing. Ah, and it was the pacing issue that we yes. all talked about. And so I'm eager to talk about this. Oh, I am um, too, actually, because I've thought about this, too. I've had a little it retrospect became my favorite on this. thing because it occurred to me. Well, in the middle segments where it stops being a musical yep. and it starts being a real movie, yep. there's an actual, not metaphorical, but real musical performance at the center. Arguably the most frustrating part of the movie because it is the most real part. Right. And so the question Are you I talking about myself, the John Legend? The John Legend scene? concert. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. the only time where the music that's happening, yeah. short of him fucking off the Christmas tunes R at the beginning, right. is could not, be argued is actually happening. It's not. Right. A, it's, it's, not a, it's an actual performance that writing an audience a musical is, is a fun thing and, because yeah. when you're writing a musical, if you need to exposit or you need someone to tell you how they're feeling, they can just sing it and then it's it's done. You know. Yeah. And uh, so I asked myself, if this ended up being just a musical and we got another big slam bang musical yeah. number, 
there would reach a point from the second to third act transition where I'd be like, fucking enough. Yeah, I get, get out of here. It's a musical. And there would be no resonance. It would be over, and I would say, what an impressive technical feat. Yeah. But that middle portion where uh, Gugu Gosling says, uh-huh. you know, I am no longer following my dream. I'm giving up the music a little bit to deal with real life. Yeah. And the movie gives up the music a little bit and becomes more real life. Yep. Mm-hmm. And she says, fuck this, I'm not chasing the dream, which the opening song is all about chasing yep. the dream. I'm not chasing the dream, I'm going home. Music stops for yeah. her too. And it's only when they start, when she goes back to that audition that she doesn't want to do, yep. this is just phoning it in and has that moment of, I've, I've, got, a, I've got a song to sing. Yeah. And it be, you know, she tells the story, tells the story in song, metaphorically. Yep. And then suddenly it turns into this weird mishmash of, you know, real movie and heightened musical mm-hmm. um, where there isn't a big choreographed dance number at the end. There's a big choreographed filmmaking moment at the mm-hmm. end. Um, they do that that whole white stage where they walk through mm-hmm. and it goes through the, you know, the whole movie. And he thinks about his whole life. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it ended up, in hindsight, really earning the fact that did I, I did I want a full on stage production in film form? No. Did I want a full on movie with a couple songs in it? No. But it it brought that conceit into the modern world in a way that really sat with me. And out of all the movies that I saw this year, short of Manchester by the Sea, I cried my fucking eyes out. Yeah, I got I, real like, emotional. That was really good shit. And wow. sure, the characters are tropes, but but they they they. They play. It, it plays. They do. It, it totally works. plays. It and works. Watching talented people be talented is something that has been a that that is the anchor of all musical theaters. You're watching talented people be talented. So now we have this this young actress who suddenly we go, oh, she's fucking legit. Mm-hmm. You know, she used to be Easy A. Now she's done. You know, prestige stuff. Yeah, super bad. Yeah, super bad. But mm-hmm. I mean, even like Birdman, she was nominated yep. for. Say yep. what you will, she had a great scene in that. She movie. was really good in she that movie. Um, I actually love that. That movie. rooftop scene is my favorite scene in that movie. Oh, it's, well, I like when she's telling him off uh, when he yeah, finds her smoking pot. Yeah. Um, Gosling, he's a guy that so easily we were ready to be like Mickey Mouse Club hunk. No, he's fucking. He's yeah. become. He's legit. Sort yeah. of like on par, a little bit, maybe a little bit below Jake Gyllenhaal. Just like, oh, he's up great there. dramatic actor. Yeah. But you know what though, Jake Gyllenhaal's Pretty not going to dance do or do all, a piano. Right? He'll yeah, train yeah. for. But like this guy, he is he is vaudeville, but yeah. he's also the nice guy. So yeah. you know, he's he's yeah. and he's also kind of a dick. He's yeah. also kind of a dick, but that that plays. <laughs> we into buy this him very as well. a lot of different things, which yes. is pretty impressive. He it can, was cool. He can do anything. Yeah, and for a guy who has a very singular look. And could just be doing notebook knockoffs. Right. You know, he 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 uh, compacted what McConaughey took the last decade to totally, do, which within... went from How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days to Oscar-winning prestige actor, right. Who everybody would sees as a mark of quality. But it took him a decade to get there. It took it's, him a decade. It took Gosling this guy just kind of swam through it real like, quick. Went right there. Yeah. La La Land is something that that I think after the hype, we're starting to see the resistance to it. And I, I just want it's inevitable. Yeah, yeah. And it's not necessarily invalid, but I just say give it up. I let it wash over you. Um it's a it's a brave movie in that mm-hmm. it said we're bring back old musicals, and then it didn't. Yeah. It did. It did but it didn't. That's I, another thing this year. Things that do and don't. Yeah. Like yeah. The dialectics, as we call it in our profession. Dude, and it's you, a movie without villains. The only thing getting yeah, in the right. way of these themselves. people is their egos, mm-hmm. is themselves. Mm-hmm. Is and the choices they make. Well, in the, the choice. Moment. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That, that that was what that movie was ultimately about for me. It was like the choice between uh, 
uh, do I follow my dreams or right. do I compromise? Right, exactly. Is it well, like love and dreams, right? Like the idea that that um, love is its own dream, uh, and True. we often have dreams outside of love, mm. and sometimes those two dreams are not compatible, and you have to make a decision between the two, and and once you do. You also have to accept the fact that you're now going to live a life where you appreciate the dream that you're living and you regret the one that you didn't decide mm-hmm. to live. Yes. Uh, the thing that she, uh, the lyrics to the song that she sings during the audition, she's telling the story about her aunt who yeah. studied in France and just jumped into the river, got sick as a dog for a month, and said, you know what? Worth it. Yep. Yeah. I did it. You know, yep. like, like, yeah, I was sick, but that's not the story. Right. The story, the story is, is I had like, this moment. You yeah. Know? And capture that. And yeah. um, I, you just framed for me something, by the way, that I've been thinking about since we saw it. Like we came out of that movie, and I, and and we were having the conversation. I, I was kind of complaining. I was like, "There's a weird pacing thing." Like I, like there's a certain point in the movie where I was like, "Wait, what's happening?" I'm like bored all of a sudden, and there hasn't been a song in like 45 minutes. Like what, what am I watching? But I, I literally, even as I was saying that to everybody, I was like thinking, I was like. I don't know that I'm actually complaining right now. Yeah, like the I, music I don't was even, just so good that yeah, you could have wanted more. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. also, but like I just don't know that it was a bad thing that it stopped being a musical. Mm. Right. I felt that it stopped being a musical. Our that expectations was expectations got in the way. Right. A that bit, was a thing I felt, so I had to say it because I felt it. You know, I and, felt it too. Right. And then it ended up becoming but just started, a valuable thing. Exactly. Yeah. I started thinking about it, and I was like, "But is that a bad thing? Like I felt it happen. I think it would be a much bigger crime." To hit me with a musical number that doesn't work exactly. because I'm over it. Yes, I yeah, and that that to me would have been like this might not be good. You just framed a feeling I've been having all week, which is like I actually think it might have been a good choice that it decided to be a movie more than it decided to be That's a musical. A bold choice, yeah. It's a yeah. and it's it's a necessary choice. But you also framed it in a way where that's not just a bold choice; it's a choice that actually makes sense and resonates thematically mm-hmm. with what the yeah. characters are dealing with in those moments in the movie. And that I think actually brings me around on those choices even more. Where well, than it I was. taps into the communication thing because at the very end of the movie, um, you know, we we see this moment where they have a true valuable moment of nonverbal communication. Yeah, when they're sitting at the dinner table, yeah. they're speaking to each other and they're having trouble. You know, he's saying, "I overheard that conversation with your mom. Isn't this what you wanted?" Right. She's like, right. Where did you get that idea? Right. Of what I wanted. Right. And both of them are just edging at each other. And unable to communicate. Whereas by the end, through their experience, they see each other. He thinks about what could have been, plays this beautiful song, and you know, hearing that song, she thinks about what could. You know, I, I like to think of that as a shared. Yeah, I do too. You know, thought. Yeah. And then yeah. at the very end, they look at each other without saying a word, and they both have a genuine, real smile of, "We are where we're supposed to be." Yep. We got here because of each other. Yep. And we value everything that happened yep. between us. Yeah. And. You know, like I, I have almost like past whether... romances that they do not need to be around. Right. They're so glad to be over. But I look back and it, it's like a movie. It's where an it important just, formal experience. It's part of what happened. Yeah. You know, there there were moments of of greatness, moments of badness, and and it's also a moment it got of me like, to where I'm at now. You know, it's a moment of like we didn't know that this was what we wanted. Yep. But yeah. we got what we wanted. Yep. You know, they like yeah. they have Here's that moment where they look at each other. The mess we make yeah. is one of the lyrics, and that's a great lyric. It's yeah, on the nose, but that's yeah. a musical. They really look at each other and have that moment of like, I don't think either of us realized that this is what we wanted. Oh yeah, like we got what we wanted actually. Yeah, and there's never a second in the end where you think, 
Ah, uh, they should have. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess we've kind of like you know we're into spoiler territory, so it's fine. But there's never a second. You know that that whole last 10 15 minutes of the movie is just about is is about you know fantasy regret yeah. like sort of thinking of roads yeah. that you could have taken yeah. but recognizing that you know when we think about what could have been it's really just as likely as a movie fantasy yeah. you yep. know and that's yeah. what that whole thing is and, about and also like remember what you have yeah the, you know there's that moment too where it's like there is one way to read that ending where it's like, oh, that is sad. Like there, there is a there is a great loss. There's a great loss there for but both of them. But there's no question that both characters in the end are like happy. Yeah, and they're well, where they should. And be. it's also he like got he, his dream. He He's did playing achieve, real jazz right. at his own club. And yeah. she's a movie star. Yeah, yeah. they both got yep. their dreams. Yep. Yeah, it's, so it yeah. is that thing of like she wouldn't be a movie star if he didn't push her to that audition, right. yep. and he wouldn't be at that club if she didn't spend some time yeah. overseas. It, yeah. it, it, they're there, it's, and Tom Everett Scott wouldn't have a job yeah. if not for La La That's Land what and Scream season two. <laughs> so it's <laughs> but that is, I mean, that is what I was trying to say earlier, where I was like, I was trying to fight this off my list, but this finale, like this dude, like nails shit. these finales, and it was like even as I was having pacing issues and weird things or whatever. It all brought me back around to like a real full emotional engagement yeah. that felt very relevant and very real to me and my own experience. Well, even in, in Whiplash, when he gets into the car accident thing yeah. and then he has that scene with Fletcher yeah. at the jazz club, that's a point where the movie pumps the brakes pretty hard. Mm hmm. But I, you you can't uh, get rid uh, of it. Or it doesn't. Oh, or yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I love throwing that in there when it's I. It's pretty good. Any um, chance you get. Yeah, I even wrote one into my uh, collateral beauty review, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, it's it. That was a moment where I was like, "All right, let's get to the finale." Then we get yeah. to the finale and go, "We needed that." Yeah. You know, someone needed to stop before hitting the gas, and that yeah, yeah good shit. So my number five is La La Land. I love it, and it is. That, that the hype is real, man. I I was very the hype very is real. Floored. The hype is real. I, listen, it, it got to me. Like I said, I I literally tried to fight it off my list, and it, it got there. It's it's the real deal. Uh, my number four, we already talked about it. Arrival is my ah, number four. Right uh, it. I mean, I'm a huge science fiction nerd in general, uh, and that is the rare hard sci-fi movie. It's a movie that really gets into its science and into the nitty gritty of its science. I also happen to be an English major. Uh, and I took a bunch of linguistic classes when nice. I was in college. Uh, so it is about a particular science that I actually have familiarity with. Uh, so I was able to like really engage with that movie. Uh, and you know, we already talked about the the day that we saw it happened to be a very important day to see this movie, uh, given what this movie is about. Uh, so I don't feel like I need to touch on that more. The things that are are that resonate with me beyond that are the actual technical achievements of it. It, mm. it. It's like a gorgeous movie that like, I think you're right. I think it's probably like the most beautiful movie this year. Um, I would say besides La La Land. Yeah, it's probably, the yeah. skyline in La yeah, La Land Yeah, I was going to say the color heavenly. in La La Land is, is pretty unreal. It's like really impressive. But I, for, for a movie that is not hyper stylized. No, I know. Like La La Land, yeah. Arrival could have, should have, and would have easily been bland. In fact, that was my big problem with Rogue One. Yeah. Is that it looked like a Star Wars, yep. but it was a very bland, bland style version. Yeah. I think purposefully so. Yeah. Um, but but it, yeah, it, it pops in a way that if you take a single frame out of it, it probably shouldn't. Right. But it yeah. does. Yeah. I, I really, I don't know. Arrival is one of those movies that like hits me on every level. Like mm. as a movie nerd that's really into science fiction, I love it. It's got all this great science fiction-y, super science-y, super fiction-y, super sci-fi stuff. 
I thought you were going to hit every permutation of super <laughs> science fiction. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but also, <laughs> like, as the type of movie nerd that, like, does really like to break things down on a thematic level and a, and a character level and what things mean to people, it, it's one of the best stories that was told this year, I think. Because mm. one of the things we didn't talk about, actually, when we talked about it earlier, is, like, the real story of the movie has very little to do with communication or any of that. It's it's this very emotional story about kind of accepting that life is chaos. It's a real chaos that is going to fuck you over. Mm. No questions. You're going to get fucked by life, like, pretty mm. hard. There are very few people that don't. But accepting that and knowing that the journey there through that shit is actually like worth something well, you have to process your grief with right. grace yes yes and like it means something and actually builds character and and is important yeah. it like there was some real emotional resonance to that movie that went beyond the themes of communication and the technical achievement and 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 you know the themes that were resonating with me that day because it was the day we elected you know who i think is a monster and blah 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 all that stuff even beyond all of those things it really resonated with I, I I am a person that is like terrified of dying. I that is my greatest fear in life. I I am I I've never been more I mean it's the it's the cheesiest thing to say because I think everybody shares I that. I know what you mean. I think everybody shares that. I'd say it's second behind Octopi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh which are also featured heavily in that movie. Yes. Uh <laughs> which gotta say, net, didn't get freaked out by them once. Yeah. That is a technical achievement yeah, yeah, on, yeah, yeah. on on penis Villanova's <laughs> uh, part. Uh, it, that movie had to like really make me confront my own fear of death in a big way because it's like my fear of death is not just a fear of my own death. It's a fear of the people are losing the people around me and things yeah. like that. It, I mean, that movie resonated with me in almost every way a movie could on on a genre level because I just love genre movies. Well, I mean, you often use the a, word an entertainment. Yes. As an entertainment, it, it doesn't it's huge. get better. It was no, awesome. Yeah, it's huge. Both of us were sitting in the theater gasping. Oh, ah, so ah, yeah, getting that thing. whole bomb sequence was like so awesome. Oh, yeah. And that's just straight up fucking. That's just cinematics. Yeah. That's, yeah. But yeah. it gets beyond the fucking and goes to lovemaking. It's, you know, it, like that movie really like got to a deep emotional resonant place with me uh, on top of all of the just movie, movie things that I love about that movie. Mm. That uh, like That's now, good sci-fi. Yes. Good sci-fi should use, like I just saw Passengers, which yeah, is mostly yeah, yeah. garbage. I yeah. heard and, great um, things about that. It's hardly even crazy. It's just that it, it had a really good opportunity right. to use sci-fi to explore a theme. Yes. And then it just squanders it all. And actually, like, a great Chris Pratt performance, which he's not always able to do. Yeah. Squanders all of that in favor of ticking time bomb. We've got to stop this. No, no, no. It's the only way. You know, like right. that. And just standard post-gravity mm -hmm. garbage. And it's you're not going to touch gravity. Yeah. And a uh, few, few wrong strikes for Jennifer Lawrence, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's that it's, in the last Hunger Games movie. Yeah, the last uh, the last X Men wasn't kind to her. Yeah. Uh, more even to many. Uh, what's his name's last movie with? Her I didn't like Joy great, that much. Right? Actually, yeah. she she was good in that though. Yeah, but uh, but with Passengers, the the point being, there was a great chance to make an entertainment that is also thematically resonant. Yeah, and it squandered one in favor of the other and ended up delivering on neither. Right, and Arrival boom perfect delivered marriage. on both. Yeah, you know, it really yep, delivered yeah. on both, and you could divorce yourself from one or the other and still get a complete experience yep. but it defies you to do that yes totally agreed oh yeah that's my number four right that's where we're at yep. what's yeah, your number four at. andy 
Number four for me is Sing Street by All right. John, John Carney. Talk about this. John Carney, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm gonna use this I did really enjoy this movie. I didn't want to I didn't want to shit on it too much earlier because I did really oh, enjoy legit. it. That's legit. I mean, you know, it's a movie that I was not expecting to really enjoy. And then yeah. I think around the middle of the year when when some people were releasing some like best movies of the year so far lists, I saw it at, at, kind of at the top of a few. I was like, oh, yeah. Huh. Yeah. Like the I guess I got to see it, you know? So I watched on the plane to California when uh, me and my girlfriend went to a wedding uh, in August and it just, oh man, it hit the sweet spot. <laughs> it, I, more than a few times while I was watching it, I was kind of like, this is an instant classic. Yeah. It is just a movie. It's a movie about, it's a coming of age story about a band in uh-huh. Dublin, Ireland in the 1980s who, you know, it's they basically come together uh, because the the front man, the lead singer, as it were, is in love with a girl who he's trying to impress, yep. and he knows nothing about her except that you know he thinks that she's beautiful, she's mysterious, and she's mysterious. Yeah. You know, she's really just an archetype. Yes, and he falls for her, mm-hmm. and so he, you know, decides you know hilariously with a few of his like totally misfit friends. Um, to well, she wants to be a model, band. so he's like, yeah. I'll put you in some music videos. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That's that's you know, and it is just real pure joy from beginning to end i it would is. say like next to la la land is just one of the most fun most purely you know joyous experiences i had watching i can't disagree with year. that yeah, yeah i can't disagree with that and and it's really I, I one thing i had in my notes was like you know we keep on waiting for like when's cameron crow gonna come back <laughs> and make another good movie yeah you know like the last movie we've we've had from him that was any good was almost famous mm-hmm. right which was one of my all-time favorite movies. So yeah. to me, this is like, well, look no, don't look to Cameron Crowe for making good movies. Look to John Carney because yeah. he's making the is Begin Again good. I, I haven't. Seen I, that. I haven't seen that. Yeah. I haven't I seen that. Love I love Once. Once, yeah, Once is, is also yeah. a favorite of mine. And you know, so John Carney, I think, is the guy who's making these music-centered love stories about you know young people trying to find their way. Yep dealing with their own inner problems and just, but still, you know, through the music, through relationships, through taking a chance, um, you know, still manage to connect with each other. So it's kind of like say anything meets almost famous meets like with like, you know, a nice healthy dose of we are the best. I don't know if you guys saw that. Movie. I did not I see that. Too. I heard that was oh, good. Yeah. Just to, you know, you get to see just these kids, you know, the best scenes in that movie. It's just so fun. And this is typical. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I, about no, it. I don't. It's just fun. You. The best scenes in that movie, and this is typical of John Carney, are the music creation scenes. Yes. Where, when the kids are just, especially the two guys that like write the music together. Yes. When they're sitting down and they're trying to figure out it because it's all 80s music. It yeah, all yeah. sounds like ABBA. And so, you know, so that, it's like. That's almost well, what turned me off to it. Like, I love yeah. 80s music, but like when I look at the poster for Sing Street, uh, and, and I want to see it, and yeah. I know it's going to be good because I, I, I know what it's going for, and I like that. But when I see the poster for it, for some reason, I just reject it. And I think that it, was my experience, uh, too. I was like, eh, whatever. How good can it really be? But yeah. that, that's but how it I is. feel. And I, and, but everyone tells me, like, it yeah. really is, you know? And it's, but it, then when, you know, it you, is you good. enjoyed it, yeah. it is good. But when you were like, ah, you know, moms like it. Yeah. I was like, oh, My mom loved it. it. That's, I, that's what we talked about on Letterboxd. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I was like, I told my mom about it, and my mom, you know, went to Catholic school, so she has that kind of experience. Yeah, of, it's you know, it, I think it hit home for her, I but think, she loved it. I think for me, it's one of those things where it's like, 
But sometimes that, it's good to have a movie where no, your mom loves it. I know, your, your, I know. Oh, yeah. your, your nephew might love it. Maybe your brother. You know, you can, anyone can watch this movie and for find me, something to love about for it. For me, yeah, it felt awesome like thing. this is the idealized version of the teenage experience. I agree, yeah. And that is not relevant to my actual teenage experience. But on the flip side, I would say that it works that into the narrative by presenting, like, there are a few scenes in this yes. movie where the line between fantasy and yes. reality is very blurred intentionally. Yeah. And actually the way it fulfills on that in the finale yes. is exceptional, I think. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's just a good movie, I would say. I did really like it. It, it was yeah. one of those things where I felt a little manipulated by it, I would say. So I was like it, well, a little it against it. It is manipulative. It. Yeah. it is manipulative, yeah. for sure. And But I think that at the same time... But I did it's really about, enjoy it. It's about that hope. It's about yes. that... It is about idealizing yes. your, your youth to a certain yep. extent. And it's, it's the time you can accomplish yeah. anything, so go accomplish anything. Yeah, yeah, sure, absolutely. And and but then you have this character, the older brother, played by the actor Jack Rayner, also another great supporting actor. That was a really good year, performance. I agree. Who represents sort of that dream unfulfilled? Yeah. And he's kind of more reality, and his younger brother is like just pure potential. Yeah. You know, so there's that tension. Yeah. And I would say like a major subplot of the I movie. I kept calling him Bobo Thor. Brothers. What I kept is it? calling him Bobo Thor throughout the whole movie. His oh, brother. Yeah. He he straight up looks like a Hemsworth that like didn't come out right. Oh my <laughs> Jesus! No, he was you're on, absolutely he was on right. Westworld. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. A, that, right. that guy actually is, Bobo is on Hemsworth. He's an actual Hemsworth, and he's it's like Bobo the, Hemsworth. The Andrew yeah. Wilson to the uh, to the yeah, Owen yeah, and exactly, Luke. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Who's slowly becoming my favorite Wilson? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a it's a good movie. It is um, really good. I you know the music to it is really good. Is so good to the point where. It doesn't seem where I actually I would find, listen to that '80s pop album, yeah, for sure. And I don't believe that teenagers anywhere are are talented enough to write no. those songs. That's the problem. It, well, but that's what I mean. Actually, is that like that's yeah. where Carney really succeeds? Is the songs themselves feel like these great pop songs that no teenager would ever be able to achieve? No way. But not even. I believe every music creation scene in the movie. Yeah, like I actually do believe these it. two guys yes. finding these chord patterns and these melodies and actually making these songs. Yeah, and that's it, like yeah. the magic of him is really making you believe in the magic of creativity. Yes. That like creativity is oh, something. Yeah, the studio scenes in once are are like yeah. Just the, stellar, he yeah. really makes you believe that creativity is something that can be achieved in the moment. Mm. You know that like as long as you are a brilliant artist, it, recognized or not, you know whether people recognize that or not. If you're a brilliant artist creativity just happens mm. and and yeah. it's fully realized the moment it happens he and, makes you yep. believe that's like yeah, possible yeah. you know and in sing street though the i think the brilliant stroke of this movie is making creativity wholly unoriginal so, yeah yeah so yeah it, each yes. song that this band writes is followed so every time they sit down to write a song it's because they just heard a new song from a band they're basically ripping off. Like, yeah. They hear The Cure. Their next song sounds exactly, exactly like, like The Cure. Cure. They hear Hollow Notes. Their next song sounds yeah. exactly Hollow like Hollow Notes. is featured in it? Yes. yes. Sold. Yeah. There you go. Sold. Yep. Philly's own. Oh, Mainline, baby. Through. Get in there, buddy. Yeah. Love so, it. Yeah. And, and like honestly, that song, like this movie. <laughs> Drive It Like You Stole <laughs> yeah. It, is yeah. like one of my it's favorite songs yeah. of the year. So good. Yeah. Anyway, that's my number four, Sing Street. I'm gonna watch Damn. it. Yeah, <laughs> I will. I will say to pull apart literally exactly that thing. It is weird that the movie opens with the guy that runs the school being like, "Huh, you don't have black shoes. You got to get black shoes." And he's like, "I can't afford black shoes." And he's mm -hmm. like, "You got to get black shoes." He's like, "I literally were so poor, I can't afford black shoes." He's like, "You have to get black shoes." He's like, "You know what? I'm so poor and so punk rock. I'm gonna paint my shoes black." And I was like, "I buy into that." 
Yeah. But then every time he got into a new style of music, he had an entirely new, <laughs> very expensive wardrobe uh, with a new haircut that do? was dyed a new color. It's the magic and I was of like, the Wait, movies. You couldn't yeah. afford black shoes, which like. You could probably It's make the magic of the movies. It's fantasy, I Garrett. I know. No, I, know. So I would always look at that poster and just be like, I hate Green Day. <laughs> yeah, was, yeah, that yeah. Was it. Wow, it really kind of does have a Green Day vibe. It does. But it yeah. has the post-Green Day Green Day yes. where they became so bad that their old good music is no longer good because it reminds you of how they become the worst band yes, yeah. who has ever existed. And yeah. I mean that in a literal sense. <laughs> Green Day can eat my ass while I shit. They <laughs> fucking suck. Fuck Green Day. <laughs> Fuck you, Green you Day. You heard it here. <laughs> you heard Green it Day. here first. And Dan's so, number four movie of the year, The Story of Green Day. Oh, God. <laughs> Billy that movie Joe. would be called Bullshit, <laughs> the movie. And it wouldn't feature any music because Green Day doesn't doesn't work in the realm of music. <laughs> so I don't know where that came from. But that's that's actually that that seething hatred when I saw the Sing Street poster. I was like, I know this is good, but fuck Green Day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's where it, that's the It's worth watching. That. It is pretty good. I do plan to watch it. Um, What's your number four, sir? My number four, I actually have to thank you, Andy, for uh, allowing me to see this movie by uh, letting me in on um, ah. on a uh, on a pass to the film festival this year. It was this year's secret screening. And when I said earlier that The Witch was the mm. second best debut I think I'd ever seen, I'm going to go ahead and say that Raw is the best I debut really I've ever seen. I really fucking want to see this movie. Well, this is where we kind of get into... I'm going to It Follows myself. Where I don't I, know, I though. Is say it 2016? Exactly. I did it with It Follows, where I raved about that All movie, right. and then it was precluded from I, being in my it, list I'll, the next I'll allow year. it. Here's, here's the thing. Yeah, this, this is how I always make my list every year, is when was it available to me? When to did me? you yeah. see as a film sure. As a Philadelphian... When did it become available in a theater for me to go see it? That's this fair would have been the thing that I knocked to put Jackie and or American yeah. Honey on my list because of that reason. But I kept it on my list because I want to advocate for it. Yeah. It's awesome. I really uh, want to see this Wide movie. release, I believe, is in March. Pretty, okay. Yeah, for, yeah. for the rest I'll of us. I'll be seeing it again. For the rest of us civilians. Well, I mean, well, I thank but you. But I'll this was, uh, this was, <laughs> this was something was If it's as good as Dan says, we'll be talking about it again a year from now. There you go. It's I will have access in 2017. It's 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 an it yeah. follows. Or remember we had yep. it follows in the guest, yep. and then it was like yep. and it, the next year it was, it yeah, was, yeah. It was yep. fucked up. Yep. Um, Raw is a coming of age cannibal movie. Um, <laughs> Just that sentence. Yeah, as you do. That's well, amazing. It's, it's indescribable. It's a coming yeah. of age cannibal movie. Um, it's about a young woman who goes to veterinary school, mm -hmm. and when she gets to veterinary school, there's like crazy hazing rituals. Um, but there's a lot of ambiguities, like scenes that we don't know what the context they are uh, there until the very end. Yeah. But she starts to develop this insatiable uh, need to eat meat and subsequently uh, human flesh. She's a vegetarian, too. That's, yeah. that's the main thing. Yeah. I can't really say more because it's one of those where the whys don't get answered until literally the very last shot yeah. of the movie. Where suddenly it all comes together, and then you're you want to go up to the projectionist and say, "Run it back, <laughs> run this digital yeah, yeah, file yeah, back, yeah, yeah. and play it again, so I can watch it knowing what I know." Because all of these things are much like in it follows, where yeah. you watch it again knowing and go, "That's what that means. That's what that is. That's what's happening here." Um, it, it just has all of that. It's also hilarious and absolutely just fucking gruesome. Yeah, <laughs> it is yeah. grotesque. That's like totally my cup of tea. That's it, how Baskin just, almost got on my list this year. Yeah. Was like this is powerfully crazy. It's crazy. Well, yeah. and the thing is, it's it's crazy, but it's it 
unlike Baskin, it never leaves the real world. Interesting. Like every yeah. piece of yeah. it is is it's just it's so it's gross. Practical. Yeah. <laughs> it's there. There's a scene, and um, it's it's not a. It's not a spoiler, but there's a scene. One of the scenes where she first decides to uh, eat human flesh is there's a a, a dismembered finger uh, that uh-huh. that she comes across, and she's kind of regarding it like, and then she starts eating it like a chicken wing. And there's this big like synth music cue, and this theater of Philadelphia Film Festival attendees burst into the most uncomfortable and earnest laughter. And that's exactly <laughs> what the movie was. Yeah, interesting. It yeah. Was fucking that sounds like my brilliant. cup of tea like yeah. Raw is awesome. Yeah. It's 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 just I best. really want to see that. So man. I mean, there's not much I can say about it yeah. with, no. without dipping into spoiler territory except well, I, appreciate I just want to gloat that I've seen it before all of you. <laughs> ha ha ha. And <laughs> I mean. also just want to say when you get a chance, like yeah. frontline that. It is awesome. Take a bite. I yeah. I really want to see that. Oh man. That oh. should be oh. on the DVD. Do they still make those? Okay. Uh number three, right? Yeah. Getting Dan? down to it. What's up? I have no idea if this is about to appear on your list. I don't know. Maybe it fell off completely, but I know this was like one of your big things early in the year. Uh, everybody wants some is no longer on my list. It's number three. <laughs> oh! It's number three. This was that's the hardest cut in the world because that movie is probably perfect. It is. I haven't seen it. I had a hard no, time no. not putting it at number one. Yeah, and it is. I had a hard time not putting it at number one, and it still isn't on my list. It's. I. It is not even my kind of movie. It's. I hate hangout movies. I like, I really, to me, it's like movies are a storytelling device, right? Like, that's what you're supposed to do. Tell me a story. Hangout movies rarely tell me a story. I don't give a shit. I have no connection to that. Don't care. I often don't like Richard Linklater movies because of that. Mm. I like I appreciate them, but I'm like well, mm-hmm. I have no. no I have just no investment. Uh, he's in this. like allergic to plot. Yeah, um, and he he wants to give you a story, right? But oftentimes the absence of a plot makes it hard to distill a story yes. from it. Yeah, yeah. I, I have trouble engaging with his movies oftentimes, uh, and, and not only that, it's about jocks. I've I've never been one of those things. I hated those <laughs> things. Yeah. I like I the, there's just. When I saw the trailer of this, I was like, oh, there is literally nothing appealing to that me was a shit trailer. about this movie. It's an unsellable movie. All. So I just yeah. want to say you're describing the exact the exact reasons why I chose not to see this movie. You should see like, this movie. I was like, when it's when it's on Netflix or Amazon Prime, I'll watch it. But you should see this until movie. Then, seriously, I'm I don't care. That's the shittiest trailer in terms of representing a movie that I've ever seen. It is Doom. It is so good. Mm-hmm. It, it Here's the thing. It, this is the weird thing about it is it is an odd reclamation of good old boy masculinity mm-hmm. of we're sportsmen and we we just beat on each other constantly and we put each other down because we're men. Well, I think that masculinity and it builds us up to put each other. You know, it's like this mutually weird... excu- exclusive with toxicity. I would agree, but due to the nature of masculinity, it's right. so often, often is easy yes. to slide down that slippery yes, slope. Exactly. And that was what. And this so we abandon it. Yes. And but in that's a what time this... where we're really trying to to abandon it, you know, it, it makes a strong case for once again communicating with it and saying like it's not all bad. You just got to wheel it right. That's what this movie gave me. Was like I have had masculine experiences with other men where the relationship is, oh, we just fucking like make fun of each other and tear each other down and yeah. tell each other how shitty we are at things that are some of the best relationships I've ever had in my life. There is a thing to male bonding that is yeah. specific to male bonding 
that uh, is real and can be an actual like uh, foundation and a building block for like good positive traits that can come out of that. This movie is about exclusively the positivity that can come from it eliminates the villain from from right, masculinity. That can come now. Here's the thing. That could be its own bad thing. I actually think there's an argument you could make where this is actually a, a negative movie that erases the toxicity of that kind of masculinity that is often, not always, not exclusively, but often inherent in that kind of mm-hmm. masculinity. That being said, I don't think that's the intent of this movie. Well, I, I think, think the intent of this movie... becomes power, and with power, it, it, corruption's unavoidable. Right. And but I think the intent of this movie is to illustrate the positive that can come from that kind of masculinity. Mm-hmm. Because there is positive that can come from that kind of masculinity. So I, I think you can, if we look at the actual intention of what's going on in this movie, you can erase the argument of, oh, there's a problem with taking the toxicity out of that kind mm-hmm. of masculinity. Uh, the thing is, though, with this one, it doesn't even feel like they took it out. Because oh, no, it's, you're right. it's just not there. Right. And the movie that the trailer wants it to be definitely feels American pie-ish, where yeah. it's like, to remove the toxicity from that would actually make it a problem. Right. It, it is... Probably, I don't know. It's not the funniest movie I saw this year, but it made me laugh in like that real heartfelt way. Mm. That, like, real, like, yeah. you know, comedy makes me laugh as you can get as stupid as you want, and I will still laugh at it. Like, I really like comedy, but there's also that, like, really heartfelt laughter you give comedy yes. that feels very relevant to your experience mm. that never comes in absurd. You know, Will Ferrell is never gonna, well, not never, but. A typical Warfare comedy is never going to hit you in that way. That's like, oh, that's so relevant to my. Ex-. It's funny because right. I identify with it. Right. It's funny yeah. because I identify with it. Yeah. That yeah. never. That doesn't really happen in that kind of comedy. No, but so Linklater definitely does. This is so. the kind of comedy where it's like the only things I laugh at are the things that are like relevant to and my experience. And that's why you laugh. At them. And that's yeah. why I laugh at it. Yeah. It's so funny. It's so real. It feels very much like many of the relationships I've had with men in my life. And on top of that, it is like. It, well, here's the other thing: is like it is a hangout movie. It's a, it's a, and I hate mm-hmm. these movies. It's a hangout mm-hmm. movie, and I hate hangout movies. So do I hate you like Days and Confused? I do, well, kind of. But here's what this movie does: it's almost like Linklater like read my reviews of his other movies, and he was like, "Oh, this guy needs stakes. I'm gonna give him totally fake, totally absurd stakes." The movie just has these title cards throughout it that are like three days, fourteen hours, two minutes to the first day of class. Ah, the first day of class is meaningless. It doesn't it mean is. anything. Mm. It's just a countdown to nothing that give inherent stakes. To, here's I'll get there. Yeah, that give inherent stakes to the movie. That it's like as me, the guy that's like I can't deal with the hangout movie. It's it doesn't mean anything. It's nothing. Ah. It gives these fake stakes to it that I'm mm. like, oh yeah, something's coming. I'm in this. I got this. Something's coming. Something's on its way. And then the thing is, the first day of class does mean something. It's fucking everything. It is. It's it's all about these kids that are on the precipice of, like, the next big movement in their life, mm. and they have no idea. Mm. They have no idea. It's a countdown to structure. Yes. Yeah. Mm. They have no idea that life is about to be an entirely different thing to them. Now, would yeah. you read the movie? Because I feel like if I saw this movie when I was 17, yeah. I would read it differently. I, I would totally agree. an adult agree. who has passed yes. that, where it's like, oh, structure hit, and it hit hard, and I yep. dealt with it. Yep. You know, I would... I think that's a more valuable uh, angle coming at it from our age. Totally. If I saw it as a young kid, I'd be like, that's funny, but that looming structure would be weird. Here's the thing. As a young kid, I feel like I would see the older guys as, like, super cool. Yeah. And, like, the guys I really wanted to, like, live up to and, like, be those guys. It's cool. But in the context of the movie, 
where you have the stakes of the first day of class yeah. and you get to the first day of class. What you realize about those guys is, oh, they're, they've been avoiding the first day of class since the first day of class. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They have like, they have actively tried to make sure they didn't move on from the way they felt the first weekend at college. Mm-hmm. They have like actively avoided that. But also, too, a lot of those guys were the best baseball player in their high school. Right. And now they're in a sea of the best baseball yeah, players from their high school. Now. Yeah, And who cares? Let's be real. Like, who knows anything about college baseball? Like, right. Nobody. Yeah. <laughs> well, and here's the thing that's Link also... later almost made a career in it and then said, yeah. oh, there's more yeah. money in movies, which is go. crazy. It was totally <laughs> crazy. But here's the other thing that I think is so great and relevant about this movie. In a year, we were talking about communication and communication where it's like, yo, communication means like really listening to people regardless of what they think whether it lines up with what you think or not, this whole movie is about people accepting each other at face value. Yeah. That, like, it, it is about jocks, baseball players, the kinds of guys that I hated when I was growing up, the kinds of guys that I never wanted to spend time with, basically didn't spend time with. But what the movie ultimately comes down to is they don't actually really judge everybody else around them, and neither do the people that they would expect to judge them. Oh, yeah, they mix with the theater crowd. They mix with the theater. Somehow, very And easily. not only that, they mix with the punk rock crowd. Yep. There's a scene where they go to a punk concert because of, yeah. like, a connection the one guy has with another guy he went to high school with who was also on the baseball team. They, they, they sort of, like, make this connection between all these kids where it's, like, when they all start meeting each other at face value, when all the, when all the kind of judgments about, like, well, I'm a baseball player, and you're a punk, and you're an art kid, and you're a theater kid, when, when they all just kind of, like, when they all just kind of go, like, well... Yeah, we're about to be grown-ups. Yeah, like, first day of class is coming, like, tomorrow. But you're having a party tonight, and it is a party, and I could go to that party. Yeah. Like, it literally, the movie, the title of the movie is Everybody Wants Some. There's a weird argument to be made with this movie where it's like, yeah, everybody's trying to get laid. Yeah. Men, women, black, white, uh, uh, art, kid, art kids, baseball kids, uh, uh, theater kids. Like, everybody wants some. That is like the common denominator. I mean, it's a weird argument to make, but it's like that is the common denominator when you're 18 and it's the first weekend before classes start. That's the common denominator. Everybody wants some. Meet each other at face value. The art kids, the baseball kids, the, the like the music yeah. kids, and they can all actually relate to each other mm. and realize they're the same fucking 18-year-old yeah. teenager. And there's that fascinating like I can recall those first few weeks of freshman year yeah. where you're sort where there is that sort of it is kind of the great equalizer. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like you're everyone. Nobody it's, means anything it's a, it's a to free for all. And like your friends four or five months later are not those people. Yeah. Not even remotely. Yeah. One of my know? friends, I didn't go on my senior trip. Um, one of my friends was telling me about his senior trip. It was in Disney world where a fight almost broke out uh, in Disney world. He said, but you know, everybody from his school just stood up and was like, we're all together. And he said it was the weirdest thing because just this moment of we're about to be out of high school, yeah. all the clicks dissolved and it was just like, we are one. <laughs> you know, And it, it, there's a little level of that too where it's just like, you know, you may have been defined as a punk when you were 17, but you're about to go to college. Now you're a freshman. Yes. Now we're off, you know, like it's, yeah. we have to dissolve it. You can look that way, you can be that way, but we are, you like can you said, be the great equalizer. Like, uh. I mean, I was, I was pretty nerdy in high school and then like, you know, freshman years, like, Ooh, like dating, like, ooh, like I can, you know, maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm like a, a person, like maybe I'm a sexual being, maybe mm. I'm someone who, who can like go on dates or whatever. And then maybe I'm someone who 
like I became a vegetarian a week into college freshman year. It's like I can you can be whoever you want. Yeah, basically. yeah. And it's yeah, you can you know, choose because there's no background. It's pretty fascinating. Here's one last thing I want to touch yeah. on before I move off from this movie. Then we'll get to your number three, Andy. Mm-hmm. So the hangout movie, I don't like it. I like never really have liked it. I never get into it. That's like Linklater's thing. Yeah. In this movie, he has Kurt Russell's son basically give his like grand thesis on art mm. and it like really helped me understand like i actually now want to go back and watch the richard link later movies that i didn't like mm. because they were just hangout movies because mm. of this line look you can play an e pentatonic scale at 100 miles an hour till somebody's ears burn off you can learn that right but finding the tangents inside the framework therein lies the artistry man mm. Well, okay, so that is literally a perfect distillation of Linklater's work, too, because... That's what, I, that's what I'm saying. Well, yeah. I think that's, like, his thesis statement about his own art. All of his movies are like that. If you think about it, Slacker. Yeah. Okay? Slacker, it's about a bunch of people who do nothing, all you know, who don't seem to really do anything, but there's a structure within that movie. Yeah. Every character gives way to another character. Yeah. Who gives way to another character? It has its own internal character. logic, its own structure. Right. Boyhood, yeah. you know, as a bunch of, you know, obviously we, you know, everyone knows, you know, Boyhood and... The structure with that, yeah. you know, there's a movie like the, the Before Sunrise trilogy yep. is all all takes place practically in real time. It's just two characters connecting in the present moment, you know, dealing with the passage of time yep. and the present moment within a certain confine of time. Like he gives himself these structural limits and within that anything goes, yep. you know, and, and that's that's. I would say a great example of that is probably my favorite Linklater movie that I've seen is Bernie. <laughs> Oh, I love Bernie. Bernie's great because first off, that is Jack Black proving that he yeah. is deserving of all of that. That's got real That's structure, incredible. though. I think. But here's the thing: is that it it's it's not a documentary, although right. some of the real it right. is framed like one. Some of the real people are in it. Some of them aren't. And it was like he could have interviewed all the real people, but that's not the good movie. Right, right. He right. could have cast the whole thing as as reenactments, but that's not the good movie. Right. But he found within those limitations w- where it would work. Some tangent so in between good. the two. And yeah. it made a perfect movie. Yeah. And it's like you could lament it's not a documentary or not a reenactment, right. but those aren't as good. No, it's better that it's the weird He in found between. that weird thing. Yeah. 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 Well, What's my, number three? Yeah. My number well, three. I want to say this, though. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Everybody wants some is I I I've grown to the point where I just hate comedies. Yeah. Because I just ah. I, I'm laughed out. You're joyless. Well, no, the thing is I have more joy than anyone <laughs> I know. I'm the most joyful person. And I think so many things are funny, but I think comedy generally in movies is and has been just like so fucking weak for the yeah. longest time. Because sure. there's no there's no edge to it. And I'm not saying it's gotta be mean, but like everything is just so like, aren't we friends? And it's just <laughs> and it's so meta and it's so whatever. That when everybody wants some had those real hearty laughs, yeah, it it just brought me back to like that. That is a funny, yeah. funny like. I I went with Evo to go see it, yeah, and we were both in stitches most of it, and it was like that's the the experience of comedy that I haven't seen in so long. I loved Everybody Wants Something like yeah, a big bad right? way. Awesome. It really made me laugh, and it I think actually is like has something. Really interesting going on. Absolutely. In, in, in 2016, where we're talking a lot about like um, toxic masculinity and, and, mm-hmm. and women getting better, better representation on screen, mm-hmm. um, this is a movie about men and about masculinity that is almost a reclamation of like, those don't have to be bad words. Yeah. And it's, mm. you know, it's, like it's that's kind of what it is. It's not at the expense of, yeah. of anyone else. No, it's, not it's, exactly. It's, yeah. it's not at the expense of the other ideals that we all want to achieve with feminism right. and things like that. 
But it's like, hey, those don't have to be bad words. Mm-hmm. Cool. I, I, I really enjoy it. It opens up that communication yeah. where it's yeah. like, I can still be a man and identify yeah. as a man and be manly and have that mean something and mean some shades of what we all accept it to mean. But it doesn't mean that I can be like fucking rapey. You know? Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's not. Yeah. You know, there's, mm-hmm. there's a, you know, there's a I way. I really fucking enjoyed that movie. Like, like way more than I thought I would. Cool. It's, it's my number three movie of the year. It was, it was impressive. Right. Yeah. Very good. My number three, I'll keep it really short. It's La La Land. Oh, please. Um, so I'm going to use this as an opportunity to go to the bathroom. Go, please. Well, the only other thing, honestly, that I really have to say about that we didn't say already is colors. I mean, you know, a lot of people say in movies like, oh, there was, you know, in movie reviews, like there was a green palette of green tones. There were orange tones. There were yellow tones. Like it had a red tone. I mean, I guess I can see red because that's like a pretty standout color. But I really, I'm not much of a visual person in that sense where I can really see color schemes very much. Like, I'm the kind of guy that doesn't need to paint the walls when I move into a new house that Mm -hmm. I'm renting. You know, I don't, colors don't mean that much to me. But in this movie, you know, when I really think about this movie, I think about the, the color space that it really created for me to stay in. And it just, you know, I'm still thinking about those blues, the, the sun, like the sunset scenes where, you get this sort of like orange blue cast over the stuff. whole. It actually whole almost valley. looked like tangerine. Remember tangerine? Yeah, yeah. It actually had some of that visual totally. aesthetic to it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I just, I loved that about it so much. And what I would say too is, you know, you really, you saying earlier made me see it in a really different way where, well, of course they're not going to like be singing a lot of move, singing a lot of songs in like the second half, because what's Emma Stone going to do? Like, you know, or Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling, those parts where they're sort of frustrated with themselves creatively. Well, they're probably not going to jump up and sing songs like I'm so frustrated. <laughs> I don't know what I'm singing. And I don't, I don't really have a creative impulse right now because I've kind of, you know, given myself over. Sad, sad, sad. Yeah. I'm so yeah. sad. Yeah, yeah. It's not, no, exactly. It's a expression of themselves when they're most connected with themselves and when they're connected with each other, you know? So, so that's, and the movie doesn't just, you know, it's not a musical for the sake of it being a musical. It's a musical for the sake of expressing that inner reality of their characters. So when those characters are struggling, you know, they're the movie's a little bit more muted, you mm. know, and and uh, it kind of turns more into a regular movie in mm. a way. And um, and one other thing that I wanted to say, which was that there's a great scene. I, I think kind of sums up that, you know, it's a love story that works parallel to a to being a story about these two characters trying to find their creative lives and satisfaction in them and there's a there's a scene where you know emma stone she where where she says you know i don't know if this is working and you're sort of thinking oh she's breaking up with him and he says you know well you know what do you mean and she says no i don't know if this whole and this whole thing is working which suggests her creative life like she's Mm -hmm. thinking about giving up on herself as a creative person. And that's really the central tension in this movie. It's a love story, but really the primary thing, you know, is, is it's a story about these two people finding themselves and, and the love story, you know, it's, it really, that's why that ending is so perfect because the love story really only gets put way up front in retrospect almost, you Mm. know, because the, at, at all times you're, you know, it's really, it's really about these two characters who are trying to like find their place in the world. So that's La La Land for me, number three. 
I'm glad it made it that high. Yeah, yeah that's impressive. Yeah. Honestly, I, I had to be honest with myself and say, do I like it more than this movie? Yes. Do I like it more than this movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Do I like it more than this movie? Yes. And and it climbed that high because of that. And also because, like we said earlier, the soundtrack, you keep listening to the music. You know, once again, if a, if a movie has really, truly, deeply compelling music, it's going to rise in estimation in my mind after oh, absolutely. I see it. I could watch it again in my head when yep. I was listening to the music. I think most of the time, what what when I review movies, what it comes down to to me, like I I, I have a difficult time commenting on technique. Same um, here. <laughs> it, it more comes down to... The two big questions are, you know, was I into it when it was on? Mm-hmm. Which is, to me, that is that is what makes a movie. That's the point. Mm-hmm. You know, the first movie mm-hmm. was a train moving. Yeah. That's it. So did did it engage me? And then the value is, did I think about it when it was over? Right. You know, What like, did I get out of it? I've spent, you know, I spent $10 to see La La Land, but I've gotten 20 hours of entertainment out mm-hmm. of it mm-hmm. just from... From yeah. thought and like that's singing, singing the songs and, and I'll watch we're gonna be watching yeah. it again and again mm. throughout our lives. I promise. And rewatch you. value. It's hard because oftentimes you're tasked with a review, you know, one one view, but uh, rewatch value can can bring that up. Totally. Yeah. What's your number three, Dan? My number three is a movie that is totally not my flavor. wasn't <laughs> wasn't my flavor until this year, where suddenly two and a half hour long dramas became my jam. Manchester by the Sea Woo-hoo-hoo! is a goddamn motherfucking masterpiece. Another big regret. That's a movie. That's a movie right there. Year. Yeah, it's about grief. Haven't seen it. It's got a hell of a performance from Casey Affleck. Um, it's got my my best supporting actor choice of the year is Lucas Hedges, um, who plays his uh, play the newly somewhat nephew. adoptive yeah. nephew. Um, Here's a, yeah, go for it. Should we get into spoil? I don't. I don't let, think let's we should leave, get into spoilers leave because Garrett hasn't pretty, seen it. I want to preserve yeah, it. Let's but I really will leave say it vague. I'm just going to say this that. This is the kind of movie that if it came out in 1999, it would be filled with big, reaching, actorly moments. Yep. And there is none of that. Hmm. He makes the Russell mundane. The, yeah, he makes, you know, like, I love American Beauty, but that movie doesn't age well because right. it is going for it. Yeah, it's and big. It's, 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 it's broad, heightened. almost. This is to tell you what it's about. Exactly, yeah. and, it, and it's heightened, and it's good, and it yeah. works, but I will never be interested in a, in a guy who's stoned and thinks he's deep filming a plastic bag. <laughs> That's stupid. But uh, <laughs> functionally, it works in the movie, I get it. But uh, yeah. Manchester by the Sea is a very real story. You hear about things like this pretty frequently, and you uh-huh. thank yourself that that they don't it's affect not your you. life. Yeah, but it could be at any moment. And yeah. Lonergan, uh, who is basically the guy who gave us Mark Ruffalo, uh, yeah. he he, I know he's a playwright. I'm not very familiar with all of his work, but he's very good at taking the everyday, the mundane, and making a case for it being cinematic without necessarily using technique to make it mm. cinematic. Interesting. It's just a it's just a really powerful good story about grief, about making the best of one's situation, about um Casey Affleck plays a character who due to tragedy is content to just, you know, I'm not deserving of any outward love. Stay away. I'm not letting you in. I don't want to be let in. Leave me alone. Mm-hmm. And he's put into a situation where someone too young to even really understand that is just like, let me in. Yeah. You know, yes. you might be done. You might be over with your life, but I'm in a band. I just I'm, started I'm banging two girls right yeah. now. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm going through something, but I, I'm not ready to pump the brakes. And you are my vessel. So you got to let me in. I'm your responsibility. 
And so there's this push and pull between them that is often very, very funny. Yeah. It's um, hilarious. It's, it's a it's really hilarious. funny movie. But it leads to all these moments of truth for both of them. It, it's just, it's such a good showcase for some really, really incredible performances. And there's no reason that a two and a half hour movie should be this breezy while also being so punishing and heavy. Huh. It, it's, I saw it because I thought I would have to. Yeah. And I was like, ah, it's available. There's tickets. It's at yeah. the film festival, yeah. whatever. I'll sit through it while I'm waiting for my girlfriend to get out of work. And I was absolutely engaged from moment one. It's just fucking yeah. phenomenal. I it's really, so really want to see this movie. Mm-hmm. It's and and like when you find out the why of everything. Yeah, it's it's another moment that should that could and should be acting. Yeah, and instead is just real and that much more tragic. Yeah, it, it's it's just fucking good. And there's a great scene where they're talking about Star Trek. And one guy thinks that Star Trek is retarded. And the other guy says, no, Star Trek is at the... It's, it's, it's everything you love is Star Trek. Star Wars, The Matrix. It's all Star Trek. It's like, Star Trek's for fucking kids. Oh, you think Star Trek's for kids? Well, you probably think Star Wars is for kids. It's not for kids. And it, I can watch two hours of Bostonians arguing about the merits of Star Trek. Awesome. Star Trek. I love that. But there's a scene where... I'll just call it the refrigerator scene. Yeah. Where Lucas Hedges does this... Wait. Is Harrison Ford in this movie? No, no. It's not, it's not a carbonate refrigerator. Um, just a refrig- it's a refrigerator scene. Um, you know, I, I can say sort of what it is. One of the driving forces yeah. in it is that the, his, his father that, that yeah. died, it's, it's the cold ba- Bastin winter. Yeah. So you can't bury anybody yet right. because it's getting into the soil. It's oh, just right. not possible. Yeah, you can't do it. So he's in a freezer. And uh, one of the things the kid doesn't like the idea of his dad in a freezer, but freezer, you got to do yeah. it. You know, it's just the way it is. Yeah. And so there's a scene where he's getting stuff out of his freezer and it all kind of floods to him. Yeah. And he has a moment that once again should be a big actorly moment. And it ends up just being this, I'm like getting choked up. It's, yeah. it's just a good, really good scene. And then, you know, Casey Affleck comes in and has to deal with it. Yeah. And it, it, it's just, it's yeah. tremendous. And it's one of the only times that the character Lucas Hedges really, deals with that grief um, yeah because you know he's it's like okay well you know he's a teenager his right i'm still 16 yeah. i got yeah. life ahead of me right. well, my grandfather died yeah. when i was 18 it sucked it was sad but you know i, I didn't cry i didn't like, do anything gonna, it was just i've yeah. got a <clears throat> i still got a whole life ahead of me but yeah. my ego yeah. my edge my attitude right. was was able to carry me through yeah you know in hindsight i've processed that grief yeah. Yeah. yeah but you know there was only fleeting moments where it became real yeah. you digest and it, it you move sense on because like that's how it works. Like it, grief blindsides you when you least expect. Like, yeah, it never like, goes away, but it, it, it just it, it blindsides happens. you. And and like he's obviously a kid who's trying to avoid all these feelings, right. but you know it kind of blindsides you when you least expect it. And yeah, some, he's just getting a situation from like the freezer. That, yeah, and then suddenly he ha- can't close the door, and then suddenly boom, like he's reminded of it, and he can't get away from it because he didn't have his defenses up at that moment because he didn't think he had to. Mm-hmm. There you go. I really gotta see this movie. It's yeah. phenomenal. I gave yeah. it a perfect score. Yeah. I can't think of a single thing that I'd change about it. It's uh, it's, it's yeah. lovely. There's nothing. Well, I'll give you a movie I gave a perfect score to. Are we at number two? We're at number two. Top two. Kubo and the Two Strings. Ah. This was another late addition wow. to my 2016. Big. Yeah. Uh I didn't see this until late into the year. Uh I honestly if I'm being I don't know. I didn't expect a lot out of it, to be honest. I'm a, I'm a big animation fan. I actually made a lot of stop motion movies when I was in high school. Cool. Uh, as I think of my friends and I did, we made a lot of like claymated cool. stop motion movies. Uh, so like I, I really get into animation is something I'm really interested in. Uh, stop motion especially is like a dying art form that I'm fascinated mm-hmm. by. 
uh, and I think is really interesting and, and really beautiful in its own right. Um, so I was mostly interested in the movie based on the actual technical aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, whatever. I don't, you know, the trailers were like, whatever. I didn't. It's an animated movie. I, you know, there's tons of animated movies every year. Mostly, I don't give a shit. But this one looked stop motion, and I, I really like stop motion. I think it's a dying art. It's seriously one of like I I, I didn't love it, but it is easily the most beautiful movie I've seen in like most, the last five years. I think yeah. it's the most beautiful animated movie I've ever seen. Mm. It, the animation yeah. is absolutely I can't astounding. think of astounding. I can't think of a animated film that is more just straight up gorgeous looking than it that. It is astounding. It is Unreal. so. I might say Anomalisa was up there for me. You I know, thought I, that was to be fair, I have beautiful. not seen that. To be, okay. I have not seen that. So to be fair, it's I've not. It's beautiful in a different way. It's yeah. not a showy, but yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, Kubo is beautiful. It, it is gorgeous. But the thing is, not only is it gorgeous, I mean, again, so maybe I have a little extra appreciation for this because like, I, I've participated in stop motion myself, right? It's not just that it's gorgeous. That's not what I connected to about it. It's a story right. about stories. Mm-hmm. It's about storytelling, and it's about how important our stories are. Yeah, and it uses the idea of stories and our stories to talk about death in a way that was very powerful and moving to me. I already talked about earlier in the podcast how I feel about that and how complicated my relationship is with with death and and, and my mm-hmm. thoughts about death. Kubo is all about stories and telling your story. And how important it is to tell your story, and how your story could be the most important, effective thing to someone else's story. And your story is something that can help people have empathy for other people's stories. But one of the things that Kubo addresses that I've never thought about before is that for a story to be a story, by definition, it has to end. There is no story that doesn't end. Stories are defined by their endings. It can't be a story if it has no end. That's that is one of the things that defines a story. It has to end. I think that's what Amy Adams learns in uh, yes. Arrival. Yes, exactly. Mm. But what uh, what I think Kubo does that like really beautifully illustrates this idea that like no death is part of your story, and it's important to your story, and wow. you don't have a story without death, without an ending. One of the really interesting things that I think it ends up illustrating is this idea that you also get to choose your story. Not necessar- not in an exclusive sense, right? Like, we have parents, and our parents determine our stories for a very long period of our time, of our lives, right? For a significant period of our lives. They're determined by our parents or whatever. What I mean, though, is, sure, our parents define those first 18 years. Our story is dependent on the, way, on the choices they make in those 18 years. But the way I feel about those 18 years is my choice. Yep. If those 18 years are positive or if those 18 years are negative, that's my choice. I decide whether that's a positive story or a negative story. There's a really beautiful moment at the end of Kubo. The whole movie, the villain of the movie, quote unquote, is his grandfather, the the Moon Knight or something like that. I I forget exactly his name. The Moon King. The Moon King. The Moon King, his grandfather. And at the end of the movie, we finally meet his grand. Ray Fiennes. Pray by Ray Fiennes. We finally it's Ralph Fiennes. <laughs> yeah, thank you. We finally meet Ralph Fiennes at the Fiennes. end of the movie. <laughs> yeah, we finally meet. That's, we like finally a, that's meet, been a lifelong question for me. We finally way. meet Fine Penis at the end of the movie, <laughs> and he He's uh, a big blue tree. <laughs> yeah, the thing. What I loved about it is he basically is like an old man 
that actually has very little memory of his story. And so everybody in the movie... He just wants more. Right. More story. More story. I need more. He doesn't want that end. He doesn't want the end. He needs more. And that makes him evil in the context of the story, that he wants more. And the idea is, well, there is no more. You have to have an ending. If you want more, that's its own evil. That's its own... That's selfish. That's Mm -hmm. a selfishness that is evil. But at the end of the movie... the evil and the tragedy of the vampire. Yes. Is that the vampire is evil because... He takes to so he can have more. So he can have more. But the tragedy he, of the vampire is it's a lonely, it, it sad can't existence end because, because there's, there's no, no ending. Yeah. There's no, and you can't love because you exist longer than people who love. The the what I loved about the ending of this movie is we finally meet that guy, this grandfather that wants to live forever and, mm-hmm. and refuses to let a story end. But he's so old because he's been living forever and refusing to let his story end. That he actually doesn't remember his story. He basically has dementia. He has, yeah, he has no memory of his story. Yeah. So everyone around him just says, "Oh, here's your story. Yeah, you were yeah. good to people. You loved people, and people loved you back." And they—it's yeah. a weird thing where it's like they decide his story for him, but that's not the—that's not the message of the movie. It could also even be a true story. We exactly. Don't, don't yeah. The message of the movie—that's not the message of the movie. The message you of the can movie choose is to accept that. You story. can choose to accept that this is your story. Yeah. That your story is one of positivity, is one of love, is one of growth and change and maturity. Yeah. And if you choose that story, then that is the story of your life. As long as one you of the ch- themes right there. Stop pointing fingers yes. and look inside. It like wow. if you choose that story, then that is the story. Well, you're so, making a really good case because honestly, as much as I really I like to me, this was a profound visceral visual experience. Yeah. I thought the story ironically was like was lacking for me uh, i so thought you're it was, really you're but you're I, convincing me you no, really here's are. the thing i actually see where you're coming from i do think that this movie plays on a very cartoon level yeah it, it plays on when a it, level. whenever it tries to be like adventure fun haha like here's a goofy moment like it just i think it the, falls yo, kudos to makani though like he, he does is, he's great uh, he's, he's great. channeling amazing his inner robin in williams movie. for that he's, he's amazing great. in this movie yeah. like he really makes an argument for himself as like Yo, you're not only like one of the greatest actors of my generation. You're such a great actor. I totally yeah, bought I you to in this you. voice role. I don't even need to see you. Like, do a million voice roles. Play a hundred different characters. It took me a while characters. to figure out that it was him. Me too. Just because he fitted. But you yeah. know that as soon as you hear the voice, you're like, I know oh, this as soon as person. Like, Who is it? My issue with that movie, because I did like it. Yeah. Um, I think my issue with it was, wasn't even one of of the... It was more of my taste as opposed to yes. the, the function of the movie. Because to me, like as an adult, it felt too kiddie for me. But if I was a kid, it would have been too thematically dense for me to really mm. uh, engage with it. And th- but that's once again, that's not the movie because I think everything you're saying is there, is there, is valid, and is awesome. Yeah, I just couldn't figure out how. Here's my. It failed to me in terms of the. Uh, the the first rule of was I entertained while I was watching it enough, but it, it didn't. I, I ended up not sticking with it. This yeah. you so know. like you're talking about yeah. the end, yeah, and how it's like it's about how stories have to end. I'm like honestly, I'm sitting here. I couldn't remember the ending until until you said that. Yeah, I think that. Well, here's yeah. the, so here's the thing. But once again, that's my baggage. I'm bringing to it. Well, that's sure. my taste Mine coming too. to it. Here's yeah. what I'm willing to say though is I think part of this is my baggage that I'm bringing to it. Right, like I'm coming from this world of like, oh, I used to do animation like this, so I have mm-hmm. an extra appreciation for it. Sure. I also used to do that animation when I was a kid. Mm. Right, like I have an appreciation for that. So like a lot of my appreciation for this movie, I think, comes from the fact that 
it does have this really, really interesting. Wow, I just like slurred my way through that. Interesting, pretty in-depth investigation into death and life and the meaning that those things bring, like the meaning that death brings to a life and the meaning that your story has and the idea that you can decide that story and how you feel about that story. Those are really deep concepts that I, I don't know that a kid would get necessarily. Mm, yeah. Uh, but they're there. They are in this movie, and so I appreciate it for that. But what I do think is there for a kid it like it's interesting. It's like the things that seem to have lost a lot of audiences on this movie are like exactly the things that I love about it. I think for a kid, it would be thrilling. It's like a, it's like a video game movie. It's like there's a couple of boss battles mm. and a couple of like little like I got to investigate this guy's story mm. to know how to defeat the boss. It's like straight up a Final Fantasy game, basically as a movie. So that's for like, thing too, I hated the Final I, Fantasy. Right, <laughs> I, I like I get I get why yeah. that's like problematic for adults. Yeah, but I think for kids that probably works oh, like yeah. really well. I would show it to my niece. She's right. eleven. I, I think that would work really yeah. well, right? Sure. And then for an adult, there are all these really great thematic things going on that I think like really resonate with me and really work. And so where this movie, oh, if I watched it with a kid, I'd feel a different way about that's, it. That's yeah. I think where this movie really resonates with me is this marriage of these two things, where I think a kid might not get the things I'm getting out of it, but they're getting this weird little inkling of it. Like I remember being a kid and seeing movies that like I knew were like for me, but also not for me. You mm. know, like they're like like heavyweights, like a movie that was like. There's definitely humor in this that I'm not understanding, but yeah. I'm also understanding humor in it. Like there's or like taxi cab yeah, confession. Yeah, yeah, there's like there's <laughs> but there's this double layer of things where it's like I remember feeling that way in movies when I was a kid yeah, where yeah. I was like I get some of this, not all of this. I actually think this movie might be like perfect for kids. Like bridge there's, that gap. Yeah, yeah, there's even a moment where like Kubo says at one point, this is one of my favorite lines of the movie and it shouldn't be as an adult, but because I have this appreciation for it, I think from like both perspectives it yeah. is. There's a moment where Kubo says to somebody like Oh my God! I I shouldn't have done this. My parents told me not to. I should have listened to them. That, think about being like a like a like an eight year old wow. watching that movie. Mm. Damn. That like now as an adult, it's not until I'm almost thirty <laughs> that I appreciate like really what yeah. that means. Mm, yeah. That that does really mean something. That my parents really did try to give me something that I just didn't fucking understand oh, yeah. as a kid. Yeah. But like, imagine being a kid and watching a movie that is like. A bunch of Star Wars-esque heroic battles that are fun and entertaining, and you relate to the kid that's at the center of them. And then he says that. I should have listened to my parents. They they were actually right about this. They know. They've, they've been around the block, yeah. Like, I, I really think that actually might resonate with you. I could be wrong. I well, could be coming I mean, at that with the, my own uh, life experience. That's the nature but, of, of wisdom. Yeah. Is... is you're never gonna do what you're told, but you're gonna get it through experience. Of course, experience. right? Yeah. And, and it's I, gonna, yes. it's gonna get to you. There's just, I think this movie actually really like hit a really fine line and married those two things yeah. in a way. And I could be wrong, but in a way that I really think actually is like, like extremely effective in a way that for me, a Pixar movie never has been. Mm. Like this really worked in a way where I was like. As a kid, I would have fucking loved every second of this. Cars 2 didn't yeah. do it for you? <laughs> Cars 1 didn't do it for me. <laughs> Cars 3 is coming out this summer. Yeah, but as an adult... Fast 8. <laughs> <laughs> dude, when those series combine, woo! Oh, yeah. Family we, Cars? We become Captain Planet. Awesome. Uh, the, I, I really think... I don't know. This movie like really did something for me yeah. that, I, that I was really impressive in a way that I didn't expect it to be. I, I think this movie is one of the most powerful movies... For me, this year, I, I really, really loved everything about it. Uh, only one thing topped it. Mm. What's it going to be? Woo. Well, my number two is a, mov- is a movie that uh, 
well, let's just uh, it's there's been some debate over whether it's a movie or a television series. I know you what you're going to say. Yes, I know what it is. OJ yep. uh, made you know in America. That was going to be on my list. Yep. And I just I just didn't have room for it. I did was you, yeah. Did you watch it? You watched I watched it. the whole thing. Yeah. I did not watch Amazing. it. Oh wait, wait. So, yeah. Oh no, okay. Not the people not versus people, OJ yeah, made in America. That was fucking yes. phenomenal. Yeah, unreal. It's a seven and a half hour um documentary that is split up into episodes that are about an hour and a half to two hours each. There's I think there's about five and it's directed by Ezra Edelman. Aaron is a 30 for 30 on ESPN, although at this point they've certainly bypassed 30. So yeah. I don't know what the deal is with that anymore. <laughs> yeah. But it's um, branding at this point, you know, how branding works. Brand- oh, yeah. That's branding. Like, yeah. It's like 24. Yeah. They've, they've yeah, gotten yeah. rid of that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just it's an unreal accomplishment. It's uh, the perfect movie for to me. You know, it's to me, it's the perfect movie for for 2016 because uh, it really distills, you know, the whole history of O.J. Simpson from from birth until, you know, the present day. But it spends, you know, three whole hours before we we even get to the thing that he's most known for, which is. You know, allegedly Hertz, murdering his wife. Oh, yeah. oh sorry. <laughs> <laughs> With naked gun two and a half. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So for allegedly murdering his wife, uh, Nicole Brown. So the I'm movie ready sets to up... dispense with the alleged. Oh yeah, okay. let's just put it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, um, it's fine. Cut, almost by the his way, off. Yeah, holy yeah. shit! I just saw today. There's gonna be another, like a discovery documentary series next year about OJ, and it's called like "Is OJ Innocent?" Oh my god! I can't, I can't wait. Well, I, when nah, happens, it looks bad. It looks well. Keep, my my judgment it. about it is that anyway. Moving on. How old were you when? Oh, how old are you so now? I'm thirty. Okay. So I so we're all of the same. I'm twenty nine. Yeah, we're thirty two. We're all okay. Yeah. So we, we all, all remember grew up in that moment. We grew yeah. up there, and that's why this. Honestly, I was not. Uh, I didn't think that there was. You know, I didn't think it was too much OJ this year, even though between, you know, the the serial television series and this documentary series, to me. It you know we're at that perfect time where he is a perfect over twenty years later of, yeah. you know and but it's our childhood right yeah. it's yeah. you know we grew up there was that summer that year or two where every time you turned on the news it was there and you didn't understand what you were you know it's kind of yeah. like your Kubo and the two yeah. strings yeah. it's like you didn't you don't exactly understand what it. you're seeing but you do you in know a it's certain important. way yeah. and I remember as a white boy you know yeah. Well, yeah. all I knew was I looked around at me and I saw. What the white people were feeling. Yes. What I thought the white people were feeling. I saw what I thought the black people were feeling. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I'm white. So I remember thinking, you know, like, this is unfair. You know, this is when the verdict came down. It seemed unfair to me. And the great irony of this film is that, well, yeah, it was, is that it basically through just presenting purely objective evidence is just saying, well, yeah, it was unfair. But at the same time, here's all this other context that, was going on around you that whole time that you know you didn't see so as a child of you know as a kid who was born in 1986 as a child of the 90s this is just that documentary that just illuminated basically everything in america that you know that led up to you know like you know my birth and everything that has happened since you Mm -hmm. know and it's uh it's the story of oj simpson but it's really the story you know of america mm-hmm. in the last you know 50 60 years and i think it covers even like the celebrity oh machine yeah you know, he was yes. pumped through it yeah. um the sports He's the machine. exception to the rule mm. but he also reinforced the rule 
You know what I mean? Like, right on. He he's the exception to the to the rule of race in America, but also it was the ceiling that he couldn't burst through mm. in the very end. Well, that's know? what's so, so like it's a perfect encapsulation of of race in America. Is I, the O.J. Simpson? Story. I didn't see that documentary, but the thing that I understood about it, uh, just because of the resonance it seemed to have, is like, well, I get why this would be so interesting and popular this year in 2016, because when we grew up. Right mm-hmm. when we were a kid and this was happening, we grew up in the Bill Clinton yep. political correct presidency. Yes, political correctness was a new thing. Everyone the, was equal. Right. The idea was racism is over. Everybody is equal. Yeah. And the whole like the O.J. So Simpson story so is yeah. evidence that like no, we're just as racist as we've ever been. Like that's one of the things that that story is an evidence of. But we are under this illusion. Yes. that it's over. It's over. So that's yes. what allows us to yes. be almost even more racist. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah, so. I, that's what's so fascinating. Like I need to see that because I like. I, I didn't watch it, but like I I kind of understood immediately. Like, yeah. oh, I get what the concept of this right. is. Which the is the thing like, is, it's it's not even just that too. Like, right, it, it's not it just is about so expensive, that. Yeah. But one of the things that that ties into that that I found so impressive about it that makes it so resonant to this year is that we have to ask the question: What is news? Right. You know what yes. what information yep. is news choosing not to give us to put forth a narrative? Yeah. And in OJ Made in America you really, really see how, depending on what story they wanted to tell, to who they wanted to, to you know, a white suburban audience, right. we saw O.J. a certain way because it was presented that way. Yeah. I had no... I knew the name Rodney King. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's all I knew. Right. I had no I idea. I knew the name. That was I it. knew there was, a, there was a riot of some sort and all that. <laughs> Lo and behold, you know, would, wouldn't you know it that a riot spawned out of decades of yeah. discontent yeah. and not nope. just some random... You know, yeah. but you never knew that. And so because everyone's equal, right? Because everyone's equal, right. and because we. But depending on who you are, what news is being fed to you, and how it's being presented, there are so many different. I'm doing air quotes. Truths that you can reach, and one of the things I appreciated about the documentary is that it doesn't really have a like any pointedness towards what the, you know, what the real truth is. It presents all of the truths yes. and says here's as much truths. information as we can put out there, mm-hmm. and here's how people interpreted it. Digest it, you know. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. Like, huh? I, How do you I feel came, about it? Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And like, I came out of it going, "God damn it, OJ Simpson was a monster." I was also going, "God damn it, we created a monster." Yeah, you know? yeah, and yeah. And God damn it, we were unfair to him. Yeah, and, yeah. But yeah. Wait, what? Like, it's like yeah. all these fucked up things that we that we're feeling that really contradict one another. And and it's, but once again, it goes back to that theme we were talking about earlier. Is it a good movie? Yes, it's it a is. great movie. It is just perfectly. I was edited, cracked out just, coming home to watch it. Just like, I mean, I watched it over uh, the course of, you know, really two or three sittings, the hottest days of the summer, in the afternoon, just glued to the couch, just like, oh, oh hour and a half over. Oh, next one. Here we go. Yeah, I honestly yeah. think I could sit through that whole by, thing. Flies by. Seven and a half hours, yeah. I think you could sit through it with a snack break. Huh. Yeah. And it would just, yeah, that is a well-made. That's I what mean, kept me away from it for the most part was just the length. Just start it, it, and you're, and that's it. That's all yeah. you need to do. It's like Benjamin TV show, yeah. but it is. Yeah. I mean, they did release it in a full, right? You know, it's, they played at the uh, film festival this year. Yeah, they no, did they the did thing. play yeah. like a full cut of it, right? It's yeah. I guess good. why they've, and from apparent, that's apparently the director, right? yeah. yeah, it was yeah. intention. So yeah. yeah, I can see it being that. And the last thing I'll say is, um, I really want. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's some unintentional comedy at the end, like the last episode or two. 
where the, there's the casino heist that he oh, tries God. to pull off <laughs> that is basically the reason why he got arrested uh, and is now currently in jail is because of this casino heist. I swear to God, like, Paul Thomas Anderson or the Coen brothers need to one day make, like, a true crime story about that. <laughs> that would be awesome. Because it's just, like, the truth is stranger than fiction. There's everything that could go wrong goes wrong. It's a terrible idea. It's even worse execution. But all in all, it's just hilarious and hilariously <laughs> sad, really. So oh, it's tragic. I would love to see, uh, but but just so appropriate, perfect. Um, <laughs> so I would love to see, like, the Coen brothers or P.T. P. T. Anderson do, like, a tragic comic uh justice that it deserves you know yeah. so that's oj made in america my number two what about you right dan my number two we actually devoted an episode to and since i'm hungry and tired i'm gonna go through it quick do it Perfect. um my number two movie of the year is paul verhoven's l oh, oh yes i you know i kind of i had an inkling that this might actually end up it was high on your good list. well you know what was cool about it it was just a super entertaining movie yes it was really really entertaining i've read a hundred different interpretations of it all which could be argued for. Yes. Um, did you read the, like, the... I did, and I got to say, I am 100% on board with Tim League's interpretation. Right? Isn't it interesting? It's really it's interesting. It's fascinating. Um, I'm, like, 100% on board with his interpretation I'm right there with it. you, yeah. But there are so many other interpretations of There's, it I've read a ton. can be argued. Yes. Um, what it comes down to for me and why this endures as my number two of the year is that... There's so much going on with this movie that the entertainment value exceeds its two and a half hour running time because I cannot wait to watch it again with a pause button. Yeah. So I can parse out every sideward glance from Isabel Huppert's eyes. I can every every loaded conversation of which there are only that <laughs> um, and pull it out for motivations, intentions. Um, structurally, it is. It's so good to have Paul Verhoeven doing something of weight because he is one of my all-time favorite filmmakers mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. he is so often relegated to being a novelty and he he worked so hard to transcend novelty in his uh well, he in loves his sort of novelty. Heyday. He like uses he, novelty he, he as messes a tool. With it, yeah. Absolutely. And so it fails with things like Hollow Man, which is a perfectly entertaining movie but doesn't <laughs> really have weight. Um then there's things like Starship Troopers where the the themes are almost so well hidden in the novelty that you know it, it took you me don't being even thirty years old to know that there was something being said. I just thought it was yeah. the Bugs app movie, <laughs> yeah. but uh, this is a movie that leans into the fact that it's a foreign film. Yeah. It uses the fact that it's a foreign film to sneak stuffy American audiences yes. into seeing a truly truly. Uh, troubling and, and uh, just so you know, I haven't seen it. So don't okay, well, I, I, oh, I won't say too we much. But it's one of those things where content-wise, it's the kind of thing that we immediately go, red flag, red flag, yeah, no, plug, no, no, plug no, my baby no, ears. No no no, 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 I don't want to see it, I don't want to see it. Yeah, and, and it's so not that. And it, it hits upon every single one of the themes that I have. Here. Oh, yeah, please. Um, no matter what your interpretation is of what's going on with Hooper's character, own your strange. Yeah. Um, whether she is what Tim League says yep. she is, or whether she's just a freak in a sea of freaks yep. getting a freak on. She's owning her strange. Mm -hmm. People are owning their strange, sometimes to good, sometimes to bad. Eliminating villains. This is one where there's villainous activity yes. through and through. Yeah. But we're not clear as to who is the villain here. I've Certain actually read some interpretations of like other people that we never see depicted <laughs> as the villain Certainly. being the villain. Wow. Well, and even even our, we'll call him the attacker. Yeah, right. I've read interpretations of other people thing. being the attacker. There's no defense of that. Yeah. 
but of course it could be rated differently. Yeah. There's no defense of yeah. that, but also at the same time, you know, I'm not going to get into any arguments about about consent. This is neither the time nor the place. But the yeah. question is, you know, where is the where is the line of what is being villainous and what is being and I don't want to say asked for, but what is being implicitly requested? Uh-huh. Um, it's but the. That's the thing. I understand There's so what you're much saying. Going, yeah, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, he goes processing there. grief. Goes there. He goes yeah, there. Yeah. And he goes there boldly and he goes there in a way that that so many people would be afraid to touch. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't just touch it, he massages it. No, he, yeah, he's, he punches it. He and you it sort of it. understand if someone would be like, you know, like I you understand if oh, someone would be so turned off. Yeah, he that. he is making a movie right. that he he does I think he wants certain people to go like, "Oh, no." Exactly. You know, like but it, it is up. thrilling yeah. and it is funny, but it's also it's about processing grief. Yeah. Um, her whole story is yes. about processing this this uh she's grief stricken from a childhood moment mm-hmm. and then a subsequent mm-hmm. adult moment. Mm-hmm. And then also forgive and communicate. This is all about communication. It's all about miscommunication. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's just I, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to spoil you. <laughs> I also, also de- don't want to step in any it. mud, but and it, it also it, depends on your read of the movie. Exactly, but it, it no matter how you read it, this movie invites you to say it's gonna get dirty. Yeah. But the only way you are ever going to crack this crazy shit is if you engage it. Yeah. This thing that you are so ready to reject mm-hmm. just based on the 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 content. Right. It's no less real. I prom well, and I promise if you can get over the content, if you can swallow your your knee jerk reaction to just be averse to it and engage it. There is something that you can find. You might like it. You might not like mm-hmm. it. But if you engage it, you are going to find value. There's something. Are you going to rewatch it a yeah. hundred times like I will when it comes out on video? Right. I don't know. It remains to be seen. Right. Maybe not. But I think everybody should make an attempt to engage it once because there is value here. You're going to have to reckon and with it something. Really, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I looked into myself. I looked into it's the thing. But at the end of the day, it is just so entertaining. And there's no reason it should be as funny as it is can, or as thrilling as it is, and it uh, is. Can it's I tell great. you something that'll blow your mind? Yeah. One of our most popular episodes. Yeah. That, like, Elle is such an interesting, unique movie that is such a singular experience that takes you on a journey that is extremely uncomfortable but relevant and uh, causes you to ask questions about subjects you feel like you have very definitive answers about already. Oh, and it's it's not even really at all exploitative. No. And it's it's dressed up like it could be, which yeah. is, is almost a Verhoeven stamp. Yeah. But I think like that that whole thing, the whole thing it's doing where it's like wrestle it's it's literally wrestling with something that is at the forefront of all of our minds. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most popular episodes we released this year. What a fucking and, and I guarantee knockout performance. It's not one of the most popular movies that was watched this year. Nope. It's not like there were more people that saw this movie this year than that saw other movies we talked about this year on the podcast. But and I the think people who did I, see it, and I think the subject matter, mm. regardless, is like, yeah, we want to hear people talk about this. Oh yeah, like it's actually it's so relevant right now. It needs to be addressed. It made my list because of that value. Yeah, it dem- you can't not talk about yeah. it. And so those two and a half hours have snowballed. Yeah, yeah. So L, my That's, number two, uh, I can't even. 
That movie's fucking phenomenal. It's I can't even argue with it. It's it's it, you know it didn't even uh, come close. To, I didn't even consider it for mm-hmm. my list. And I know that our our buddy Dan Santelli. I think that might be his number one. I was gonna say I think mm-hmm. that might be like his his top. So yeah. He reviewed that movie with us actually. Yeah. Cool. Um, uh, it did not resonate with me in the same way. But uh, that's you're gonna watch it again though. I know. I know. I will. Yep. Uh, Let's see your number one. Number one. Number okay. one. Roundtable number ones. This should be no surprise to anyone. Oh, My number God. one is it what of I hope 2016 it is, is, it what I hope it is? is so God's yes! Praise Me. I'm going with. He's doing it. He's doing it. What? I have no idea. Hunt for the Wilder People. Oh, uh, whoa. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh. It's Hunt for the Wilder People. I, I've been waiting no to make that way. joke all day. I've been, no. I've, been making, I've been waiting to make that joke all day. You just got uh, me. Gods Fuck of this. Egypt had to be squeezed off of that. Literally, yeah. La La Land and Gods of Egypt were fighting with each other all day where I was like, I know I'm, I'm, I'm like never going to watch La La Land again. I'm going to watch Gods of Egypt four more times tomorrow. There's no question. Wait, is that your number one? Uh, no, it's not. Okay. Gods <laughs> of Egypt was my number one at June. In, in okay. June, Gods of Egypt was the best movie I saw in 2016. It was fucking great. It's it is. It's not good. It's, but it's not awesome. good. It's not good, but it's but great. It's amazing. <laughs> it's it's sounds amazing. Yeah, it's the yeah. dumbest, best, greatest, stupidest, smartest, in, most insane, most humble. It's it's everything. That movie yeah. is everything to me. I really really love Gods of Egypt. Here's the thing, Hunt for the Wilder People was. It is your number one. It it is my number one. (laughs) Okay. Humphrey Little was my number one. That was a hard cut. It's not the funniest movie I saw this year, but it's the best comedy I saw this year. Hmm. It's not the most emotionally resonant movie I saw this year, but it's the one that resonated with me the most this year. It's it's one of those things where it's like, were you born in New Zealand and no 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 Sam Neill as your father? Choose you? No 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 no. It it. The, you like to kick and spit a lot. I'm really, I'm really big on father son stories in general. That's like oh, a you thing. gotta watch boy. That's a thing you that really, really, really resonates with me in general. No. Uh, it is. I also really like stories about adolescence. I think that's part of my Kubo love as well. I like yeah. stories about adolescence. I like the idea of reflecting on one's adolescence and what can be learned from that. But also, I like reflect. But I also like reflecting on my adolescence as a time when like. Oh, there! I didn't need. I didn't know any of these things, mm. and then the innocence to that adolescence is powerful in its own way. Uh, and and something about Hunt for the Wilder People, it was like it's this weird marriage of. Did you see it? I did. Yeah, you did. So it's this weird marriage of like old school Steven Spielberg adventure, certainly, and like modern indie drama. Yeah. That really, really worked for me and resonated in a big, bad way. Yeah. It really, really made me laugh when it wanted to make me laugh. Mm-hmm. I cried three times, and I didn't just cry. I cried profusely. Uh, and I'm also not, like, a huge uh, crier in movies, specifically. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I'll, I'll cry, but, like, I, you know, movies are not a thing that affect me that way, necessarily. The fact that I cried at all is usually a pretty big good sign about a movie. Yeah. I haven't cried more than once in a movie, and I, I I don't know when. I but I I cried like three times during this movie. I this movie like really. I don't know. It, it it was. It's the most effective movie I saw this year. This movie affected me in every big bad way a movie could. It, it was a um, it was a fun adventure and journey that I got to take with characters that I really grew to love. 
but it was also like a really emotionally resonant one where I didn't just relate to the kid and I did, but I also related to the the dad, the 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 foster father and I did. I also related to the foster mother and I did. I also related to the the I mean not so much, but like the the crazy villain character that's like the the Which foster is, care lady. One of the is, best comedic performances like of the year. Comedic, so that is good. the best comedic it, performance of the year. I yeah. think she was awesome. But I even like related to her in that in to the extent that it's like, yeah, as much as I'm going like I get what this kid's going through and I get what this guy's going through. I would say she was and I get how their relationship right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like right. I get what the kid's going through, I get what the guy's going through, I get how their relationship together is helping each other. But they're also the most toxic thing for each other right oh, now. Yeah. And somebody needs to stop this from happening. That's mm-hmm. another movie that is about processing grief. Yes. It's also about communication. Yes. They yes. have to learn how to communicate with one another. Yeah. And it's it, so funny. It is so funny. Yeah. It, yeah. And it's gorgeous. Yeah. It is like a really, yeah. really beautiful. Like, Lord of the Rings movies are maybe the end-all, be-all of, like, New Zealand shot movies. Where it's like they yeah. really capture something about that locale that is alien- and familiar at the same time that makes it so unique and beautiful. Somehow this little indie dramedy about a foster kid like surpassed yeah. that in a big bad way for I me. I think YTD really loves New Zealand. Yes. Yep. I, I mean, Peter Jackson's from New Zealand, of New Zealand. Right. But his view of it was functional to making Middle Earth. Yeah. Um, YTD's love for New Zealand, I related it to, did you ever see L.A. Story? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, Steve Martin's love for yep. uh, he didn't direct that, but his love for LA yep. as a parent in that same way, where it's like I'm going to show you this gritty aspect of it. I'm yes. also going to show you why yeah. I'm so fond of it, and that that was very similar to that. But I agree. Yeah, I, 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 I Dan and Dan and uh, yeah, I don't even have like that much interesting to say about Hunt for the Wilder People. I just know that like huh. no other movie this year. It was your favorite movie of the year. I, yeah, I mean nothing else made me feel this it's way. Good choice. I, I I laughed. I cried. I fucking like I really. Really yeah. connected with this movie and loved every minute of it. It, it was yeah. kind of huge for me this year, actually. Cool. Nice. Because, yeah. I mean, here's how huge it was. My number one movie in June was Gods of <laughs> fucking Egypt. I was really hoping you were going to go there for I, this. I was so excited. I delayed even talking about it to, yeah. to like milk you guys' uh, anticipation like, of that I being know, my I figured if it didn't show up by now. Right, I know. Been, uh, I know. Uh, it was wrestling for the number 10 spot. I, th- I by, by the time we got past June, it was like there have been many better, way better oh, movies yeah. than Gods of Egypt. Oh, Gods of Egypt. But Gods of Egypt gonna was... going to get an episode. We're it's good. It's still <laughs> the most entertaining, fun movie I saw this year. Oh, yeah. But the movies that moved me and affected me are the ones that are on this list. And this was the one that like yeah. really, really hit me. You should watch way. Boy. I really, it's, it's I really literally a fatherhood story. Yeah, and I, it is oh, so funny. It's and it stars YTD as yeah. the, the oh father. amazing it's good yeah. stuff. Yeah, that you know yeah. here, here's a really interesting tidbit. My least favorite scene in that whole movie is Taika Waititi's scene in Hunt for the Wilder People. Oh, the it's the, the, it's the, the priest. O- it's the <laughs> only. Funny, it is funny, but it's the yeah, only. Jesus. It's the <laughs> only scene that feels like it just breaks the from a somewhat a reality yeah. of the movie and becomes like a Will Ferrell, just like, I'm the craziest character yeah, you've yeah, ever yeah. seen. Uh, yeah. But it, it is still funny and, and really great. I, I, I loved that movie That's so good much. Choice. what he's going to yeah. do with the new Thor movie. Oh, I think it bodes well. I think it bodes very well because yeah. like, I'm like an apologetic fan of the Thor movies because I just think that they're a unique thing within that universe where everything else is the been, only ones with any color left. I, in they're them. like the everything else has been identical to each other. They're mm. like somewhat unique. Yeah, 
the fact that Taika Waititi is going to direct one of the most yeah. unique parts of the the Marvel universe, I'm like, I, I yeah. think that could actually be great. Own sense of humor, like yeah, that. I think uh, it could be great. Yeah, you can do adventure, you can do character. Yeah. What's your number one, Andy? My number one. We've already spoken about it. Manchester by the Sea. Oh, wow. It went all the way there. Yeah, it really did. Um, So my experience with this movie, you know, I kind of was similar to Dan. I was like going in, you think, well, this is going to be a great movie, and I'm sure it will be a great movie. And then, you know, my first 45 minutes about it, honestly, it was I was kind of like, uh, you know, yeah, this is it's it's obviously very good. But I mean, if this is just going to be like a pretty straightforward story about like a man dealing with, you know, grief and the death of his brother. I, I don't see what this is, why people think this is so good. Like, you know, maybe this is just going to be lost on me. Maybe the mm-hmm. hype killed it. Maybe I my high expectations killed it. I don't know what. And then, you know, as the movie, as certain things get revealed, you know, I just could just feel my, I just could feel my jaw just sort of dropping and it kind of stayed pretty close to the floor through like the rest of the movie at a certain point. And there's a scene in this, in the, in the movie, which I'll just say is the, the, uh, the police interview scene, which mm-hmm. is to me is probably the scene of the year, the scene of like the last three years. It's just unreal. Yeah. This movie is. And so real. And so real. <laughs> this movie operates on so many levels. It's hilarious. It's devastatingly sad. And it's extremely accurate, you know, like, I mean, I've never had to go through anything like Casey Affleck's character in this movie goes through. And yet I can I can definitely say that, you know, well, as a as a music therapist myself, I have a lot of clients who have had to deal with grief. I've had clients who've lost children. I've had clients who lost, you know, like, you know, husbands, wives, children, mothers fathers you know who've dealt with horrible horrible accidents and horrible things have happened to them and you know for me grief is you know and for a lot of people it's it's one thing that i just i never know what to say i never know what to how to deal with someone else who's going through that and and you know i think grief is this is probably the most profound and universal human experience but it's the one that we're like literally biologically predisposed to avoid at all costs. Mm-hmm. Like nobody wants to experience right. that. Like we literally are designed to avoid it, you know, mm-hmm. but yet it's well, in a logical sense. It, it makes no sense. Yes. It makes you no know, sense. Logically it's move on. Right. But this is the natural that's the order curse of, of being human. But yet we're like literally you, you have to not, we survive through our attachments yeah. and yep. yeah. And that's what makes uh, through our Casey, stories, yes, through our memories exactly. of people, Kubo and the two. And that's what destroys <laughs> campaigning. Casey <laughs> Affleck in this movie. That's why he's a shell of his former self. And the movie, you know, some people might say, "Well, you know, I I overheard someone coming out of the movie theater when I saw it, saying, I wish it, I wish there was more of a resolution to it.'" And it's kind of like, you know, I wouldn't, you know, I went in thinking, yeah, maybe there's not much resolution to it, but we'll see what happens. And but that's what makes the movie so good because, like you said earlier, if it came out in 1999, there might be more of a profound resolution to it. But you know, and I would say there is a profound resolution to this movie. I thought but it came it comes together nicely in very subtle ways. Like grief doesn't go away. Grief yeah. doesn't go away, but what it does, it never is, it, does. is it changes slightly. You know, like there's little things like suddenly, you know, the question you have to ask about this movie is: Is he different? Are these characters? changed by the end of the movie are they different than they were at the beginning of the movie Mm -hmm. and you know the answer is certainly yes you don't know how they're going to change and it's an incredible journey that 
just you know as as a devastating of a movie as it was when the when it came to an end and when the you know the credits started rolling i didn't want it to be over mm-hmm. you know i didn't want it to go away it's like a movie i won't forget you know it, it's a movie that's just gonna like stay with me through my life i'm sure you know it's just it's that good um and what else do i want to say about it <laughs> i'm gonna agree with you this yeah. is certainly when i'm when i am tasked with grief mm-hmm. uh it's certainly something that I will draw upon. Yeah. And uh it's uh yeah, it's it, it's the real deal. It lives up to the hype. It is uh it's an amazing movie. That's my number one, Manchester by the Sea. Number one. It's a great choice. What you said about it reminded me of like the Babadook. It's like it doesn't go away. Grief doesn't go away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it just doesn't. doesn't. You just get it just better. It changes at it. Yeah. a little bit. Yeah, it changes. You change a you little bit. You gotta feed it a little bit. You gotta yep. you know, you gotta live with it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You can fight the tiger, or you can dance with the tiger, <laughs> and that's why we come to movies, right? Like we want to experience I, yeah. some. It's like some said, people are like, I just want to escape and not think about things. It's like, well, I don't. No. I don't want to go. I go to movies to seek some to find truth about my greater life, understanding, a greater understanding. And Manchester by the Sea does that, and and not to mention also um, the soundtrack, the, the music oh, yeah. in this movie is just gorgeous. It's handle like classical music Hmm. opera it sort of it takes this very personal story of of grief and just sort of turns it almost into an opera Hmm. you know although you know without the opera it's oh well well, see it you know (laughs) what's your number one dan say a few well to jump on something you said there a few a few months back i went to a sensory deprivation tank oh yes um, Damn, I've always wanted. Oh, to do it was that. great. It was highly recommended if if it's the kind of thing you want to do. But the guy who ran the place was like a total hippie, and he asked me. He said, "Well, do you meditate?" And my response was, "No, but I see a lot of movies." Yeah. And he goes, "Yeah, well, that's meditation." And I think that's a hundred percent. You know what you're saying there? Like that's that's why Manchester by the Sea. I, I always want to say Manchester United. That's why <laughs> Manchester by the Sea works is because you do get a chance to meditate on that. Yeah. You do get to think about. You know, just I'm gonna go. You know, yeah. I mean, and I can't think of another movie that you know better captures this. You know, like I was saying earlier, grief is something that it's like hot potato. For me. You know, I, I just I never want to touch it. You know, I never mm. want to even have to think about. And you what will it would have like. to. And I will have you to. You will. Everyone will. Everybody have to. will have to. It's unavoidable it's unless you no. are part of the Twenty Seven Club. You yeah. will be. Bye. You will have to deal with it, and you will be responsible for it. Yeah. And it's unavoidable. Yeah. Yes. So my number one movie. What you got? Uh, I love this movie. I don't even know what to anticipate right now. It is. I listen to the score. Oh, I know. Almost I know every day. You, you know, know what it is. What it is. Um, I think so. Yeah. It's a movie that just spoke to me it. in every way. I found it so entertaining, so enjoyable. I think it's so thematically rich. I think it has two of the greatest performances of the year, and it's Swiss Army Man. Oh, I thought yep. it was going to be Night of Cups. Right. It's, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that stupid fucking pretentious garbage. Honorable mention for me. Uh-huh. Fair enough. <laughs> Couldn't but, get it. Couldn't. But it is stupid fucking pretentious <laughs> garbage at the same time. I think you know what got me about that is I'm all about stupid, pretentious garbage, but I was just bored yeah. to tears. Yeah. I could barely keep my eyes on You're the You're like, screen. listen, I'll watch High Rise all day long, all but day give long. me High Rise. Like, what tree is life this? is fucking great. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, Swiss Army Man. I love it, it because it's this a, was a hard Army cut movie. For me. Yeah, it's it's so well. First off, it's just there's there's no reason this movie should no. could exist. I, there's nothing listen, like it. When people tell you this is the farting corpse movie, 
I can tell you right now, you are underestimating the amount of fart jokes that will be in this movie. Paul Dano was on WTF. Yeah. And he said he took the role because the directors approached him and said, we want to make a movie where the first fart makes you laugh and the last fart makes you cry. <laughs> said, and I knew I had to take it. And I got to say, mission fucking accomplished. Yeah, accomplished. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, this is the closest thing to a movie of a like Kurt Vonnegut story. <laughs> yeah. In terms That's of... That's a great description you know of it, saying? actually. Yeah. It's, it's like... It's mean. Yep. It's it's, it's kind of dirty. It's dirty. Yeah. It's mean. It has absolutely no faith in humanity, yeah. except for the fact that it has just this like bleary eyed faith in humanity. Relenting. It's, yeah. it's so hopeful, and it has no hope. Nope. And it's it's so positive. It's totally joyous. And it's, there's no joy to be it's, found. Exactly. It's this guy who's owning his weird. Yeah. Who's coming through to this crazy mental state, which might just be madness. might be actual he might madness. Be dead. Yeah. It's one of those movies where if you're going to try and parse out what literally happened. Happened. It's a it's, fool's errand. Yeah, we're you just going to argue it. with each other. Well, and it's, I don't think anyone could tell you what literally right. happened. That's not the point right. at all. The whole point, it, but in a way, it's like a Swiss Army movie. If you want a tale about mental illness, you got it. Yeah. If you want a road trip style survival adventure, yeah. you got it. Yeah. If you want a fart joke comedy, you've got yeah, it. Yeah, you got it. If you want a meditation on, on what it is. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, got you got it. it. It's a movie about fatherhood, it's a movie about childhood. Yep. It's a movie about uh, about male ownership over women. Yep. It is a movie about there's telling a, a story. There's, there's even a, a queer context. To this there's movie a queer that context to it. Exists there too. There's a movie that's about the owning of owning of one's weird. There's yeah. a uh, there's a fatherhood story. There's yep. a there's a there's a, a a commentary on pop culture and how it affects us. Yep. There's a commentary on on how we have disposable culture and everything's mm-hmm. disposable. Mm-hmm. It is anything you need it to be. And it is everything you need it to be. And it's just so good. Yeah. It's so fun. Daniel Radcliffe, to me, he's my best actor choice. Because that is, there's nothing like it. Not only is he really good in this movie, he's like really good in this movie having never been good in a movie before. Like, I I don't mean that entirely seriously, but like, I've never really liked him that much. I'm, I'm a fan, but it's hard to divorce him from what he is which he, is harry potter he never even worked for me as harry potter really? like I, yeah i just like i for his whole career i've been like i just don't think this kid's a good actor you should watch it's not the best movie but you should watch imperium i did the not one watch where that. he goes undercover yeah, right. things. It's, yeah. it's not bad it's a decent little thriller but he's really good at yeah it. but but this, this movie, movie sold me on him in a big bad way is is phenomenal yeah and it incorporates stuff that's in the movie yep. into the music yeah it incorporates cotton eye joe it incorporates yeah. the, jurassic the jurassic park, park theme. theme yeah um but it's it's a uh, manchester orchestra by the sea united <laughs> and um it's uh it's just the top to bottom it's so enjoyable it spoke to me in so many ways and i've watched it so many times <laughs> like i've watched Great. it so many times it's uh his Daniel Radcliffe's performance is is one of of such depth when it didn't even need to be. I agree. It, it's he plays this corpse. It's a physical performance because he plays a corpse that's learning how to move, learning how to have a body again, learning what masturbation it's is, basically learning, learning to be human. Exactly, learning yeah. to be human. Where while at the same time teaching Paul Dano's character to go back to being human. Yeah. On a technical level, it's beautiful. It's the gorgeous. scene where they fart out of the, the it's water. Crazy. It's crazy. It's gorgeous. Tremendous. Yeah. And it's just, and this is another one where debut filmmakers, there's just no way. Yeah. There's no way, logically, that this movie should have been greenlit and, and made 
and made as a pure true vision with the talent that it had. They straight up it's sold unreal. this movie as the world's first fart drama. Yeah, and, and our, like, what are you talking the about? The big push you went the trailers to was, are you tired of all the movies looking the same? This one doesn't. Yeah. And I was afraid that it would so do that that it would end up looking the yeah, same. Yeah, it would just be a quirky, dumb fucking... Exactly. Yeah. It would be like, oh, okay, it's... It's, yeah. you know, it's, it's a boner it's, movie, too, right? Aren't there yes. Oh, dude. There's yeah, a boner that's so used as a compass. Yeah. There's a song where there's a montage, but as the song is playing in the background during their montage, it's describing literally what's going on in the montage. Yeah. yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Oh, man, I, I just saw today that... that yeah, I've been meaning to see it all year. Oh, you haven't seen it? No, it's no, it, dude, delightful. It did but not make my list, like but it was times. a struggle to not yeah. be on my list. And it is a really impressive, interesting, yeah. weird, fascinating, joyous, sad movie. Can't wait it's, to see it. It, it. There's a great exchange where Paul Dano was talking about. How, he's telling. Uh, Oh, I forget what Dana Reckless character's name. Is. I can't remember. But he's telling him about. He was like, "Oh no, I I, I can't really masturbate because uh, you know." And he's he's explaining what masturbation right. is. And he's like, "And then my mom told me that that you know I'm not supposed to masturbate. Now when I masturbate, I think about my mom, and it's weird." And Dana Reckless <laughs> like, "Well, when I, I want to masturbate and think about your mom." And he's like, "No, you can't say that." Yeah. He's like, "What? I just wanted you to feel comfortable." He's like, "You don't understand." <laughs> yeah. And so it's all of these little yeah. basic things yes. like that where he has to teach him social graces despite the fact that he's kind of a madman it's that was the thing that was most fascinating to me about the movie is that the relationship between paul dano and dana radcliffe is one that can evolve from father to child Mm -hmm. uh husband to wife um uh friend uh, yeah friend to friend Mm -hmm. uh teacher to student uh like literally at any given moment engineer to tool yeah that that relationship can evolve you need it to be. and change like a Swiss Army knife can evolve and change anything you need it to be. But the reality is, like, really, what's happening in the movie is not whatever he needs it to be. It's it is just whatever it is. Right. It's like whatever life gives you, right? Like sometimes life gives you a kid, and you got to learn to raise that kid. Nah. Sometimes you're confronted with a, a dying parent, and now you got to spend a lot of time mm. with a parent that you didn't know that well. Sometimes you like it, it is about like all of these different kinds of relationships yeah. that we share with different people in our lives. And somehow they all get reduced to one farting corpse, which allows Holy it to shit. be like funny. <laughs> it does allow it to be like funny, but it also allows you to draw that connection between like, oh, no, this is like this is what life amounts to. Mm-hmm. It's, these, it's well, these relationships. Farts. It's these Everybody wow. poops. Everybody farts. Yeah. And if all of our shit mixes together, one day your shit yeah. will become yeah. part of my. It's, yeah. But it's also there's like a Michelle Gondry level yes, of tactile totally. craftsmanship yep. to yep. it. That's that's very clever. My favorite line in the whole movie is when he's singing the Jurassic Park song. Yeah. Da, da, da. And he's like, "What?" Dan Redcliffe is. What is that? He's like, well, "That's the song from Jurassic Park." Like, what's Jurassic Park? And he's just, "You, you don't know. If you don't know Jurassic Park." You don't know shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fucking love that. That's so good. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so yeah, I, I really enjoy that movie. movie. Man, I can't believe that topped your list. I it's been at the top of my list since since I saw it. Yeah, yeah. nothing is topped. Yeah, it. just nothing. Manchester came, yeah. and L were both like really vying yeah. for it. But when I thought about value, I yeah. watched it yeah. four times. I think yeah, I listened to the what, soundtrack what, all the time. What you love the most that, that's how Hump for the Wilder people. It's the kind of movie that yep. I didn't know I needed, that I didn't know I've been yep. begging for. Yep. 
and it exists against all odds. There's yeah. no reason yeah. it should exist, and it does. Yeah. Do you guys want to run through just a couple honorable mentions yeah. quick, I'm just and then we'll wrap this up? That's right what I feel I'm like hungry. too. I thought let's yeah. do this. Let's read off movies that we all think right. needed to be mentioned, but we just didn't get to on our list. My I, list of yeah. honorable mentions were The Lobster, yep. The Nice Guys, Hunt for the Wilder People, which I wrote as Wilder Peeps, <laughs> uh, OJ Made in America, Midnight Special, nice. uh, Eye in the Sky, Cresha. Um, American Honey, Shin Godzilla, yep. Moonlight, Jackie, Everybody Wants Some, uh, We Go On, which yes. we saw at the uh, yes. Underground Film Festival. I'm going to bring that and, up And well. uh, this one, which is all about processing grief and just floored me because I thought I was going to hate it, A Monster Calls. Oh, yeah. I really want to see that. It's cool. a great flick. What do you got for honorable mentions? So, you know, Green Room at the beginning of the year was yes. like... I was. I was like, oh, I rewatched man. it recently just yeah, to see if it made that. it to my list or not. I was like, this is gonna be my number one movie of the year. But honestly, you know, like we said, like just shake it out. Keep that the rest of the year versions. comes, and I just, I just yep. can't. You know, all these other things rise to the top. So, Green Room. Um, you know, I'm from Washington D.C. area. I, you know, used to I grew up on like D.C. punk. I used yeah. to like play in punk bands, and and so you know, this is a one location siege movie about a D.C. punk band defending themselves against a bunch of murderous neo Nazis. Riffing on John Carpenter. I mean, all this movie had to do yeah. was be as great as that was, and it was going to be pretty excellent. And I need to see it again. Um, I remember I just had such high expectations, but anyway, I, I so did. I, I did. did lo- I thought it was great, but also I was like, but all it. I mean, the only sin it committed was just being as great as that sounded. Like it didn't really surprise me if that made sense. Yeah. You know? That I uh, I was talking to somebody the other day, and I was like, "Oh, you should see Green Room. It's like it's about the DC punk scene, and and it's, yeah. it's like this DC punk band that gets yeah. like caught up in in a bad situation and whatever." And they were Nazi like, and they and they go, and they were like, they were like DC punk band, and I was like, "Yeah, they're they're like a punk band from DC." And this person was like, "What do you mean? That's like no, but DC is all either." rich politicians or like or or like (laughs) super low income people and i was like yeah Yeah. so like where punk rock would be birthed in america i was like it's literally the hotbed of punk rock in america it always has been yeah it was like unfathomable to me that this person was like i don't understand how that city could be the place where there would be punk i get what they're saying but i do but at the same time what you're saying makes sense so my number 12 was um indignation which was Totally off my radar. But I, mine I too. I, I literally just like saw it in, I think, David Eldrick's Top 25, yeah. and I was like, oh, that's like a movie I should see, I yeah. guess. So check it out. Um, yeah. I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, the Invitation. Dude, yes. yes right there with Number you. 13. I really liked The Invitation. Loved it. Yeah. Uh, Sully surprised me. I have I not really seen Sully. Sully. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I wrote in here, um, this is the most dad movie of the last five <laughs> years. But it's also like dads is people too. Yeah, <laughs> it's a dad movie on the surface, but below that, yeah, that's another movie that made me cry this year. Oh, interesting, surprising. Yeah, um, fifteen uh, pop star, dude. Never that's stopped, in my stopping. honorable mentions as well. And I the, yeah, and the rest of uh, was Knight of Cups. Uh-huh. <laughs> Honestly, I just I was in the right headspace for it yeah. at the right time. I you saw it. Sleep. <laughs> I I was, I was honestly like it was that I watched it before I went to bed. I I watched probably the first half, and then I watched the next half. The next morning, I broke it up like that's that. That's the way to do it. Honestly. Actually, the best way to do it is just never watch it. <laughs> <laughs> it worked for me. I don't know. I was like, this is infuriating. And yet, for some reason, I'm on the it. level right now. Yeah. Um, and then De Palma, that documentary. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah. Um, used to be a De Palma hater, but became kind of a De Palma lover. And so this 
documentary is great. The Handmaiden. Uh, I really, great really, yeah. really excellent. want to see that. Excellent, excellent. The Witch, as mentioned, yeah. and then Neruda, another Pablo Lara. Oh, movie, interesting. Another biopic about the famous Chilean yeah. poet. And uh, saw it at Philadelphia Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Wasn't expecting much, but it was just really surprised. Uh, great movie. Fascinating. Uh, honorable mentions: Gods of Egypt. That's my first time watch it, guys. It's the dumbest, it's the best. best, smartest. It, it, it. I thought about this is how I decided. This is how this movie needs to be described. If we lived in a world that Star Wars didn't exist in, Gods of Egypt would be the biggest movie of 2016. <laughs> wow! It, it is. It is wildly inventive and stupid. It's an in, alternate time in the way that Star Wars. I would say I can offer up the best review of Gods of Egypt using only a quote from Gods of Egypt. You yes. Ready? <clears throat> <laughs> totally true. Uh, Gods of Egypt is one of the greatest things I saw this year, and I literally mean that for real. We go on uh, indie movie that Dan and I got to see at uh, the Puff Film Festival. Never heard Philadelphia of Philadelphia Unnamed Film Festival. It's awesome. Super indie movie. Really, really great. It's a ghost movie, like a ghost story movie that just has like a fucking great script it's yes. very low rent it's yep. very low budget, super low but yep. the script is awesome really and good the actors that they got the actors are, like are great perfect for it yeah good stuff and it's uh you know i said father-son stories like really do it for me it's actually a mother-son story uh, mom was so which awesome. is something that we don't yeah. get in movies that often and usually when we do it's about bad moms turning yeah. sons into psychopaths mm. oh wow you're that right. is not what this movie's about uh, I was, She's like good mom. Yeah, I uh, was like really. It, it's really good. It's a very unique, interesting uh, ghost story. Uh, pop star, funniest movie I saw this year. Like I put other yeah. comedies up here on the list because they were better movies, but pop star is far and away so the funny. funniest movie I Best saw. Best dick year. joke I ever seen in my life. Un- unreal. <laughs> uh, Karate Kill, uh, also from the Philadelphia <laughs> Unnamed Film Festival. It is a movie where two things happen: karate and killing. Uh, All that you need. And it's incredible. It's, it's, it's pretty fucking wild. It, it's yeah. totally wild. Uh, it has one of my favorite lines of the year in which a super racist white character watches the Japanese star of the movie run up the wall of a moving 18-wheeler. There's a whole action sequence that takes place in the tr- in the, like the bed of a moving 18-wheeler. It's incredible. With razor blades on the With wall. With razor blades on the wall. The guy runs up the wall of it, and the incredibly racist white villain goes... Oh, what? Your brother has a black belt in Cirque du Soleil 2? It's one of the best lines in a movie Holy this year. Uh, uh, the Witch, also on my list. Baskin is one of the most brutal things I've ever seen in my life. But is actually cool a phenomenal, interesting, fascinating horror movie that has just some beautiful, weird imagery in it. It's gro- It's not gross. It's not gruesome. It's grotesque. grotesque. Yes, agreed. Swiss Army Man and Green Room, we've talked about them. They both made my list. Here's something that nobody else talked about and uh, honestly was one of the movies I was most conflicted about this year, but really, really stood out to me and really held up to me, regardless of how conflicted I was about it. Don't breathe. Don't breathe, you I know, think. I it, thought you were about to say don't think twice. Which no, is, uh, <laughs> no, which I actually have not seen yet and would like to. Uh, but don't breathe. I, I was yeah. very conflicted about the movie. I have really complicated, conflicted feelings about that movie. That's a Re- fucking cool movie. Regardless <laughs> of all of that, it's yeah. a fucking cool movie. That definitely a- is. actually is like a really unique, interesting yeah. thriller. It's I a movie think. we need way more of. Yes. yes. We need way more movies like that that come out like in multiplexes. We need way multiplexes. less movies with rape yeah. dungeons, but we need True. way more movies that are Don't Breathe. Yeah. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's my I whole agree. conflict about that movie. In <laughs> the say, I have no problem with rape dungeons if yeah. they're used well. Yeah, um, <laughs> in a movie, and not not in real life, of course. <laughs> I think sorry, in Don't Breathe, was, it actually yeah. is used to good effect. I agree, and it's actually used in a way that that uh, there's that one thing that happens that sort of makes it all yes, okay. I, well, yeah, <laughs> well, not even necessarily makes it all okay, but they use it in a way where you go, oh shit, this guy isn't just a fucking right. rapist. Right, he yes. has no. Concept of sanity. <laughs> yeah, his well, concept of reality is fucking completely worse. It's scarier because there's yeah. no reasoning with right. this guy because yeah. he will he will reason himself yes. into a rape dungeon. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, he will yeah. You, you that think that way. it's a you think that it's a said rape dungeon, but then you re- but then you're like, oh, this is this isn't a rape dungeon. Right, but it's even like, s- but actually, but it is it kind of it. Yeah, it yeah, is yeah. and it isn't. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing that well, we're, we've he, said a lot. He has this one line where he justifies like, well, I drew the line here, so it's not rape. It's like, no, all of no, this that's is rape. rape. That's super rape. Yeah. But I love the idea. And then he, that, and then he, he says, tries to logistically but I'm tired of waiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. That movie was. I think we just need more Stephen Lang villains. Yeah, That movie was fucked six ways to Sunday, and at least five of those ways I was like really on board with. That's. Yeah, it's good it, shit. We need yeah. to see way more of those movies yeah. in the multiplexes. For Can sure. we not show the end of the movie at the beginning though? Horror Dude, movies I'm need to stop doing that. Done with yeah. it. Done with it. But and it I added surpri- nothing to that movie. But I was also like, I didn't know whether that was the past, the present, the, and I didn't know what that yeah. was. Yeah, but they, once they it's argue. but but once it's revealed to you, does it do anything for you? No. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's useless. To, well, it's, it's, it's there to. It's but supposed to add you need to open a You need yeah. to open your slashers with a kill. Yeah. But since this is not that type of slasher, right. they needed to open it with violence. Yeah. But you know what's... But I guess it serves the purpose of, like, you know what is coming for these characters. Like, you know what they're... Yeah, but, but I see, honestly that, that think that in me. that movie, that hurts it. I actually think it would have Maybe. been more interesting to not know where they were going to end up. They did pull that smart thing where the one character, um, you think... Yeah. Gets it, yeah. but then he exploited the blindness. Yes. So yeah, that yeah, was yeah. a really yeah. cool little I thing. I like that, too. Yeah. yeah. Don't breathe. Uh, yeah, Don't Breathe, I thought, was worth mentioning, re- regardless yeah, of that's how worth, that's weird cool movie. I feel about it. Yeah. 2016. 2016. 2016 was, was weird. It was a great year for uh, smaller movies, I think. Yeah. Uh, we're seeing, you know, because the, there's sort of been the death of the adult movie that's kind of gone from studios. But mm. there were uh, so many adult movies But we've got, But literally, that's all we talked about, because yeah. people are still making those movies. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. That is... Uh, and that's a good thing. Well, I think there's there's more adults going to the movies now. Yes. Um, I think the the glut of superhero stuff reminded a lot of people who didn't go to the movies that the theatrical experience can be something awesome. Mm-hmm. And as a result, you can get people that pay to go see a Nocturnal Animals or an L uh, and and see things and go, oh, there's value to not waiting till I'm at home. Hell or High Water was at that Ritz Theater. For like two for months. so long. It was there for so long. And I can only imagine, I know that theater. It's because people were going. Because people were going. Yep. Because more and more adults were going you know out what? to that see. That was a movie that I never saw a trailer for. Yep. I never saw an ad for. It was one of those where I just word of mouth. Yep. Yeah. Someone said, oh, you should check that out. It's yep. good. And then I looked at the pedigree and thought, oh, man, Chris Pine's a hunk. I could check Let's this out. Let's go do yeah, this. Yeah. Yeah. And my yeah. dad, I know like that's one of the few... You know, my parents, they make it to the movies a few times a year. That's yeah. a movie that my dad specifically set out to see. He's like, oh, I want to see that yeah. movie. Yep. yep. So, yeah. That and Sully. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't, yeah, my dad don't give a fuck about Sully. <laughs> uh, you guys want to wrap this up? Yeah, yes. that's everything. I think it's just been a wonderful year. It's been a strange year socially, but I, I just want to say I've had an awesome year. I, you know, personally, I, it's have, been great. Having on to 2017. Ref- yeah, having to reflect on it through movies 
does make it a little more yeah. palatable. Movies than, is prayer, man. It was. Yep. I yep. think that's amazing. Yeah, that's an amazing. Yeah, that's uh, Josh it. Larson, right? Is that his? Oh yeah, well, right? oh yeah. He's, he's gonna make that book. book. He yes. has a book coming it's out. It's what called, it is. Yeah, yeah. That's probably where I got prayers. the phrase. Yeah, movies yeah, yeah. is prayer. It's, yeah. it's meditation. Yep. It is what it, it is. is. Yeah. You know, I think writing about movies. We talk about movies. Where you know, we're talking about this year. We're talking about the themes. We're talking about our lives. We're talking about this year. We're talking about everything that's happened and and you know where we're going. So yeah, that's why we're doing this. You know, it's, I you know yeah. uh, writing about movies has given me a newfound kind of uh, I don't know. It's rejuvenated my love for creativity as well as Certainly. just. Uh, Honestly, like my own thought process, like I like engaging with things and, mm-hmm. and trying to see what shakes out in my own thought process from them. Uh, and that's something that I think is not unique to movies, but movies give that to me specifically. So yeah. let's, uh, let's wrap this thing up. Yeah, uh, I'm hungry and I need let's to Let's get out of here. My name is Garrett Smith and I like to movie movie. My name is Dan Scully and I like to movie movie. My name is Andy Elijah, and I have very much loved movie movie. <laughs> and, and we all know that you liked a movie movie in 2014, 15, 16, all three years we've been doing the show. We're going to do it for at least three more. And I don't know if you noticed on uh, Facebook today was our four-year friendship anniversary. Four-year friendship anniversary, posted, so. which makes our three-year anniversary as a show. Yep. Uh, I, I hope for three more years of yeah. show, four more years of friendship, at the very least. Uh, yeah. It's been nothing but a thrilling ride. Andy, thanks for being here, Thank man. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Yeah. And uh, because. We all know <laughs> that you. Wait, did we I did just do it wrong? Because we, we like to movie. movie. I fucked it up. That's all good.